Hi, I'm Hanako Greensmith. I play Violet Mikami, and you're listening to Meet Us at Molly's. Not gonna be all sunshine and roses, but I can promise it's gonna be a hell of a ride. Good evening. Tonight's top story everything is awful. What the hell happened last night? Y'all, that was rough. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. Most painful one Chicago Wednesday ever? I really think so, honestly. It was bad. <laughs> it was like it was really bad. Yeah, I I I'm I can't find the words right now. Like Yeah, I I got I got I got nothing. Yeah, we're like 24 hours almost removed from it and I still don't have I really don't have words I I've been lost for words all day I've been completely fucked up all day like I I can't like I can't get the, the final images of fire out of my head like no it is burned into my brain yeah I will never be able to unsee that I literally skipped over that part when I rewatched it for that line I just like I can't watch that again so you might notice there's a third voice with us today uh, <laughs> as always it's me and Bryna but uh Lauren from the locker room is with us today because she is you know our unofficial little sister which didn't somebody just call you that like me to Somali's little sister yes I, was <laughs> I like, love I'll that take so it. much I know it's so cute it is so cute so uh yes host of the locker room slash me to Molly's unofficial little sister Yes. Lauren is with Hello. us this week. Yes. And Lauren's going to stick around with us because uh, I made the decision this week not to watch Chicago PD, which like maybe I should have made the decision not to watch Fire instead. But I'm honestly, to- though, honestly, yeah. oh my God, <laughs> I know, I know. I think um, I would have rather not watch Fire than not watch PD. Right, yeah. right. So um, I will be with you for Med and Fire and then I'm going to dip and Brenna and Lauren are going to discuss PD. Um which again, really, I really should have just skipped fire. Uh, actually, I should have just skipped both of them, maybe. Um, <laughs> just for sanity like, purposes, at least. The pain in my heart today is like insane. I, like, am I the only one who feels this? No, the amount of times it took yeah. me not to cry while I was at work was like kind of unreal. I feel it, it hit me harder this morning. When I was thinking about everything, I was like, wait, <laughs> we're really never going to see Hawkins again. That's- I, I think the, the other thing, and we're probably going to say this multiple times throughout the episode, is that like, I feel like not only did Violet watch like the love of her life die, but like, I feel like I watched my friend die. Yeah. Like, yeah. I feel like I was outside the Pickwick watching the building collapse on my friend. Yeah. So like, my heart has just been broken into a million pieces today yeah it's like definitely something we have to it's like no jimmy is still alive hawkins jimmy is still alive like he is not dead jimmy is jimmy is safe he is wonderfully safe and fine and alive and yes not real not real not real but like that doesn't help anything like yeah yeah oh my god what why do we let these shows do this to us 
I don't know anymore. Honestly, I have no good answer for that because I'm like, I'm asking myself the same question. I'm like, why? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. So we're laughing right now. So we don't cry because chances are we are going to cry. (laughs) Oh, I know I'm going to cry. Last night we were all like, by the time, as soon as fire went off and the FaceTime went on, we were like, we were all just sobbing. It was like, what is happening? Like, we, we, yeah. So fire ended. We all jumped on a FaceTime, which is not normal for us. We jump on FaceTime at the end of PD. We jumped on at the end of, of fire and I'm not kidding you. So it was, it was the three of us. And then Logan and Kim from ladies night, all five of us were hysterically sobbing. Yeah, it was no words. Yeah. Well, and I called after med because they dropped the promo pics for episode five for episode five and I was like I can't I can't it was no yeah I like there's such a thing as like too much and and that was a lot we're straddling that line we're straddling that line but yes no I I definitely feel like I watched my friend die in a building collapse and even though I'm like (laughs) trying to convince myself I'm like no Gina like you didn't you weren't there. You were in your living room on the couch. Calm the fuck down. Like, <laughs> useless today. All right. So with that said, let's jump into the news. Okay. We have episode descriptions for the next two weeks because, you know, what, like, we didn't hurt enough this week. Let's hurt some more for the next two weeks. Right? Yeah. Okay. Chicago Med, season eight, episode four. The apple doesn't fall far from the teacher. That was a tongue twister. They're, they're... <laughs> They're getting tongue twisty. I know. Okay. So when a subway train goes off the tracks, Crockett volunteers to help the victims. Vanessa and Will must decide if they're willing to risk their jobs to save a patient. Hannah and Archer clash over a pregnant patient. I mean, the promo looked really good. Let me turn out that Will must decide if he's willing to risk his job to save a patient. (laughs) Like that's not every week of Chicago Med. (laughs) I think it's more like Vanessa must decide which way she's going now. But poor Vanessa is probably like in that ED and she's like, what the fuck is up with all these doctors? Like, yeah, Crockett's doing shady shit. Will is Will. Like, what the fuck? Yeah. Yeah. But no, it did look good. The promo. I mean, it, we at first we thought it was a bottle episode. It's obviously not a bottle episode, but like a Crockett doing stuff outside the hospital episode. Like, sign me up. I'll take that, please. He's got some ground to make up after this week. So I'm excited. Yeah. That'll be good. Yeah. Brenda, take us through fire. Okay. Fire 1104 is called the center of the universe. Um, Kid gets a glimpse into Carver's chaotic personal life. Mouch and Herman receive an unexpected gift that could not be more ambiguous if it tried. (laughs) I'm so mad at fire right now. I'm just like, like, I want to dissect it, but I don't because I'm just going to get hurt again. I just think it's an in- chaotic personal life. What the fuck does that mean? <laughs> right? Yeah. That is such a weird word to use when describing someone's personal life. I'm over mysterious Carver because every week they're like, oh, he's so mysterious. He has this huge. I'm like, just tell me. Like, hi. Yeah, they didn't even talk about like last week. That was such a big deal. The fact that like he didn't want to tell Stella his secret. And then this week it was like, oh, that's not even a thing anymore. And it's just like, what? How how did we go from last week? He was like willing to risk his job. And now they're cool. Like, I don't I don't get it. I don't get it. Yeah. But like, I need 
I, I, like, I need to know what emotions to direct at this guy. Okay. Like we're hurting our comfort. Two of our comfort characters were like <laughs> brutally ripped from us. There, there's, well, there's, and three, if you consider the last three weeks, if you can out Dylan too. Yeah. Why do the shows hurt this bad? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So there's like, there's spare energy in here and I need to know like where I can direct it. Can I direct it at Carver? Like who, where can I put this energy so that I don't get hurt again? Slash, it's worth my while. I'm not okay. Sorry, guys. Okay, um, we're not either. Oh, I'm not okay. Not okay. Nope. Oh, I guess this is the perfect time to segue. Um, at the end of this episode, you will hear our interview with Brennan Brown. But next week, we are talking to Jake Lockett himself, Mr. Sam Carver. That is correct. That is correct. Yes. So, uh, same questions. Yeah. Yeah. So that'll be good. We're gonna get to know him a little bit more. Um, Brennan was a lot of fun to interview too. Yeah, he was great. Yeah, yeah. A lot of fun. So yes, that is the perfect segue. But yeah, I mean, I need I need to know about Carver. Do I like him? Do I hate him? Stop dragging it out. Just like get to the point. <clears throat> yeah. Get to the point. Yeah. So PD 1004, and I'm gonna butcher this. It's called Donde Vives. I I always I took, say Donde Vives. I took French in high school and college. So <laughs> I think uh, it's Donde Vives. Okay. So a shocking murder pulls rookie Dante Torres into his own neighborhood as White and Atwater help him navigate the case and manage tricky personal dynamics with wary neighbors. Torres realizes his life may be forever changed. Okay. I am excited for a Torres episode, but like, I don't know. It's hard to muster up like that much excitement after how mad I am at PD last night too i was surprised that four wasn't a Haley episode yeah and that they made it a torres centric basically like us learning about his entire past and kind of getting to know him more after losing jay well i feel like they probably should have done it first like they probably should have started with like if not episode one episode two being a torres episode but they had to write jay off so like they couldn't go that far i just yeah i don't know i yeah yeah i am excited for a torres episode there was one snippet in the promo that like got my attention how like kevin's in the car and he's like working your own hood is gonna like mess you up so i do think that'll be an interesting duo to look at yeah but it's gonna hurt yeah because that's what the shows do now and especially if they just gloss over i guess i'm curious more than anything right now in this moment do they gloss over the J stuff? Like, cause obviously PD and past seasons, like, you know, it'd be like, oh, this is a Taurus episode. We're not going to talk about the Berzik scene that just happened, you know, in the episode prior. So like, are we even going to get J mentions next week? Are they going to actually have Haley and Voight talk about things? Like what is going to happen next week? Or is it just going to strictly be a Taurus episode? I'm like, are they just going to pan in on like an empty desk and then just move about their lives? Like probably knowing PD hate it here Gina down Gina down <laughs> we made it about what 10 minutes maybe not even I'm not crying yet but I hate it here oh yeah. my god it's so bad it's so bad uh okay we also have descriptions for episodes five so not next week but the week after that and let's get us started with med please this might honestly be my favorite med episode title yet. Med 805 is called Yelp. This is the world we live in. 
Um, it says the effects of the supply chain shortages continue to impact the ED when Vanessa's drug dealer reappears. One of the victims in the recent train crash needs a transplant, forcing Crockett to improvise. Charles and Nellie help a patient with amnesia. Um, are, by Vanessa's drug dealer, do they mean the person who was prescribing her or giving her prescription meds last year? I'm guessing. Do we, do we think the drug dealer knows Jesse Spano? Like, <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Once again, laughing so we don't cry. Uh, yeah. I yeah, just I wouldn't. Know. I don't. I. I don't know. I guess that is technically a drug dealer, but like, uh, I don't know. That that just makes it seem like she's like doing meth or something like that. Like, <laughs> <laughs> the promo photos are pretty interesting. We do see April once again, yes. Yes. and we see her reunite so with excited. Maggie and Will. Yeah, yeah. It's just. It's good to see her. I'm not going to lie. Mm-hmm. It's good to see her. But there's also some crazy shit going down because there was a promo photo of this guy like about to like bash some sort of like gurney or something with like a looks like a phone. I don't know. Shit's going down that week. Yeah. Basically the gist. So hmm. don't know. Uh, 1105 is called Haunted House. Firehouse 51 hosts a Halloween open house. Kid and Severide help a young girl after she gets kicked out of her home. Really brought out the big guns with that one, NBC. Ooh, told us so much. Yeah. Um, I feel like there's probably going to be a lot of Violet in these next couple episodes, obviously, and they just couldn't put anything about Violet in these descriptions without giving away last night. Yeah. So I feel like that's why they're more ambiguous than normal. Because don't we have a Violet and Severide story happening? Her family's coming. Yeah. 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 The the urge in this this post eleven oh three world that we're in the urge to just take Violet and like wrap her in a bubble, it's like overwhelming. I'm just like this poor thing. Like, just yep. come here, Violet. Come here. Protect her at all costs. But actually, though, <sighs> yeah, brutal. Uh, the promo photos are out for this one too, and they are pretty funny. Um, there's no Violet though. Like, I need to know if she's okay. Which like she's not. None she's of us not. are. No, none of us not. are. She's no. not. She's like, join the oh. Zoom, Violet. Do you want a glass of wine? Do you want a hug? Like, it's okay. Oh, <laughs> brutal. PD1005 is called Pink Cloud. Upton's dogged pursuit of a missing teenage girl leads the team into a dark web of human trafficking. Chief O'Neill becomes involved with the unit's investigation when it becomes evident his son, Sean, has a connection to the missing girl. The Why? Problem- Why, well, yeah, the... Uh, why why are we doing so dark again why are we torturing Haley? like why 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 the promo photos literally made me have like a mental breakdown (laughs) like they literally made me have a mental breakdown she's flat out unconscious in one of them did we ever figure out who that is in the photo with her did okay there was a the casting call for a jay lookalike and i bet you money that that no i actually not money no, i don't no, want to be don't, wrong don't say it don't say it for that. um i bet that i have a because she hits her head and i'm curious to see if it's going to be a scene where she kind of like groggily is like waking up and she sees that like form over her oh my god it's okay. jay. and then when she like cry focuses when it's not jay but it's gonna look like jay and she's gonna be like jay and then it's gonna be that random man but i'm like is that why they asked for a jay lookalike 
for it's that. It's got to be, right? Call? Or something in that realm. Because otherwise, why wouldn't they have just used Jesse before he left? Exactly. And then also, but in the, I'm curious to see if they weren't supposed to put up that photo because it s- says Adam Ruzik in the, That's definitely in the description. Not so, and Patty. it's not him. So I'm like, mm, do they spoil? So that photo opened up a whole new bag of worry for me. Um, but again, emotions have been like the highest of highs in the past 24 hours. So this could just be my stress levels, like going through the roof. But now that Jay is gone, do we need to worry about the Upzik door reopening? No. No. Okay. Jail, okay. That's, no. That was a legitimate no. ask. No, that was a legitimate ask from me. Jail. No. no. Okay. I think a- Berzik is in two good of a place right now for them to be like yeah you know what we're gonna do we're gonna go back to that thing from season six that was not that great let's be real (laughs) we're not off to a good start okay so but we're gonna take our berzik win and work from last week and we're gonna ride it into the rest of season 10 that's literally all we got right now so we're gonna point out wins anymore because you know what happens when we point out a win it gets taken away from us but what else are we going to hold on to? We got to hold on to something. I don't NBC know. Sponsored gonna... by birdhouses. <laughs> going to hold on to my William. Yeah. I'm fine. I'm oh, fine. Man. But yeah. So no, I know I do. I, that hadn't even crossed my mind and yeah. I'm not putting it in my mind. So no. Again, it was just, it just. That was a un- wild thought. It unlocked <laughs> it for a second. And I was like, let me field the question but we're good. It was a legitimate ask. It was a legitimate question. No, just asking for information's sake, but it was definitely a question. (laughs) Haley is bleeding all over the place in these promo photos when she is conscious. It's great. Just so yeah, good fun week, two weeks to come guys. The only good side is we're going to be together next week to watch. That's the only thing I'm looking forward to. Yes. So all three of us will be together in the same place basically next week. So that is good. I will bring all of the wine. Um, not the Josh brand, but <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know. I'm straight tequila at that point. <laughs> Laughing so I don't cry. Okay. So that's about all the news we've got. There were no postmortems on fire or PD. I was shocked. I, uh, P, PD, I wasn't shocked. I think they've got that like tight lipped. Like, I don't think we're, I'm sure there's like a bunch of NDAs signed somewhere that like, they're never going to talk about it. Like that didn't surprise me. Fire. I was a little surprised to be honest. Same. But also they killed off a not series regular. So I wasn't like totally surprised either. He was a series regular in our hearts. Yes. That. Jimmy's okay. Jimmy's alive. Jimmy's okay. Jimmy's alive. Like, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Patron shout outs. We have four this week, which is amazing. Cause I mean, this was a week that we all just kind of wanted to like hide in a cave and never come out. Yeah. So we have four patron shout outs this week, which is really awesome. The very first one, Anna, welcome to the family thank you for supporting us in the middle of this horrible time where none of us are acting like ourselves because we just feel terrible but thank you so much for joining the family 
hug welcome please join the facebook group um next up we have tatiana i may butcher this last name i apologize i i'm not even gonna try it i i'm gonna butcher that so bad tatiana welcome 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 we are so glad you are here yes yes um third patron shout out i'm gonna check the facebook group real fast and just check if they answered my question about how to pronounce their name i don't think you did okay so um yeah so i'm gonna i'm gonna go with it you guys if i if i butcher this please tell me the correct way i'm gonna say manasse 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 yeah yeah manasse or manasse tobin thank you so much for supporting us welcome to the family we're we're just yes welcome welcome we're not okay right now but we will be we will yes yes um and then last up we have a very special um patron um jimmy nicholas welcome to (laughs) welcome to the patron fam I, I don't, we're just, we're obviously, we're so glad you're here officially. Um, that was a very nice surprise to wake up to this morning. Yes. Friend of the pod forever. For life. Ever. Yeah. Yeah. And if, if you don't know yet, Jimmy, if you're out there, like you're stuck with us forever. We're following Oh, I told, you. I told him earlier, I was, when I was messaging, I was like, you're stuck with us forever. Like you yeah. can't get rid of us. You're not getting rid of the three of us. We're just no. going to follow you from project to project. So yep. get over it. But yeah. also like you're the best, Jimmy. We love you. Like, and welcome you're, you're the to best. the patron fam. <laughs> yes. 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 Jimmy. <laughs> All right. If you'd like to join the patron group for as little as $2 a month, please check the link in our socials. You'll see all the perks there. Bonus episodes, discount to the merch store, uh, all that cool stuff. So please check that out. All right. Let's cry, shall we? Well, we're not going to cry yet. Not yet. If we <laughs> cry yet. in med, then something's wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I might. I can't guarantee anything. I don't know. I don't know anything anymore, okay? Like, <laughs> all right. Let's start off with Chicago med. Okay. I got to be honest. Honest, honest. Last season, one of the best seasons of med, right? Season seven the was best season the of med. best season of med. These first three have been sleepers. They're not like the worst things ever, but like compared to last season, they're not as great. And also just like everything else in one Chicago is so fucked up right now that I have like no energy to care even slightly really about what's going on at med. They're just fine. Like they're just average fine episodes. I'm just so bitter over the Dylan exit. I have not been able to get over it. And like the reasons behind him exiting bother me so much. Yep. I just can't. I just can't. What? You you don't make your whole entire career, your entire identity, and then have nothing else about you to talk about? I'm (laughs) it. I did. What is happening? And then they, I can't. I'm going to go on a soapbox if I start. Do it. Do it. (laughs) I just don't understand why they would like we have three new people and we got rid of our two newbies from last season well I know one was whatever but like are they just here to be kicked off can we like them I don't like half of them do we like (laughs) what 
Well, and there's supposedly that fourth newbie that hasn't shown up yet. The rich donor guy or whatever, you know, he hasn't shown up yet. So four new people. It's like, then why are we getting rid of fan favorites? And I just don't, I just don't understand what the, the choices, what, what is happening? Yeah. It'd be easier to stomach if you brought us another i mean granted there can never be another stevie or another dylan but like someone who we actually like immediately last year we fell in love with stevie and dylan and like this year all the new people i'm like i hate i really hate all three well the one guy that works with ethan whose name i can't remember he's fine that in turn he's fine but like the other two i really can't stand so like you give me, you take away two people I love for two people now I can't stand. It's like, mm, that's not going well so far. And the way they built up Dylan and Stevie's storylines, we were able to like grow attached to them. They mm-hmm. quickly became favorites and you knew they were going to stay. Well, and then, but then yeah. these newbies, the way that they're writing them, I don't, I hate them. So yeah. It, there's just no characters in med. I know we have our like the five or six that we have, but it's just like hard to look at the new people and be like, yes, like you're a great addition. I don't know. It's just. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll start off with Archer, though there wasn't really a ton here. Um, So their patient David is back. You guys remember David from the premiere? He was in the premiere, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. yes. David is the teenager who is presenting with schizophrenia. And basically, Dr. Charles and Nellie were like, you know, you need to get him help. And the parents were like, there's nothing wrong with him. Like, how dare you? So he's back because he basically is having these delusions of persecution where he thinks that everybody's out to get him. He basically sees a billboard of a guy selling insurance and it immediately is like, he's out to get me. So he like jumped out of the car and like almost jumped in the road and the dad basically pulled him back. And so that's why they're back at med. So they're back at med and everything is just kind of happening. And the dad all of a sudden collapses. So he has an aortic dissection, which, you know, it's like, they don't make too big of a deal of it, but it does, this storyline in particular does mean a lot to Steven Weber personally um back for during his time on wings he he was friends with john ritter lauren do you even know who john ritter is was no yes yeah yeah Uh, yeah. let me google real quick okay so john ritter obviously he well not obviously if you were born close to the year 2000 like our dear little sister lauren yes no Yes. I mean, I only know, I mean, honestly, I know more from the name and like knowing how he passed away than mm-hmm. I actually can say I've watched him really in anything. Like I only really know the name because of that. I, I was familiar with him on Eight Simple Rules for My Teenage Daughter, which I yeah. think was like early 2000s, maybe. Yeah, like uh, I kind of know that show a little bit. I know how he passed, but like, I don't know that. I'm not like super, you know. Yeah, so my understanding is that Steven Weber was on Wings with John Ritter, and they were very good friends. And John Ritter did, in fact, die of an aortic dissection. So uh, he was really happy that they were telling this story. And he did post a video on the Wolf Entertainment account talking about the John Ritter Foundation. I have not been able to check that out yet, but go check it out if if you get the chance. So, oh, Jason Ritter's his son. That's right. That, Yeah. 
I know Jason Ritter. <laughs> yeah, he's I can't even remember the stuff that he's been in, but he's been in a lot of stuff. Yeah. So um, if you get the chance to check that out, check the video that Steven or that, that Wolf Entertainment posted of Steven talking about the John Ritter Foundation. It's important to him. Yeah, he did a lot of press about it too, mm-hmm. you know, and what it means to him and the fact that they were able to tie in the John Ritter Foundation to the storyline, which I thought was, like you said, very cool. Very cool. Yeah, very cool. I might actually seek out Wings mostly just because I need a show that won't hurt me right now. Where can no. you even watch it? We can find out. I mean, if not, I feel like we should do a bonus episode on it. We should. Great idea, Brenna. I got you. Yeah, mostly I just I just need a show that won't hurt me, and it's not going to be any sort of current show. So <laughs> yeah, Accurate. I'm hanging on. I'm hanging on. I'm trying, guys. I'm trying. That may be the rookie. The rookie. I don't know. I'm I'm have hope that the rookie's not going to hurt me. So I'm in. I'm in. I'm still in catch up mode on that one. That's why I said catch up. Yeah. Yeah. I feel bad for Lisette's character that Nolan's her TO, but that's beside the point. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. So David's back. The dad has an aortic dissection and really, they don't really, they, they, you don't really see much of it at the end of the episode. They just mentioned that like, Hey, it's been resolved. So which I thought was kind of weird. Like they give this whole storyline and they like do make the whole point to tie it into the John Ritter foundation, but then it's not really a point in the episode. It's like, I don't know. I feel like if you're going to go so far as to be like, yeah, we're going to tie it into the John Ritter foundation and make the, you know, point to like talk about it at the end of the episode like they make this whole point and then they like barely touch on it in the episode and I was like this is like AR you know people think that like don't really know about that and it's just I thought that was important and they just kind of glossed over it which I was like okay my understanding is your heart just like rips in two yeah something like that science is crazy mm-hmm Ooh. Yeah, so it, it does resolve itself, but I, the, the deeper meaning is what it means for Stephen Weber. So definitely check that out. Um, now that now that we love Stephen Weber, um, yeah, now that we're Archer stands, <laughs> we are Archer stands, Archer stands. Yes. So uh, yeah, check that out. But that's about it on the Archer front. So next up is Doctor Charles. Brenna, take it away. Okay, Doctor Charles, like you said, had a lot going on. He's got he's got a lot. So he is still on the hunt for a new therapist. It is not going well for him at all. He's trying, but he's just like so disappointed with how nobody seems to care anymore. They just very much handle it like, okay, well, I did this first and then I do this second. And like, if you don't fall into that box then we'll try that, like they just clearly just go by a checklist and they're not actually like being therapists and like listening. Um when was the last time either of you had a doctor appointment that lasted longer than five minutes? Uh, last week. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, yeah, you've got some, some things happening, but yeah, last week, if I go into the doctor for like a cold, I'm usually in and out in about two minutes. It's a real, it's I've heard, I've had this conversation with my dad a lot about how just like how medicine has changed and how very much people just don't care. Like it's like, they just don't care it's bananas and like scary mm-hmm. scary i had an appointment today and i was in and out in five minutes which like okay hi bye like yeah i don't know bananas but goodwin does bring that up but anyway go on yeah so basically like you said archer's hand was handling the dad and the aortic dissection but 
Dr. Charles and Nellie handle the son. And so, you know, as Gina said last time, when we last saw them, you know, the mom and the dad both were like not having anything that Dr. Charles said. They didn't want to believe that their son could possibly be mentally ill. And so the mom apologizes this time around for like being less receptive than they should have been. Um, But of course, once again, so when Nellie and Dr. Charles are talking to her, we get two different sides. Like Nellie just kind of brain dumps what she knows and is trying to clearly, I think, prove herself. And like Dr. Charles clearly knows what he's doing because not only does he like present the facts and what's going on or whatever, but he also has the experience and knows how to handle everybody differently and meet their needs for like what they need to hear and the way they need to hear it. And Nellie is not there yet. She thinks she is, but she's not there yet. She's just like very textbook smart. Yeah. 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 She has no bedside manner yet. And she just presents herself as a know-it-all and I can't stand it. She's like a slightly more likable version of Sarah Reese. You think she's more likable than Sarah Reese? Slightly. Interesting. I would have said the opposite. Sarah was very dry. But then we got to know her more. The, the, yeah, when she was interested in Noah, that was pretty cute. Um, okay, wait, maybe I take it back. Maybe she's just like the 2022 version of Sarah Reese. Yeah, no, for sure. And I, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. I, I don't have strong hopes for Nelly, but we'll see. I'm going to get shit for that one. I know it. Anyway. Yeah. But so anyway, so they keep working with David and Nellie, like I said, Nellie has no bedside manner yet. So she comes off, everything she does comes off a little cold, unpersonal, you know, all those things. And so basically Dr. Charles tells her that like everything she's read is irrelevant if she can't get the patient's trust. And she is like blown away at the fact that he like basically said that to her. She is like, did you really just talk to me like that? And it's like, uh, yeah. He's your superior. Of course he did. What is with this current class of residents? Oh they my suck. God. They suck. They are mouthy little shits. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I, yeah. Like I have, I only, I have such, I have a limit at work, right? Like certain people can say certain things and I'm like, fine. My bosses get away with all of it because they are my bosses and they are trying to make me better. Okay. Like, I can't believe the balls on these residents to like talk back to their attendings the way they have in the past two episodes. Yeah. It's insane. I would never. Mm -mm. Yeah. So Dr. Charles brings, you know, at one point, David, Dr. Charles is like, can I get you anything? And David's like a Coke. And so Dr. Charles is like, sure. So Dr. Charles brings David his Coke only to find out that David has been sedated. And he's just like, who the hell did this? And so David mentions like, oh, Trini did it. And so he goes, talk to Trini. And Trini's like, well, you know, um, Nellie ordered it. And it's just like, Dr. Charles is pissed. Like, Nellie fucked up. He became extremely agitated and was resisting restraints. Lorazepam worked this morning. You didn't see how upset he was. How's all then? He was going to tear out his IV. His mom was freaking out, you begging me to do- You cannot let a family member pressure you into making a rushed treatment call. It wasn't rushed, it was necessary. And besides, the meds will clear his system by tomorrow morning at the point, latest. we'll be back at square one with David, if we're lucky, all right? Any trust established down the drain. How about this? In the future, maybe at least page me. 
before administering a very high dose of antipsychotics to a patient we're still evaluating. With all due respect, Dr. Charles, I am not a trainee. Six milligrams is well within the standard of care. I standard of care? Whatever that is, is not some blanket template you follow without any regard for the person in front of you you're supposed to be helping. Okay, wait. Si sorry, sidebar. Is she a resident or is she... She's a fellow. A fellow. Okay, because didn't she tell Didn't she tell Dr. Charles she's like, I'm not your resident or she said something like that. Yeah, no, she, yeah, she says something, but like, she's a fellow because she mentions, she's like, I've already done all my training or whatever. Like, so she's been through yeah. medical. She's done all that. She's like on the other side. Yeah. Um, she said, I'm not a trainee. Okay. Yeah. Which is why she thinks she knows better, but like, girl, you're still learning. You've literally yeah. had no real actual experience in the world. You've just, you've literally just learned what you've learned from your textbooks. Yeah. And you pissed off Dr. Charles. You know how hard that is to do? Yeah. Like, I don't even think Will has done it in eight seasons, and that <laughs> says a lot. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, Nellie does apologize, and we're just like, I should have spoken to you first before medicating David. Look. You know, it was a chaotic situation, and I understand that you felt the need to act swiftly. I do. I probably did jump to medication too quickly, if I'm being honest. I know I rely heavily on the literature and the standard of care, but I just don't always feel like I can trust my own instincts. I mean, it took me years, years, and still I have, I have my days when, you know, but this I can promise you, you will get there. You will. There's not a, not a shred of doubt in my mind. Trust me on that. Honestly, though, she apologized, but like, I still don't care. Like, she apologizes, but like, I don't care. And I just, I don't believe, I don't necessarily know if I believe it. Because what's going to change? Like, she's going to... Yeah. I understand what she said about not trusting her own instincts. But you can't mouth off to your superior like that. You can't do that. Mm -mm. Yeah. And if they're going to continue to have this dynamic the rest of the season, or until something happens, like, I can't do it every episode. It's going to no. get old. It's already old. And it'd be one thing if you said, like, okay, that's Nellie and Dr. Charles's dynamic, or it's Kai and uh, Crockett's dynamic, but it's everyone's dynamic. The only yeah. one that's not is Zach and Ethan's. But, like, so it's, like, it's multiple people's dynamic, and it's, like, I can't watch it with Nellie and Dr. Charles and also then with Crockett and Kai. Like, no. I barely want to watch it once, let alone twice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I just don't, something about her just rubs me, really rubs me the wrong way. I just, I'm not a fan. I'm sure that she'll soften up in the next couple of episodes. But for right now, when everything is so in flux on, on, across all three shows, it's just not helping matters. Yeah, one of the littlest irritation from characters I'm not quite sure about, like what you're talking about with Carver and we'll get to with Carver. It's just like, 
that's not what I want. What I want right now is comfort and things that are not comforting to me. I'm just like, nope, I don't want it. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that absolutely. is Nellie. Absolutely. So yeah. I'm sure she'll come around, but um, hopefully. Yeah. Who of the three residents, who's the first one to come around? Do you think? Well, think Zach is already kind of halfway. Likeable. Yeah. Zach's like halfway there already. So yeah. Zach seems cool. Yeah. He seems yeah. cool. And then, uh, but my thing is too, like, where are we going to, are the residents going to, how are we going to end the season? Are they still going to be residents? Are we? And do they even make it till the end of the season? Yeah. And then are we, are they going to be promote? Like, I don't get, like, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great question. Cause I don't know. Yeah. It's a good question, but yeah. Um, if you missed it last week, we did shout out the, the actor who plays Zach Hudgens, uh, Connor Perkins is his name. He has a Disney podcast. Um, so like, go check that out. I don't think he knows it yet, but we're going to be best friends pretty soon. So <laughs> it's in my head. Um, I did actually creep on the guy who plays Kai. Okay. So the guy who plays Kai, his name is Devin and I'm probably going to butcher this last name, but it's Kaywoka. He's got a musical theater background. So we could be fast friends with him too. <laughs> we could be besties with him too. We just oh, won't like sure. Kai. Look, Kai might be a dick, but I'm sure Devin's cool. And we can nerd out about, we can nerd out about some musicals and be fast friends. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. So, you know, maybe not all hope is lost, but (laughs) I don't know. All right. So moving into Ethan and Hannah, first off this pairing, Ethan and Hannah, I like it. It's like the one good bright spot from this episode. I was like, if they're going to give me Ethan and Hannah BFF moments all season, I'll take it. I like this pair a lot. Yeah. If they're going to be willing to play with the pairings this season, I'm, I'm happy with that. If they're just willing to shake it up and be like, let's put this person with this person this week. Yes, please. Keeps it exciting. Yeah. It was, I think Hannah has just been a bright spot altogether this season. Oh, hundred percent. Without her, I don't, I don't know. (laughs) I was very like, when she came back, I was like, "Eh," like I was, I didn't really have an opinion. And now that she there, I love her. Like, I'm yeah. so happy she's back. Queen Hannah Asher, which yes, I would have queen. never thought I would have said no. like a year ago. I know. But queen Hannah Asher. Like, she's truly saving the season. I'm just going to say it. I don't. I'm yeah. obsessed. She is just like, she's setting boundaries. She's getting shit done. Like, yes, you slay queen. Go yes. on. <laughs> Do your thing. We need okay. Hannah merch. Oh my God. I just realized that. Yes. Yeah. We do. Yeah. So first and foremost, before we even get into Ethan and Hannah, Ethan is in a floppy hair era and it's great. He's so hot. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. It's, it's like not too long where it looks like shaggy and, you know, gross, but it's, it, it works. It works. Makes me think back to that video on one Chicago day in, ni- in 2019, when Nick was talking about how hair is like an important component to saving a life and Ethan just wait, or Brian just walked away. He just walks off. He's like, <laughs> you care about hair. I, I love that video. Iconic. I don't think he gets to do that anymore because now he's got good hair too. Yeah. Love it. I love that video so much. <laughs> so Ethan's patient is a pregnant woman named Eliza. And so he's like, okay, well, I'm going to grab the OB and you know dr asher and she's gonna come take a look at you and liza just kind of lights up and she's like hannah asher like no no we need to find another doctor she's an addict and so ethan's like um okay but all right i'm just gonna go with it and like kudos to ethan in this whole setup because like 
he does a really good job towing the line of like making sure that the patient's wishes are respected, but also not disrespecting Hannah. Yeah. And so when she finds out she is a little, she does feel a little disrespected, but Ethan is very quick to be like, listen, here is why. Like, honestly, this is exactly why everything I did, I did. Ethan does a great job here. Really good job. So we get a quick little moment of Kai and Dr. Hudgens. And Kai is just stirring shit like he does. Just fucking Kai. I know. So he's like, oh man, you got Dr. Choi. He goes, word is he got his last resident fired. Noah Sexton reference. (laughs) I was honestly shocked. And I was like, wait a second. I was like, oh shit. I was like, that is a Noah Sexton reference. (laughs) How do we think he's doing in Atlanta? Like, do we think he's doing well? I hope he's doing well. I would love for April now that she's back. Just like, I need like Mm. one, just one little tiny, tiny Noah reference. Like, do has he settled down what do you think oh no about settled down (laughs) i feel like he's thriving i'd give him that totally thriving yeah has he finished um school yet i mean has he finished his residency you think probably not right how many years has it been Mm, two i think three two something like that this just sounds like a Roland tweet. Hi, Roland. Yeah. Remember us? Has Roland even like been on Twitter or Instagram recently? I don't think so. He's on Insta sometimes, I think. Occasionally. Occasionally, yeah. Yeah. But I like that headcanon, Lauren. Noah's just thriving in Atlanta. He's crushing it. Yeah. Yeah. Crushing it. Uh, so we see Dr. Pachevsky. If you forget who Dr. Pachevsky is, she is in fact the doctor that Will made out with that one time. I always forget about that. <laughs> I am determined that I'm determined to make sure nobody forgets about that. You just remember all the random Will facts. Let's be real. <laughs> it's like, oh, Will made out with a random girl at this random bar. I'm gonna remember that because it has to do with Will. I make no apologies for my my Will Halstead standing. Okay. No, you really run that. Every single time Will does anything, I'm like, Gina, please come get your man. Like, <laughs> come get him. He's acting out again. Yeah. There was some promo photo last week that like you texted me about and you were like, come get your man. And I was like, no, he probably has good reason for this. (laughs) I can't even help it. It just like, it just happens. It just pours out of you. It really does. It really does. It's just an instinct. I don't know. So yeah, Dr. Pachewski runs into Hannah and sort of spills the beans. And Hannah's like, why the fuck are you here? Like, I'm the one who covers the ED. So Dr. Pachewski's like, well, this just got awkward real fast. And we cut to this moment with Dr. Troy. So if you have a question about my qualifications or something. Of course not, Hannah. Then why would you ask another obstetrician to do an ultrasound in the ED when I'm here? Obviously, you don't trust me. It's not that. I... <sighs> the patient requested another doctor. She, she knew about your past. What now? Does she know me personally? She didn't volunteer that information, so I didn't press it. Fine. Forget it. Hannah. I'm just so sick of this following me everywhere I go. No matter how much progress I make, everyone's still judging me for who I used to be. Once again, Ethan did a great job here. Yeah. 
But I can't blame Hannah for either for her feelings, because I think if I were in her situation and I was trying to move on from my past and prove that I've changed, like I wouldn't want my past hindering my, you know, abilities either. And that's what it, you know, and that's what she says. She's like, I'm just so frustrated that I can't escape the past or I don't remember her exact line, but like something along those lines, like I would be so frustrated if I was in her position too. Yeah, especially because we saw in the premiere, you know, she survived the fire and everything and it still came back to bite her. Yep. So, yeah. But I think that's going to be a really interesting aspect this season if they choose to take it further of exploring how her past is always going to catch up with her and how she's going to handle it. Yeah. And so far, it seems like she's not letting it get to her and she is able to find her way, you know, through the roadblocks. But it'd be interesting, too, if she, like, comes across a situation where she can't figure out a way to, like, move past it. Mm-hmm. um yeah. yeah I just love her so <laughs> I love her so much yeah wait how long how many episodes do you give it until her and will make out they seem like they haven't even touched a romance like in so far in the three so I'm gonna say post mid-season okay that's fair I actually do really hope that they take the slow and steady right make it a slow burn especially given now that Will has nobody left in Chicago, he really needs somebody. Uh, I'm sorry, my Will Halstead stand is showing again. But I just like my only thing now with slow burns is I'm like so hesitant to be like I love a good slow burn. Typically, I really do, but at this point, I'm almost just like so burned by slow burns that I'm like, but if it takes too long, then what happens if so and so wants to leave and then we ruin the? Th- I'm just like I I, yeah. I have trust issues and I'm just like. I don't want it to be rushed. Like, I don't want it to be like to next week they're making out because that just, no, that's not where they're at. But like, I also don't want it to take three seasons either because I have trust issues. Right. Yeah, I give it like finale-ish time. Yeah, definitely sometime in the back half. I don't think it's happening in the next like six episodes. Look, this is life as an empath, okay? I cannot physically insert myself into this fictional world and be here for Will and for Violet and all these other characters who are hurting. So I need the other characters to step up for them. So yeah, I, I, I'd be okay with a slower burn than usual. Yeah, but slower. Not a, yeah, not slower. a slow burn to the point that they finally happen. And then Nick is like, you know what? I'm good. Like, mm. Yeah. Yeah. No. No. So later on, they're about to discharge Liza and Doris finds her passed out. And so there's no other choice in this instant but to grab Hannah. And it confirms exactly what we thought is that they know each other. They know each other. So Eliza's in withdrawal and Hannah talks to her. They know each other from like their group therapy sessions. Eliza was afraid to see Hannah because she thought Hannah was going to have to like mandatory report her. Because she shot up during her pregnancy. Yeah. yeah. Which is why this Hannah Will pairing for this episode, or not Hannah, Hannah Ethan pairing for this episode was genius. Because mm-hmm. they both had such a change in focus now that they are both like, no, like she sought out help. She doesn't deserve that. Yeah. So yeah, I thought that was really, really good. Really good. And yeah, so, I know yeah, it really worked. Mm-hmm. Eliza refuses to take anything while she's pregnant. So then- Hudgens brings Ethan coffee and he's like, oh, and I brought you like every single paper I've ever written and like my (laughs) goals and like pretty much my life story. And Ethan's just like, I, cool. (laughs) Cool. Yeah. 
So Hannah kind of apologizes for getting on him earlier in the episode. And Ethan just says, he's like, you know, I know how frustrating it is to feel like you're always being held to a prior version of yourself, which is a really interesting statement, especially with April coming back in the fold. Mm -hmm. I wonder how those two are going to get on in these, these subsequent episodes. Well, and do we think, obviously, she comes back in episode five, and we know she comes back a couple more times this season, or is slated to at this point, mm-hmm. but, like, I guess I'm curious, like, are they automatically hopping back into a romance? Are they just friends when she comes back? Like, are they just friends? Like, what has happened in between the premiere and when she comes back in episode five? Like, where are we going to find them? They're fucking. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Lauren, this is why I love you is because we are like, we just, we egg each other on is what we do. And so my headcanon was that in episode two, Ethan went on like a two week vacation with April and they had absolutely like crazy sex. So (laughs) I feel like they're going to dance around each other all season while secretly being like, yeah, we fucked on vacation. (laughs) Gina. This is why, like, yeah, poor Brian is the adult in this situation, and Lauren and I are just like, yeah, like, <sighs> yeah. My no. thing too, but the premiere, like, I was always, I did not like April and Ethan at all, at all. By the end, I just was they toxic. I could not, yeah. But in the premiere, that like one scene, I was like, oh my gosh, like, how? Huh? It was so good. And then all of a sudden I was like, got the little buzz back. So now I like need them to be together now. Um, truth be told, Lauren almost missed the Ethan and April scene in the premiere because she was busy talking to her friend. And I was like, Lauren, you need to pay attention to this. Also like five marks deep by the time that ended. So I met the first show. Yeah. It was a, it was a night. Okay, oh, it was man. a night. It was a night. But no, I, I I felt the same way. I was very happy for Ethan, just that like she was back in the fold. But it's, I'm wondering if they're going to allow each other that episode to kind of dis- rediscover each other, really. Because yeah. I really hope both of them have grown enough to the point that they realize they are not the same person they were in season six. Yeah. And I really would like to see that where they give each other space to rediscover each other as, you know, 2022 individuals I was gonna say adults but they were already adults well and I feel like something has to eventually happen between them whether it's in episode five or further down the line because why else would April come back for multiple episodes throughout the season if I mean yeah I get she's friends with everyone who's still at med but like I don't feel like they would show us that if they were just all friends like I feel like eventually there's gonna be something happening between them or else like why do they keep bringing Yaya back you know, I feel like I, her storyline is going to be with Ethan. Yeah, 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 that's what I'm saying, yeah. I wouldn't even be mad if those two came back together and decided, okay, maybe we're not e- it for each other. Like, I'll be excited if we just get closure from this. Regardless yeah. of what that closure is, I will be happy about that. Especially if they're at peace with whatever decision. Like, if yeah. they're okay with it and it doesn't end in some, like, tragedy or whatever, like, I just, if they're at peace with it and they decide, you know what, we're not meant to be that's okay if they decide you know what we've taken this time apart and we realize that all we want to be is with each other then that's okay too yeah 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 I I think that'll be a really beautiful thing that they got that they got that second chance and they got that closure and whatever conclusion they came to that's beautiful yeah yeah love it 
I love that. I love that. So take it away, Brenna. Crockett, 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 Crockett. Sir. (laughs) What are you doing, sir? Like, come on, Crockett. We love you, but like, what are you doing? Yes. But also, how was the Emmys? (laughs) (laughs) I really want to know. She's dying to have, I mean, we want Dominic back on the podcast for many reasons, but the first question she's already told me, she's like, uh, we're going to talk the Emmys. Like, we're going to. You cannot to. tell me that Dom and Shireen did not look amazing in those photos. Like, they, they were did. their best they lives. They served. They yes. did. Go. Do your thing. Live your best life. Have a great night. And I want to know how it went because they looked like they had a great time. <laughs> oh, man. But Crockett tonight. Crockett. Or last night. Mm, no, Wednesday no, no. night. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever night. So it starts off and Crockett decides he's going to be the bigger person and apologize to Kai, which like, not your fault, bro. Like, why are you the one apologizing? But okay, I guess you're trying to be the bigger person, but like. Why? Why? Do not let your resident gaslight you into apologizing. No, sir. We're we're in our petty era. Why are we apologizing? Just kidding. (laughs) That's bad. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. And Archer, of course, like, sees this whole go down and Archer's, like, makes a co- Archer comment, which, like, honestly, at this point, Archer comments don't bother me. Like, I was like, eh, that's kind of, like, a mundane one for him. I was like, eh, that's not that bad. The gift shop, co- the gift shop comment made me chuckle a little bit. I'm not going to lie. I was just like, oh, okay, whatever. It's fine. Yeah. He didn't, like, directly attack anyone. I was like, it's fine. Yeah. Like, mini burn. So this week, for the first time in a, like a really long time, probably since the beginning of last season, when we thought maybe that was going to be a thing, we get Crockett and Vanessa working together. That's my biggest loss. They could have been so good. I'm sorry. Anyways, moving on. They could have been so good. And then we got, well, we thought we were even going to be more blessed when we got Crockett and Avery, and that could have been great. And then we instead got Crockett and Pamela, which was like, eh. And then, like, Vanessa and Shentu had so much promise, and... Yep. <sighs> yep. Yeah, there was a lot of missed ship opportunities last season. Yeah. I fell for all of them, so... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, basically, they get a patient who fell, and Crockett finds a blood abscess on his back. And he's got kidney disease, and that's caused a lot of bone loss, and it basically puts him in need of a spinal stabilization surgery. Um, so enter Dr. Abrams. As we mentioned, Brennan is on the podcast at the end of this episode. He was lovely. We had a great time. We had so much fun. Brennan was great. Yeah, definitely made me see Abrams differently. Like at one point, Crockett calls him out in the scene, and he's like, oh, he's like, you won't touch it because of your stats or whatever. And like, after now talking to Brennan and the way Brennan approaches Abrams, I was like, ah, nope, that's not why. But like, okay. Yeah, Yeah, I love when we get that extra, that extra layer of intel on the character. And we're like, that's why they act that way. I love that. Or at least in Brennan's mind, that's why he acts that way. It's just, it's very cool. I was was like, oh, there's it. There it is right there. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. So anyway, but yeah, Dr. Abrams is like not touching the surgery. He's like, nope, not doing it. Like there's too many complications. He's like, we're, we're not, we're not, we can't do this. Um, and so basically Vanessa and Crockett are kind of left at like a, well, he needs the surgery, but he can't have the surgery. So what are we going to do? And they're like, well, we're going to opt up to up his platelets. Um, 
So Crockett talks to the patient's sister. It turns out they're twins, which, okay. Um, and so basically everything comes back to down. Like his platelets have always been low, meaning a transfusion wouldn't do anything. And like Crockett makes a comment at one point. He's like, unless, and he's like, no, 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 never mind. And it's like, Crockett, what are you up to? Like, Sir. Can, um, Crockett. So he does get a transfusion and it does somehow end up being a success. And Crockett's like, Vanessa, you should go deliver the good news. Um, And Abrams is like suspicious from the get go. He's like, I don't know. Something's weird here. I don't know how this all kind of magically worked out. Um, But he does the surgery and he's like, turn on my playlist or whatever. And it's like (laughs) the most Abrams playlist I would have probably expected. It's like, totally abrams it really is but i i did i did put a tweet out because it was just too good not to uh i put a tweet out during this episode and i was like, all right wrong answers only what is on abrams playlist like wrong answers only let's go yeah uh brendan did reply i did tag him i was like just in case you want to play like here you go brendan said tum thumping by chumbawamba would be on his playlist which it's is great so song. great it's a it's great so song great. i thought that was really good lauren what are some things you think would be on brendan or not brendan dr abrams playlist wrong answers only I'm so bad at this game. <laughs> I know. I love you though. <laughs> um, it'd be like, like the YMCA, the Macarena, like the Macarena, like really bad. Like it's like he goes like, to start surgery and his surgery warm up is the Macarena, like. <laughs> and now I can cut. Okay. <laughs> Brenda, any ideas? Um, I responded yesterday to the tweet and I, well, I responded with a Lizzo gif, but it's either got to be something like Lizzo or like Cuff It by Beyonce. Like it's got to be something in that realm for sure. Dr. Abrams is definitely in a Lizzo era. Like he just, yeah, he will never admit it, but he loves Lizzo. I'm always in my Lizzo era. I love her. She's a queen. Yeah, she's a queen. I'm so bummed. She's coming to my hometown, but I will be in Europe. I'm so bummed. I'm I seeing love her, her in so November. Uh, I'm so jealous. Jealous. Fine, fly out. Come see her with me. I'm, don't Fine. tempt me. We know how this. We know how well this went last time. He's like, I have no more days, but don't tempt me. I know. I know. Lauren's like, I'm going here. Just come with me. And I'm like, okay. I'm like, here is my trip itinerary. Come. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm just like, I'll see you there. Like, yeah. Yeah. No, Dr. Abrams is definitely in like a closet Lizzo era and he will yeah. never admit it for sure. Yeah. <laughs> so Go, surgery ends up being success, but Abrams takes a lashing out on Vanessa. He's mm-hmm. like, listen, he's like, I, the surge, we got lucky with the surgery, but what you guys did isn't cool. And Vanessa's like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, I don't know what's going on. Turns out Crockett slipped him steroids and that's how they were able to have the successful transfusion, ultimately leading to a successful surgery. And Vanessa is pissed. She is so pissed. And she then goes and lashes out at Crockett, which like, honestly, Crockett deserved every second of that. He used her. Yep. Yeah. When at one point she's like, so I guess you don't respect me. I forget her exact line, but she's basically calling him out for not respecting her. And he's like, no, no, no. Like, that's not true. Yes, it is. 
Yeah. Yes, it is. You didn't even give her the decency to be like, hey, this is what I'm thinking. You can go along with it or not. Like he thinks he's protecting her, but she's like, no, like if you had really wanted to protect me or like at least respected me, like you would have given me the choice and I could have decided whether what I thought about it. I don't know what they're doing with Crockett this season, but. (laughs) Yeah, I hope he honestly, I feel like next week, hopefully the fact that he's like not in the ED, he's like, you know, having his little mini bottle episode moment or whatever. I hope that gives him some sort of like redeeming thing. Cause like the crock of the season, I haven't hated him or anything, but I'm just like, what are you like? What is going on? I'm always like, where are you? How is this? Like, where are we going to end up? How are you going to end? Yeah. yeah it seems like he's spinning out after all the dr blake stuff and he doesn't know you know he can't trust himself and it's just like yeah. he's spinning out i wish we had asked brennan a little bit more about the abrams crockett dynamic because i did think that was very interesting how abrams of all people is like kind of accusing crockett of being like manipulative and conniving it's it, I, I thought that was really interesting probably just because of the dynamic he had with dr blake but there's a lot of interesting stuff at play here and like the will hall said like i must do everything and break all the rules dynamic it doesn't look good on crockett no not at all i still have faith though crockett gets yeah i like that i think next week will be a good shining crockett moment um but it's just this first three i'm like mm, yeah. not my favorite crockett not my yeah. favorite yeah, so he gets the double cold shoulder Yep, on the way out. Yep, and Vanessa, like, he's like, bye, Vanessa, and Vanessa's just like, <laughs> she doesn't even say anything. She just, like, waves. It's like, yep, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and then, of course, another Archer liner. She's just like, see, you've got quite the fan club, and it's just like, <laughs> oh, Archer. I am so glad we're in our era, though, where his one-liners are becoming funny. That's what I'm saying. We are... Archer stands. This is the season of that where Archer stands. Because, like, who else are we standing other than Will Halstead, I guess? Because everybody Asher. else we stand either gets killed or leaves. Yep. So bad. <laughs> they need, like, a filter where it's, like, it's, like, an Archer roast filter. And then it, like, rotates on your head. And then, like, that's the Archer roast that you get. <laughs> <laughs> like, I want oh, Archer I want to, like... That. I want Archer to like gag me a little bit. Like I want to be like, what? Like I want to be roasted. <laughs> that <laughs> would be amazing. Archer? Yeah, that would be amazing. Who would you rather get roasted by, Archer or Abrams? Oh, mm, well, Archer would make me cry, but I so probably I think him. Like I feel like he'd like really roast me. I think I'd go with Abrams. Yeah, this is interesting now that we're in the We Like Archer era. <laughs> Would I rather roast me? I can see the pros and cons to each because like <laughs> Archer would roast me out of a place of like wanting me to be better. Abrams would roast me out of a place of like you fucking idiot. Yeah. <laughs> I just love that we can have this conversation because we're getting to know these characters so much better. And we're in our Archer Stan era. Yes. <laughs> I love it. I love it. You know what else I love? Will Halstead. Will Halstead. <laughs> William. <laughs> I, I can't help it. I just, I can't Will help Halstead. it. Will Halstead. 
I did not choose the Will Halstead life. The Will Halstead life chose me. Lord. <laughs> not the quote. <laughs> Lord. Okay. So Will's patient got MRSA from an ingrown toenail. MRSA, if you don't know what that is, it's like a super nasty, potentially lethal staph infection. So yikes. If you didn't need anything to induce your anxiety, sorry, too bad. She got MRSA from an ingrown toenail. So yeah. Gross. I know. Yeah. I know. So there's one main antibiotic that treats it, but uh, she's allergic to it. She straight out is like, BT dubs, my throat closed up when I had the first one. I almost died. Probably shouldn't go with it. And Will's like, all right, cool. We'll go for the second one. <laughs> Enter Goodwin. So they are doing this thing in the ED right now called source controlling, where they're basically like, let's introduce as much red tape and as many obstacles in between you and the medicine that we possibly can. Uh, it's kind of a thing where they're just like, okay, let's use the medicine as like break glass in case of emergency where otherwise it would not be. Will does not handle it. Well, will, will, will feels about source controlling the way I feel about how fire ended this week. Um, yeah, he wills out about it. He wills out. And the minute he like starts talking to Goodwin about it, I'm like, oh, I know exactly where this one's headed. Will like, gonna will. Will gonna will. The way will is a verb now, like <laughs> it's always so, though. So. Yeah, it really is. It really is. Like the minute he started talking to her about it, I was like, oh, he's gonna find that med and he gonna lie. Okay. <laughs> All right. He's gonna do the thing he says not supposed to do. Exactly. Yeah. And so there's even a moment where like he looks at Goodwin and it's like because apparently Goodwin says he's like one of the steps is like we have to get infectious diseases to sign off on it. Will's like, can't we just say that they already did? <laughs> Honey, your Natalie Manning is showing. Put that away. Yeah. Like, yeah. And Goodwin's like, no, we can't. Like, who the <laughs> fuck are you? <laughs> it's like the Goodwin Will friendship lasted like such a short amount of time. And now they're back to being a pain in each other's asses. I kind of yep. love it though. I'm not going to lie. Uh, yeah. So, so Will takes all the unnecessary steps beforehand. He's like, fine. We incised the toe. We drained it, but she's doing worse because it's MRSA. MRSA doesn't really do like traditional. Way. Yeah. yeah. MRSA's just like, no, fuck you. I'm staying. So they're now like completely out of the original medicine that he wanted to use. Uh, so Will tells nurse Nancy, he's like, all right, order the original medicine, the one that she's allergic to side note, because I notice everything shout out to nurse Nancy and her haircut. She's got like the side undercut going on here, working it shout out. That's such a random side observation, but like only you, <laughs> I have to laugh. So I don't cry. <laughs> yeah, I know. You might as well get in all your like fun times right now. Thank you. Thank you for understanding. <laughs> oh yeah. my goodness. The hate we're going to get this week. They're going to be like, Gina was unhinged. I don't care. Like I'm hurting. So, okay. <laughs> so, so they cut to Will and the patient and Will is talking to her and she goes, you want to give me a drug that I told you almost killed me? Yes. Yes, he does. Indrani. He sure does. Meet Will. Will. Meet Indrani. <laughs> Clearly, you've never seen an episode of the show. Like, we just, we in Chicago Medland called this a normal day that ends in Y. So, <laughs> it's just true. 
accurate. So she's not thrilled. I mean, I wouldn't be thrilled either if the doctors were like, we're going to give you this drug that almost killed you and just kind of hope it doesn't. Yep. Would be thrilled. So things get dicey. You know, Will's like, we are going to be here with you the whole time. We're going to load you up on all these like steroids and like anti-allergy meds. And we're just, we're going to be here. We're going to be ready, but we're going to try it. She's not thrilled. There's no other option. So they try it. It gets dicey. There's a second where she's like, I can't breathe. Like this is getting bad. And today I learned that Will Halstead has a calm voice. <laughs> Just add another thing to add to your like reasons <laughs> I love Will Halstead. <laughs> um, I'm just going to take like two seconds and dreamy sigh. <sighs> okay, that was nice. <laughs> um, but yeah, so it, it works though. It works because Will. Will. Because Will. Will, Will, Will. I do love it when Will gets a win. I mean, I've made no secret of that. I love it, except for when it ends in Goodwin standing outside the ED being like, hey, you, like me now, you are in trouble. (laughs) She talks to him, like she basically gives him the stop by my office, which is corporate for like, you done fucked up. Yep. Anytime, like anybody who works in corporate America will tell you this. Like when you get a calendar invite from a boss or somebody says like, hey, can we talk at this time later and gives you no context, you're fucked. You just are. That's exactly what Goodwin does to him here. So we end the episode and Will is in Goodwin's office and and, and she mad, she mad, just. So let me get this straight. You gave the patient an antibiotic you knew she was allergic to. Only after I advised her of the potential risks and with her full consent. Which, trust me, wouldn't hold up in court if this thing had gone sideways. Well, Miss Goodwin was my first choice. I understand the new protocols got off to a bit of a rocky start today. But They're not working. I have no doubt they were designed with the best of intentions, but as your boots on the ground, I have to give it to you straight. Let me give it to you straight. These supply chain issues are not going to resolve anytime soon and not for lack of trying on my part. So as imperfect as these new protocols may be, we need some sort of semblance of order in the ED. I can't have it turning into the Wild West. Honestly, Ms. Goodwin, I think we're already there. Okay. If... If I say, if I say like the response I have to this, people are going to be like, of course, you're going to say that. But also, what did she expect Will to do? It's true, though. Follow the rules. Yeah, I mean, I feel like, and granted, I know he did try to like, be like, hey, this isn't working. I need another solution. Like, we can't just like go through each step of the protocol. Like, that's not happening. But like, I feel like he should have pushed harder for like some other solution i don't see what other solution there was though he said if he had if he had waited till the morning for the second med right she could have lost her leg right i yeah i don't know he is i will say this and then i'm i'm not just so you don't come off as being like number one will halstead stand but like i do think he was i do think he was like caught between a rock and a hard place and i think that's just kind of with the way medicine is these days. And like, there is, I mean, like the shortage, the supply shortage in hospitals and in the medical system is very real. I, I know I saw a lot of people who work in the medical field, like tweeting last night about how this is like a very real thing these days. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, 
I think that's just kind of the unfortunate situation. Like you're kind of stuck in the rock between in a hard place. Like you need it. Like you literally need these things to keep your patients alive, but like you literally just don't have them. So like, how do you solve your issues? Where's the, okay. There's a little bit of a double standard though. Is there not? Because Crockett improvised last week. He didn't get in trouble with Goodwin. Will improvised this week and he got in trouble. Crockett improvised because he had like he didn't take medicines and be like this is not like will basically defied orders yeah crockett didn't defy an order that's true and he 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 improvised to cover up kai's fuck up that's true right and that was an improvising using things that he actually had access to when that guy was flatlining about to yeah yeah true i again i i want to say like will's not wrong here about it turning into the wild west but nothing matters when i talk about will like nothing that comes out of my mouth has any weight because i love him we know i love that for you (laughs) do you really though (laughs) i do (laughs) thank you i appreciate your support in this difficult time okay Part of me wishes we had more men to talk about. I don't wanna like, like I'm like I don't I know. Really, like I'm like hey, I know I'm like okay. Do we have to. All right. Any other thoughts on Med from anybody? I mean, it was fine. Like, like I said, I don't think any episode of Med has been spectacular this season. But I'm not like hated. I'm not like oh man, that was like terrible. I just hate these new residents. Yeah, it was definitely an episode. Like it was fine. No, it was, it was TV. Next week does look interesting. I'm glad we get to watch next week's together. I am. Yeah, that. that's going to be so really good. Excited. Yeah, yeah. I said on the pod last week. I was talking about when we were at Lottie's, Lauren, and how like that was just the best feeling because you're with all of your friends who you have met through this fandom, and you're all watching the shows that you're so passionate about together. Like I know. it was such a good feeling. It just it felt so really good. Yeah, it was nice. It was really, really nice. It was so fun. It was. And it's going to be need That nice feeling is going to be needed in a time where we are hurting. So We're hurting so much. All right. Yep. It's, it's fire time. <laughs> I'm already not ready. Like I can already feel like my tears. Like we're not even there yet. Okay. Okay. So we're going to start off with, with Stella and Carver honest honestly like every single thing about this episode just went by the wayside after those last 10 minutes yeah watching it the first time like watching it last night I was like you know what this isn't that bad I was like I like I was like kind of enjoying I mean although I was like kind of mentally preparing myself for what potentially could have happened at the end but I was like you know what this isn't terrible and then I rewatched it today and I was just like I don't care I was like everything I felt last night changed after the last 10 minutes yeah I hate the the like it's it's the opposite of a sense of security that we're we're getting into now when especially when Derek writes these episodes it's it's the complete opposite of a sense of security it's what a sense of like uneasiness like anxiety I can't quite find the word to like pinpoint it but the minute Stella and Herman had the goat thing and we got a laugh I knew exactly where this episode was headed 
Yep. And just like the foreshadowing in these shows is get is so obvious. It's just not even. Yeah. Yeah. I, this episode was too much. Too much. Yeah. It was way too, even just the ending itself, like, I mean, I have a lot of issues with the ending and what they did with it, which we'll get there. But, like, the ending, like, the actual images, way too graphic, way too violent. Like, I did not need to see that. You could have still illustrated that point without actually showing me all of that. Like, I will never unsee that last, like, five minutes of fire. I just, I can't. It's seared into my brain forever, unfortunately. And it was, yeah, yeah, go ahead, Lauren. Oh, no, I was just going to say it was like a fuck you to the audience. But like, I only care about a shock factor. That was it. Like, there's just no backing behind it. I know we're going to. Well, yeah, we'll get. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Yeah. And and like, I mean, this this B story, it should have been funny, right? You've got Cap and Tony dragging a washer and dryer all throughout the fire, like the firehouse. And like, that should have been hilarious. But. In in light of how traumatic this episode ended we're all gonna forget about it yep yeah you know. so yeah um and, and again we've got a lot of opinions but um brenda get us started on stella and carver please yeah so stella and carver shift starts and stella's complaining to severide and herman that she you know still doesn't have her own lieutenant's quarters and they're just like it's a seniority thing or whatever and she's like listen like i should have some other place other than the briefing room which like why couldn't this all have been solved with the fact that like the blue office or whatever is still available yeah like Pella yeah. was gonna move in there I don't understand why she can't just move in there thank you <laughs> I don't understand <laughs> I don't understand unless they've like after they found the thing in the wall or whatever or that whole storyline they were like oh it's under construction we can't have anyone like I I don't understand why they don't just move her in there anyway so later on, Bowden sees Carver and he's like, oh, how are things going? I just want to check in. And Carver's like, yeah, they're great. And Bowden's like, listen, like, we're alone. Like, you can tell me, like, what's on your mind. And Carver's just like, you know, she's an outstanding lieutenant. Like, he's like, as for her personality, he's like, we're a little different. But, like, that just makes the job more of a thrill ride, right? And it's just like, what was that? Like, okay. I can't. I don't understand yeah it's weird it's weird it's a weird response carver in this episode is like a little flighty and i don't understand he's like a little i yeah mm. i so, still can't get a read on him yeah me either I, I know i'm like are you the villain this season am i supposed to like you what's happening so i did think it was funny though like at one point stella walks into severide's quarters and she like starts measuring it with her body she's like nah. I think I got it like hands out. She's like stepping in front. She's like trying to measure it out. She like thinks she wants to take over Severide's quarters because, you know, married. And she's just like trying. And I was just like, girl, girl, he's not going to like share even with his wife. He's just not. <laughs> so then 81, 51, and 61 get called to this like car crash incident where a bunch of goats get loose. And like the woman, like the victims are going to be fine. And like, Stella's like, you know what? I'm going to make a bet with Herman on, like, whoever can round up the most goats is, like, you know, gets his office. And he's just like, uh, no, that's not how this goes. And instead, the bet becomes, like, Stella working at Molly's for a month for free. 
But again, the goats were funny in the moment, but now I'm just like, uh, that was to distract us, clearly. Yeah. I don't like this idea of every laugh comes at a cost. Yeah, no. I don't like it. Uh, and, And it's been, I mean, I've been wrestling with this all day of just like, you know, They've got a job to do. The stakes are high. They've got to tell these stories. If everybody's happy, it's boring. But I don't like getting a laugh on these shows and then wondering, oh shit, how are we going to pay for that? Well, and I feel like most of the time we don't, most of the time when we get laughs, you know, with the comedy storylines, like it is just for, like, we don't have to worry about that. But here lately, I feel like that's all I've worried about. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But Anyway, so Herman wins the bet and he's like, you know, every summer I go to Wisconsin and like I spend time at my goat farm, my uncle's goat farm. And I'm just like, that's the most Herman thing I've ever heard. Yeah. (laughs) Most Herman thing I've ever heard. So Stella has decided she wants to take over the laundry room for her new quarters. And she runs this idea by Bowden when they get back and she's like, you know, it's really unfair as the only female officer in the house that, like, I should have my own space. It's And uh, Bone's just like, fine, fine, fine. <laughs> like, he's like, I don't want to hear it. Fine. So Stella finds Carver and she's like, hey, you do construction. Can you help me with this? And Carver's like, well, you could ask it and not order me. But like, okay, yeah, sure. So they agree on this vision and then which includes them moving the washer and dryer out from the laundry room and stella's like hey sev can you help me with this and he's like yeah cap and tony like help stella move the washer and dryer (laughs) and literally they look like lost puppies as they move the washer and dryer from room to room trying to find them a new home i was like again the most cap and tony thing ever trying to like find a washer and dryer a new home it's yeah i did get an lol out of like when they were like dragging it towards severide's office and he just goes no no (laughs) (laughs) no yeah so carver finds stella later on and he's like what did you think about the shelves i put up and she's like oh they're good you know they're good thank you and he's like you know if you say great job like it won't turn to dust and she's just like you're very needy like and it's just like this relationship is weird yeah yeah i don't it's like they know they're not friends but they're not enemies necessarily either and they're just like kind of skirting around each other it's just it's really weird it's really is this dynamic gonna happen for like the whole half of the first season like because it's been the past three episodes so well and is this dynamic because he hasn't told her the secret like if he had come clean about the secret I, like, I thought last week maybe they were kind of building towards something, like, you know, they'd move past this, and then he didn't tell her her secret, and he was, and now it's, like, weird again. So is yeah. it all because he didn't tell her the secret? I don't know. I, 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 don't, I, I don't know. I it's annoying. <laughs> or not, I don't know. Yeah. And, yeah, so... As for the washer and dryer, if you were curious, Capitoni ended up putting them in the uh, shower of all places. <laughs> because, yeah. Honestly, didn't even pay attention to that. I, I was thinking about that today and I was like, where did they end up putting it? Yeah, in the shower. <laughs> That's funny. That's funny. I love them. Yeah. Same. If Fire ever did a spinoff show, I want it to be Cap and Tony. <laughs> I would watch it. Uh, yeah, I would watch the hell out of it. 
I need a whole B storyline where like one of them decides to make a TikTok <laughs> and like Gallo and Ron have to like help them with it. I would be here. I just, any Cap and Tony storylines, like I know we don't really get them that much, but like I, I'll just take it. Yeah. I think a Cap and Tony bottle episode would be so iconic. Oh, oh so my God. God. Oh, I would be I've never even thought money. about that. But I, yes. That's like the top of my fire wish list is that. And I think it would just be golden. Like. Oh my God. Yes. Where do you. Okay. But okay. So they got to get stuck somewhere. Where's like a great place to get them stuck. A haunted house. <laughs> okay. Wait, where's the best place to get them stuck in an actual episode and not a fan fiction. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like it's gotta be something really simple. Yeah, really. And they just make I it this think, big thing. <laughs> so yeah, hot. I would think the focus of the bottle episode would be for Tony and Caps like wow us with their skill and be like, shit, I didn't know that they could do that. Like, I'm thinking like they get stuck on like the top of a skyscraper or some crazy shit. Like, but it's Cap and Tony, right? So it's got to be like I, that's why I, that's why I feel like it's doing- almost got to be something simple, but like. It obviously turns into more like it's something that's simple in the beginning and then turns out more complicated than we seem and that's where they can like show their skill set yeah. yeah oh the money i would pay for that i've never so known i need it i w- we've all been like violet bottle episode violet bottle episode and like i still want my violet bottle episode but like cap and tony would be amazing yeah i want it so bad so I'm going to think about that. I'm going to brainstorm that. I love that. How did we never think of this? I don't know, but like iconic. Iconic. So good. We're just, we're, we're procrastinating because we don't want to talk about it. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. I love that. I love that. All yeah. Right. I, I will say, though, I guess I'm just curious, like I said, next week, Carver, chaotic personal life. Like, I guess we'll find out what his deal is or more of his deal but like I don't know chaotic personal life any theories on that one does it have to do you with a girl or no I could see him having an ex-wife maybe yeah I just feel like chaos personal life I don't know I feel like it has to do with like some sort of romance yeah we've procrastinated enough I know (laughs) I'm not ready. <laughs> I'm not ready either. I'm not ready either. Everyone brings I love I love Violet so much. I love her so much. And I want to talk about her all the freaking time because she's such a freaking queen. But this is the one time that I'm just like, I don't want, I don't want to. I love her so much, but we have to. Okay. So red violet. So we start off, we're in the briefing room and we notice brett's kind of mopey she's she's struggling which like understand i really hope she's able to like talk about her feelings with someone in the firehouse because well she started now i mean which we'll get to in two seconds she kind of opens up to violet a little bit um but yeah i just hope she's i I just hope she's able to like pull herself out of her sad era yeah yeah so Ritter asks Violet, he's like, you know, how's Brett doing? And she's like, you know, she's okay despite everything, but like, I need to take her out. Like the paramedicine incident really shook her and the Casey thing is really like messing her up. So, you know, need to get her mind off of it. Club. So, 
<laughs> so Violet and Brett are at the coffee maker and Violet just kind of starts complaining about Hawkins just a little bit. And then she's like, oh shit, like, I'm sorry. Like, I shouldn't be complaining about this. And Brett's just like, no walking on eggshells around me. Don't even worry about that. Like, don't even worry. So they drop their patient off at med and then Brett and Violet go to lunch and she surprises her because she's like, I called Hawkins. I figured you guys would want to have lunch together. (laughs) It's so cute. It is so cute. It is so cute. So they're done with lunch. They're walking out and Hawkins even tries to play matchmaker for Brett. He's like, I have a friend in this hockey league that I play in. And like, I, I think it could be a good match. And Brett's just like, I really appreciate that, but I do think it's too soon. We also, Hawkins, a hockey player, that's like so Chicago of him. That is so Chicago of him, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's funny. I didn't catch that part, but we got the Hakami I love you era for like 20 minutes. Like actual legit I love yous. We've had like, you know, I'm in love with you or, you know me too whatever but like not yeah I was really hoping we were gonna get it in the premiere like that was the perfect time for an I love you I was really hoping we were gonna get it then yeah those lasted a longer the second they said I love you I was like I'm out I'm out yeah Yeah. it's like to me the episode ended here (laughs) like this is the end yeah so Violet brings Brett some like Asiago cheesy bread as a way of saying thank you for looking out for her best interest because you know Brett's not feeling great these days but she's still looking out for for Violet and so we get this moment look Violet I I really appreciate you saying that and and baking me this (laughs) but I'm fine I I've been thinking a lot about the fact that I had this call a few years ago this woman had been stabbed by her neighbor in her bedroom and I got there too late, and she died in front of me. At the time, it really got to me. And I ended up bawling my eyes out in my car later, completely shattered. But this job, this life, it forges you in steel. I'm a lot stronger now. When I was attacked on that paramedicine run, my mind wasn't saying, get out of here, run, get help. It was saying, stay cool and handle this, Sylvie. And with Matt, I can either ball my eyes out or I can get back to work. and get better at living every day. That's what I choose to do. I love this. The forged in steel comment. Yeah. <laughs> like, I really hope Brett is taking time to feel her feelings. Yeah. But just like the strength, like she's like been through so much and like obviously is clearly struggling, but she's like, you know what? Like I've been through a lot of shit, but I've come out stronger. It's made me stronger. And like, I'm not going to let these like, you setbacks get to me this time she's like I can just like you know I can she even says she's like I can either ball my eyes out and like or I can get back to work and get better every day and she's like that's what I'm choosing to do the foreshadowing was getting thicker and thicker throughout this episode yeah 
Like I hated it. I can't. Yeah, no, same, same. The minute Brett was like, I, I'm happy seeing you happy. I was like, motherfucker. Like, it's too yeah. much. This is just awful. So the last 15 minutes of the episode, 51 gets called out to a fire. Look, I understand the Pickwick Theater is a very historic place in Chicago. Never been there. Never been there. Don't never care to go there. there. Yeah, never going to go now because I got a beef with a movie theater I've never been to. <laughs> yep. Straight up. Yep. Yep. straight up so it's playing a scary movie whatever it's like a very historic theater it looks really pretty from what i've seen um, i was like at first i mean obviously i knew kind of something bad was coming but i was like that's a movie theater i was like damn it's beautiful yeah so um when we were in the press junket before the premiere we were in the room with um his name's rudy from headliner chicago and uh, he posted on instagram last night that apparently they had a watch party at the pickwick uh, and it looks like an absolutely beautiful theater. It really does. But I've now got a beef with a movie, movie theater, theater for no reason. Like, <laughs> no, there is a legitimate reason. There's Dana. legit reason. Kind of held on for like five more seconds. Sorry. I will. I will. I, I next time I'm in Chicago, I will. I will refuse to see a movie there. Like, I will never see a movie at that theater on principle. Like, no, no. no. So Bowden makes it very clear. He's like, this place is about to come down. Like it's in really bad shape. We have very little time inside. You have like two minutes max. Like we've got to get out. So they're working on getting the victims out and part of the ceiling collapses, traps Gallo. And so he's okay, thankfully. Everybody gets out. That was such a fake out. I know, I know, I know. And so like at one point, there's like another ambo that pulls up. Like every time I heard the screech of a car behind Brett, I was like, please, please don't be Evan. Please don't be Evan. And the, when it was the other medics, at first I was like, okay, well maybe one of the other medics dies. I heard the screech again. Evan pulls up. I was like, oh shit, shit. So he's okay. Everyone gets out. And I'm like gripping my couch at this point. I'm like, okay, like everybody's coming out. Maybe it's a fake out. Maybe they're good. They show Evan and this is like sports to me at this point. Okay. So like they show Evan and he sees a victim at the door. The minute he runs to this victim, I'm like, no, 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 no. And so he runs over to the victim and they like, I, I don't know why he didn't just grab the guy and run. Yeah. Probably because it wasn't part of the plan. I know he was um, like, what's your name? And I was like, why? <laughs> Gabriel? It's like out. Who cares if it like paralyzes him even more or whatever? Like, I mean, just pull the guy and go. So he goes to get this guy, and before it's too late, the building collapses. <laughs> no. Okay. Anyways, the building collapses on our dear sweet Evan Hawkins. And yeah, it like. And Violet, and Violet, she's like, so, like, the first couple moments, she's just numb, and then she realizes what happened, and she runs in, and, like, all of 51 is trying so hard to get all of, like, the the asphalt off of them. They find the victim, and honestly, in this moment, I'm like, I, I, what about Evan? (laughs) Yeah, I was like, I don't care. Where the fuck is Hawkins? And... Yeah, and it's it's too little too late. They uncover him and and he's gone. It hurts so bad. It really hurt. Like 
obviously just seeing him like when they get him out of the rubble and like seeing him just be dead right there for a while. like it felt like forever and like but then like you see violet like the look on violet's face and her screams and especially as like Bowden holds her back i was like i can't unsee that i can't uh, I unsee can that save him. i can save him oh <sighs> like yeah and my brain like thinks in parallels so like the entire time that was happening i was like when like their first meeting and then now when like i was just a hot mess well and then there were all these parallels to like all the other times we've had all this tragic shit happen on fire because every you know people were posting the parallel to this with casey and hallie the parallel to obviously when otis like there's just so many parallels and i was just like i can't watch any of the i can't look at any of these right now it, it was traumatic. It was really, really And it didn't traumatic. need to be that. Tra- That's the thing that kills me. It's like, I'm never going to agree with the decision to kill off Hawkins. Like, I just, I'm not. We'll talk about it in two seconds. But, like, they didn't, it was just gratuitous. Like, we did not need to see the actual thing fall on them. Like, we could have heard it. Like, and see, you know, and then them rush over. Like, we did not need to see that. Like, I just, I did we didn't need to see all of that. We just didn't. It was too much. Yeah. It was it was too much. Like it's one thing to try and get a reaction out of your audience, but there is a line between good storytelling and pure shock value. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for no I, reason. I don't know if we would be saying this if we if if anybody but Jimmy had played Hawkins. Yeah. I don't know, but this crossed the line into territory that was egregious it was too much too much I should not be traumatized by five minutes of television I should not have an image seared into my brain that I cannot get out yeah Uh, you know I agree and you and I and we've all been kind of talking about this for a while like I I definitely agree I think it's hard to say because obviously we don't know if someone else had played Hawkins, would we have ever cared that much? You know, whatever. I think Jimmy is a big part of why we all love Hawkins so much. Um, but like, regardless of that, and regardless of the fact that we all love Jimmy, like, like you said, it was just, it was too much. Like I, I'm never going to get that look on Violet's face and her scream out of my head. Mm-mm. And, and the part we, I mean, we talked, the pod squad, all five of us, we had talked about this once the show was over. I think the part that our friend Logan, the part that haunted her the most, and I think the part that haunted me the most too, was like, they got Hawkins on the gurney and his eyes, like, yeah, completely lifeless. And I think like, I think part of that is because we've interacted with Jimmy, we know him and, you know, he's been on our pod, we've been on his, but like, like it felt like a knife in the heart and not in a good way not in the oh my god this is good tv drama way it's like i am watching my friend die in a building collapse right now i yeah yeah. i was more like i cried but i think i was more angry at like i didn't i watched that and i was like sad and like hanako seriously killed that scene like slayed he said rent was due here i am like i she killed it she was so amazing like but i was furious 
at that entire scene more than I was heartbroken because there was just no reasoning behind killing him off. Yep. And I hate the whole thing where there where showrunners will say or writers will say, oh, this traumatic event XYZ happened because we wanted this character to grow. This was a growing learning experience for this character. Like, I hate that. And I feel like there was just no other reasoning behind making Violet go through this horrific, tragic loss than to being like, oh, she's going to grow. And it's just crazy to me because there are so many other ways, obviously, that you can do that and not have to have this traumatic event happen to every single one of your characters for their storyline to progress. And that's the part that pisses me off so much because what is going to happen at the end of the season, Violet and Gallo going to get back together? Like, where are you? What is this going to teach her? What is this? Like, there was no reason to kill off Hawkins. There is literally none. We just yeah, sorry to cut you off, Lauren. No, I yeah, too. But um, but what I was gonna say is, yeah, like the thing that I I've been saying this for whatever. I think if you're the idea for them and what Andrea and Derek have said in all these interviews is that like you know the idea, especially when it comes to the paramedics, you know, like you can't save everyone. Like we've seen it more on the firefighting side, but like we haven't really seen it that much with the paramedics. I have no problem with that as like a storyline and whatever. And if you whatever the issue that I have with it is why then Violet's boyfriend? Like, why that? Like, you could have, I think it would have been more effective, honestly, if you had taken a few episodes, introduced us to some random character, new character, who, like, Violet clearly has an attachment to, and we get to see that, but that we as the audience aren't super attached to, and then kill them off, and then Violet can go through all these things. But, like, I think it's super cruel not only to Violet as a character, but to us as the viewers, for them to bring back Hawkins in, have them get back together in the premiere, and then two episodes later be like, you know what, we're killing them off. Like, I think I've told you both this, that like, as much as I love Jimmy, and obviously I want to see Jimmy employed forever and ever, like, I would have rather them not brought him back at all this year. And like, had us live through a Hakami breakup and been like, you know what, it was a weird ending, but like, it is what it is. Like I would have yeah. much rather, I could have survived that. I could have worked through my feelings on that, but this is just cruel for the sake of being cruel. And I just, I really, I, yeah. And if you asked any fan, they, Hakami brought a breath of fresh air to Chicago fire and was what Chicago fire needed in that time. And to take that away. And now you're just kind of back at square one. Like, I just don't, get the reasoning behind it it literally they literally united a fandom that is so divided i i just don't like there's not there's not one scenario in my mind where i'm like that that this is why they did that this is why this is a good decision in the long run like there's not one yep it's just like they just don't either they're not listening to the fans they don't care and they just want a shock value that wasn't even a good shock it was just like what the actual fuck well and the thing is too the thing that also i've been thinking a lot about is and we talked about it last night is that they clearly want to go back to violin gallo like whether it's this season next season they clearly have that in their brain that like eventually they want to go back there but then what i don't understand is 
last season, you had the chance to go back to Violet and Gallo, but you didn't. You leaned, you literally brought Jimmy back on for most of a season when that wasn't his intention at all when he first came on the show because you saw the chemistry and you liked what you saw between Hanako and Jimmy. And you were like, oh, we like this. We're going to keep writing to this. Oh, this is working. We're going to keep writing to this. You literally leaned in and changed your plans. I don't think any of us would be complaining if like, they tried Hakami last season for like two or three episodes and then went back to Violet and Gallo because we wouldn't have gotten attached. No, and they would have, they would have built them. Like it would have been fine. Right. And like last year, they literally had the chance to go back to Violet and Gallo and they did it. They leaned into Hakami. And now you're like, oh no, all these things that the fans really love, like, no, we're just going to take it away and we're going to force them back into Violet and Gallo. And I was excited too, because I was like, okay, they were really building on that Violet Gallo Ritter dynamic as a trio, like a friendship trio Yeah. outside of Violet and Gallo being in a relationship. And I was like, I love this, the trio. And then you have their separate relationships outside of that trio. And then they can all come back together and talk about it or whatever. But now I just like, I just, I'm like so upset. And I think even if they'd want to go back to Violet and Gallo, again, not saying that fans would have liked it, but there's a way to go back to Violet and Gallo eventually and try that out without killing off Hawkins. Like, that's what I don't understand is like, you could have still found a way to get back to Violet and Gallo in like by the end of the season, even without killing off Hawkins. You could have made that happen somehow. Not saying we would have liked it, but you could have made that happen. If that was your, if that's what you wanted to do so badly, which clearly it's what's going to happen. Yeah. They needed to happen so bad. It, it, it highlights a point that I'm always, I'm always careful to talk about the writers, right? I totally respect what they do. There was a long, there was a period of time there where I wanted to do what they do, but and I respect the crap out of them. And I understand they've got a job to do. And if somebody were to tell me how to do my job, I would say, A, shut the fuck up and B, go to grad school and then we can talk. But I feel like they did not have a clue of how attached this fandom got to Evan Hawkins. Yeah. And so what feels like good drama to them is actually a significant emotional blow to the fans a slap in the face a slap in the face yeah exactly exactly I there's no solution to that I'm not going to sit here and say I think the writer should be on social media to take the pulse of their fandom I'm not saying that but I don't think they realized how attached we were to Evan Hawkins and how this had I how I think this had an the opposite effect of what it was intended to do for a good portion of the fandom yeah because yeah. even beyond just like I mean you always have to remember that of course Twitter is like the one percent of the one percent mm-hmm. of the one percent but even like I you know when you look at like Hakami you know when the official one Chicago page uploads like a Hakami video on YouTube like even all of the comments in that video are you know on those videos are like pro Hakami and like you get the occasional like no I like her with Gala or whatever which is fine but like even just like the general fandom seems to be on the Hakami train and not the Violet and Gallo train. And it's just like, they were working with something so special just beyond Hanako and Jimmy's chemistry, which was amazing. Like they really built up like a great story. And I think they could have told some interesting things with that dynamic and they didn't even give it a chance. 
Yeah. It it feels like it feels like it was more for shock value than it was for good drama. Yep. That I don't exactly know. It. I don't know if we'd be saying that if it was anybody but Jimmy playing Hawkins. But... And I think, and I think, you know, and we were talking about this last night too. Like, it's such a testament to Jimmy and who Jimmy is that like he came in and not only turned his role from like a two episode arc into basically being around for an entire season last year, but like that he was also just with his personality and his willingness to engage with fans online or whatever, like made us all care about him. Like not even just Hawkins, but like care about him as a person. And I, you know, I think, I mean, obviously the casting department nailed it because Jimmy is the perfect person for him, but I just, it says a lot about who Jimmy is and, you know, it really sucks that obviously we're not losing him as a friend. He's still going to be our friend, but like that he's not in this one Chicago world anymore is really going to suck because he was such a light and brought, like you guys said, like a breath of fresh air last year when we were all kind of worried about what was going to happen with fire. He really, he really changed things and it really sucks that we lost him in this way. I really am getting tired of this notion that the brand is bigger than the characters. Um, our, our friend Lizzie who writes for Fangirla, she went scorched earth on her reviews this week and I'm glad she did. I mean, she voiced some really important opinions. And one of the things she said in one of her reviews is that we don't turn in for Chicago fire, right? We don't turn in for like the fire or like, you know, Hey, let's look at the city of Chicago. We don't turn in for that. We don't turn in for Hank Boyd. We tune in for, we turn in for the Hannah Ashers, right? The Hannah Ashers, the Jay Halsteads who are trying their damnedest to navigate this fucked up world. Yep. Right. We tune in, we tune in for the Violet McComneys and the Evan Hawkins who are finding happiness in this dark, horrible, crazy world. Right. And survived all terrible things being thrown at them and still are now happier on the other side. Right. We do tune in for the people. I think the notion that the brand is bigger than any character is it's it's what's a nicer word than bullshit. (laughs) False. It's false. Well, and it can only take you so far. Like, I think the brand is part of it, but the brand is not everything. Yeah, right. Like there, the reason the brand has become so successful is because of the people. Like you can't have the brand without the people. Right. And like I said, the brand, one Chicago can only do so much. Yeah. It is the people, the way they're written, the actors who are casted to play these characters that we love. Like it is all of it together. And that is what makes the brand so successful. And when you treat the people and the characters and the, the, I mean, just that part like shit, then it, it affects the brand. And the brand, like, the brand cannot be successful without that. Exactly. The brand can only do so much by itself. The reason One Tree Hill is my show and the reason it is such a near and dear part of my heart and why I have a quote from it tattooed on my body, it's not because of Tree Hill, the location, or, you know, the basketball. It's not because of any overarching thing. It's because in a time in my life when I needed strength and I couldn't find it from the real world, I found it from Nathan Scott. I found it from Brooke Davis. Yeah. I found it from those characters. So the idea that the brand is bigger than the character, I think it's outdated. And I, I I think it needs to, I think that idea needs to change. Yeah. I completely agree. Yeah. I'm like, I'm, I'm beyond heartbroken. And the fact that I'm not sobbing right now is amazing. I, yeah. yeah. I just, 
it really it, it just really sucks like and like i said i don't i don't know if you take like if jimmy wasn't the person playing evan and didn't make us all fall in love with him over this last year the way he has like are we as heartbroken as we are maybe not i i don't know you know we can't say that but like the reality is we are and yeah. like like i said i think it says a lot about jimmy and i uh, what you know he and hanukkah were able to create with akami and i just it it just really sucks like it really fucking sucks that this but is also i mean think about it okay and I, again i realize that showrunners and writers cannot cater to our every need and nor should they nor no. should they right no but what does it say that this time last season we were like make this man a regular not even this time last season and exactly and it's not even like catering to our every need like you had just looking at ship wise like show like a lot of shows like this they run on their ships like that is what why we tune in like the back yeah it's like the backbone you have stellaride and you have hakami that was what you had last season and hakami was like and so i don't know i just lost my yeah no i think (laughs) no i think i think it's important that like we thought that this year, I mean, Stellarite is married now. Like, Stellarite, they're not going to have the same drama that they had the past few seasons because they're married, and nor should they. I mean, yeah. I don't want to see them fight and, like, potentially break up. Like, they're married. I don't want that shit. They're like, on I, a new I, I, don't, I don't want that shit. So then you look at it, and, like, I get it. They're going to have, like, a love triangle or something. They were going to always bring Violet and Gallo back. I was not naive to think that, like, no. Hakami was forever and they were never going to break up and that, like, they weren't going to try the Violet and Gallo thing again. I, I think we all thought that that was going to come at some point. But just because you have to have drama for the shows doesn't mean you can't do it in a way that, like, isn't pissing off and, like, disrespecting your fans. Yeah. And that's the thing that I think, blow, like I said, I, I think there was a way, again, I don't wouldn't have liked it, but there was a way for them to go back to Violet and Gallo and make that a love triangle. Like, there was a way to make that work. If they really wanted to, but they yeah. they just didn't. They didn't. They just. They didn't care. Mm-hmm. I'm. It's really what it seems like, at least. No, I, I'm. I'm completely with you on that. I, I'm irked that the fans were so vocal last year about like you've got a good thing in in the Jimmy Nicholas. You've got a really really good thing going. Make this man a regular. Just trust us on this one. And the response is to kill him off. Yeah. Yeah. When you could clearly see too, even just from stuff like the stuff that Lula was posting today about Jimmy and all the behind the scenes photos, like for someone who wasn't a series regular, like how respected he clearly was and how loved he was on that set by everybody, like not only just the cast, but the crew. I mean, like, I don't can't think of a time that I know of, at least there are stories that I've heard at least where like someone who's not a series regular, like died or left the show and like got a cake and whatever like normally yeah, that only no. happens if you're like a series regular and he wasn't like I just like it's unheard of almost but that's how much people care on the show cared about him the fans cared about him like it's just it's mind-blowing to me that they couldn't have they didn't even realize that like I get it they're not on Twitter they're not on social media but like you had to have known I mean you had to have known something. You have to keep up with your show somehow, right? Yeah. Like, whether what? you know it, someone is telling you, like, oh, hey, did you see all the Hakami stuff? Like, yeah. this is, like, a real big deal. It was it was too much. It was way too much. And this is, this is something where, like, a lot of people, a lot of people liked This Is Us for the emotional factor of it. 
our friend Tamar, who hosts the shipping room, um, she always brought up a point that I really resonated with where she said, it's just so emotionally manipulative. And I always resonated with her. I did not like this is us because it was over the top, way over the top. This was not, this was not like, this wasn't good drama. It like, this just hurt. Yep. And it hurt a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. I can't, words can't, I, I can't even like find the right words to express how horrible this was. But like, I was describing this to a friend earlier who hadn't watched fire and she was like, she was just like, tell me what I miss. And I did. And I, I used the word horrific because that's exactly what it was. Yep. Yeah. That's exactly what it was. There's a line between good drama and way too much. And last night was too much. It was literally just done for shock factor. That was what his death was. And it was. Like I said, I would have honestly rather him not come back this season. I would have rather them just like, you know, Violet never called him back. She ghosted him. You know, I I just would have rather not have dealt like it was just. Yeah. And then I feel like this, what I'm guessing is what's going to happen coming up. It's so overdone too. Like, it's so like, Gal's going to come in and support Violet during this time and blah, 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 blah. And then by the end, they're going to be back together. And like, it's just so, you know, what's going to happen. It's just. Yeah. You think if we're like, you think if we're like active proponents for Valo, then the opposite will happen and they won't get together. Since that's no. what happened with Hawkins. No. no. Literally think Valo's gonna be endgame, which is so disgusting. Sorry. I I'm a hater right now. No, I'm I'm he <laughs> at this moment in time, he does not deserve her. Yeah. He does not deserve her. And they could have I just I just don't get it. Because they literally had this Riddle, Violet, and Gallo trio that they could have done the friendship stories with. Like they had that core group. And then outside of that core group. They could have had their other little relationships and then they've always met back up at that core group. Like there was so much. And now they're just like, nah, it's just, and nothing I can think of is like, this is why they did that, which is so annoying because I want answers for everything. I want a back, I want a reasoning and I'm not going to get it. So I'm just annoyed and I'm going to always be annoyed. And my heart is in a million pieces for Violet. Yeah. I... Like my heart is absolutely broken for her because the whole notion of like, she even says it to Bowden. She's like, I was just looking at him like two minutes ago. The whole notion that like the man you love can be here one minute and gone the next. It like, my heart is just like in a million pieces for her. Why does Wolf Entertainment like to traumatize their characters like this? I was going to say female characters. Like I was going to say, I was going to say like it beyond that, beyond the fact that like one minute he could have been there and the next he's gone. She had to watch it. Yep. She literally watched the man that she loves die. Like, I mean, Jesus. That's like, like, there's no, (laughs) go ahead, Lauren. No, there's I was a sound effect out of my mouth because I'm just so like, what is happening? Yeah. What is happening? I just and yeah, the fact that she had to watch it and like 
good god like oh it's just too much it's just too much yep like there was I, I could not find a silver lining in this last night I tried so hard to be like okay well I realize they're trying to show you can't save everybody but like all I kept coming back to was how horrible and how badly it hurt and how I could not get that image of that building collapsing on him out of my head. Yep. And even the back only, to the- only, 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 only like slightly silver lining that I can, it's, I mean, Hanako's performance, we kind of talked about it earlier. I mean, unreal. But so- that's like, literally the only good thing about this is that Hanako slayed yeah I don't like this notion of the rest of the season being these these characters who we love and support so much having to navigate this world alone yeah I'm referring to Haley in this this too that yeah like I hate that I hate that why I, I don't know. I really, and, and that's life, right? Like sometimes horrible, horrible accidents happen and people get taken away from us like that. But I don't, I mean, and, and we don't like, I don't like the idea of having to follow what 20 something more episodes of all of our characters, just miserable and grieving and just traumatized. Yep. And, like, why in episode three? Yeah, that's a great question, too. It's, like, these literally felt, if not mid-season finales, like, finales. Yeah, Yeah. I don't like the strategy. If they're trying to, like, make the... If they're trying to make the finales tame and then amp up to something in, like, three or four, I don't like it. Yeah. I'd much rather have it in a mid-season or a finale. Yeah. It's at least then stress. I at least when well, at least then I know to be like because normally by mid seasons and finales we're already stressed because we're stressing about what's to come. But yeah. like nobody, I mean, listen, there were the rumors going around. There were plenty of rumors going around that like Hawkins may be the one to be killed. Like you know, Jimmy hadn't been seen on set. Like there were a lot of rumors going around in this last week. But even that did not prepare me for those last ten minutes. No. Like not, I, I we were kind of convinced that he was dying, but like that was not even enough to prepare me for this. At least when it comes to finales or even mid seasons, I'm like more prepared for like bad shit to go down. Yeah, yeah. But like this in like episode three, like I'm not, I no, 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 no. And the result, there was a there was a big pattern in in our mentions and our inboxes after after this episode. It, I mean, I don't think I've ever seen our inbox light up as much as it did after this one. No, nope. and we've had how many main characters leave? Like, I mean, Jesse Spencer left after the two hundredth last year, and I yeah. don't think, yeah, yeah, it's insane. And the resounding, like the 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 common thread through all of this, and this goes. I mean, again, our inbox lit up. Our text messages lit up too from all of our friends that we've gotten to watch when. Oh, and especially our like fandom adjacent friends, like our friends who like watch the shows but aren't like deep in fandom. Everyone's like, "Oh my god, did you know? Like, how do you guys are holding up?" And we're like, "It was crazy. It was it was wild." I'm not even kidding you when I say that the recurring theme through every single one of these messages, text messages, DMs, every single one, every single person said they were sick to their stomach. Yep, I literally thought I was gonna be sick last night. Yeah, my thing is too is when like. 
is I understand that we're watching a drama show. Like, I get that I'm signing up for not, like, I like I get that there's going to be pain and whatever. Like, I understand what I'm signing up for, but there's a difference between watching a drama show. Like, it just feels like what they're setting up now is just trauma and just, like, like we watch TV to have some levity in our lives. I don't know. Like, that's why I, like, I watch it to kind of escape, which I feel like a lot of people do. And now it's just like, there's nothing good in every single one of these. It's just, we're just signing up to watch, like you guys said, our characters go through this grieving, traumatic thing that's going to last all season. So it's just a, yeah. It's one Chicago is getting too heavy. Yeah. It's getting too heavy. They used to at least have a good balance between heavy and, like, light. And now it just seems a lot of heavy and not as much light. I thought about this last night, even though I did did not watch PD and I don't intend to. But when was the last time we saw Haley Upton smile? When she got married? Yeah. Right. And and this does not tie into the whole like patriarchal bit of like, oh, you'd be so much prettier if you'd smile. No, fuck that noise. I mean, when is the last time she smiled? Because she's she felt actual joy that we've seen. Yeah. Like I don't know. I mean I really don't have an answer for you. <laughs> yeah. No, I know, but that's I'm like I mean, trying to think. I'm like, maybe when she was in New York and FBI, but even then she was still missing Jay. So I don't know if she was that happy, but like and this, literally this, the last thing I can think of. Yeah, this used to be a question I wanted to ask Marina, but the more it goes on, this is more a question I want to ask Tracy. How does she keep from succumbing to the darkness? And, but like, and, and it's not just a, it's not just a Haley specific question. It's a lot of people like, well, and like now, I mean, how is Violet going to? Exactly, exactly. And th- that's why. And I- how is, I mean, Brett, I mean, even Brett to a lesser extent, but like Brett, I mean, everybody. Brett's speech concerns me a little bit because I really hope that's not foreshadowing. I want Violet to take that time to feel her feelings, grieve. I need her to have that space where she is allowed to be sad and she's allowed to be angry and she's allowed to sit in those feelings before she starts to claw her way back. Yeah. So I'm hoping that they don't just gloss over that and she doesn't just like forge forward all like full full speed ahead. I mean, even the fact that she's not on Ambo next week and her family's coming in, like, I feel like they will explore that, hopefully. Yeah, I I hope. I hope. But we need some levity on these shows right now because it's 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 too much. It's too much. Just straight up. And again, I understand the writers have a job to do. And if somebody were to stand over my shoulder and tell me how to do my job, I'd be freaking pissed. But, but also, what's going I want on right feedback. now? Is too- what? I was just like, also, like, I would want feedback. Like, I would want to know what makes my fans happy. <laughs> like, I well, just yeah, and that's that's an interesting point too. Is that like, I I welcome that in my in my professional job and what I do. I welcome feedback because I'm always looking how to do my job better. Yeah. Right. I'm not saying that the you're going to cater should- to every single piece of feedback you get, but you're at least open to hearing it. Bingo, that, yep. that, that. And I'm pointing up because Brian is in the window above me. But <laughs> <laughs> that, yeah. yeah, at least be open to hear what your fans are thinking and saying. 
take yep. the pulse of your fandom mm-hmm. that simple yep yeah exactly I mean, I don't like we have listener thoughts and I just I'm like, I'm going to cry all over again. I know I'm like really surprised. I really thought when we started this, I was like this close to crying and I'm really I really thought I was going to be crying by now. It, I mean, it was, it was all of it. It was like the building coming down on him was traumatic. Yep. Even though it was terribly CGI'd like trauma, yeah. trauma, all of it, every single one of it. Okay. So listener thoughts, Lexi said now onto fire. Don't even get me started. When I tell you, I sobbed, I fucking screamed and sobbed so loud. I'm distraught. Why did they just have to kill off Hawkins? I'm not well at all. I'm not happy. I'm screaming and crying. The shots of his body and Violet screaming out for him are going to be burned into my brain forever. It was absolutely devastating, heartbreaking, heart shattering, stab me with a knife kind of sadness that I will never forget as long as I live. That, that. Yep. I don't, I don't think TV is supposed to do that. Not fire. Yeah. I was going to say, it may be some TV, but not this TV. But like not the bad kind of memories. TV is supposed to give you like the good kind of memory, not the bad kind where you're just like, I can't ever there's, unsee that. There's no levity. Like we are getting no payoff for watching this stuff. You know what I'm saying? Like we get, we watch trauma, 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 trauma. And then there's no payoff. We don't yep. get that happiness. Mm-hmm. Yep. And Violet's happiness is not going to it's not going to be an adequate payoff. It's not going to feel like enough because what's her payoff? Getting like Valo happening? No, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Ugh. So Lexi also said, I will die on the Sylvie Brett deserves better and deserves happiness hell. She's broken without Matt. She's not the same. I can't deal with her being heartbroken. My girl being upset over Casey just makes me upset. I don't like sad Brett either. No. When especially you got sad Brett and now sad Violet. Like, I mean, we don't need one is enough. Like, I don't, I no. The combo, yeah. I don't need both of them being upset. Yeah. Um, Allison G said, I was prepared for PD, but wow, was I not prepared at all for fire to be that brutal. I'm so crushed that we won't get to see Jimmy any on fire anymore or have more Hakami scenes, which have easily been the best part of fire for the last year. It was so devastating that I could barely tell you what happened on PD. Same. It took me till today to realize what actually happened on PD. Um, and she said, other than Jesse's exit was as abrupt and inexplicable as we all expected it to be. And I really couldn't bring myself to care about it at all. I know they like to shake things up on fire, but this felt so random and cruel. And now that we're going to have to watch Violet try to deal with the aftermath, Hanako's performance was amazing, but heartbreaking tonight. And I'm not ready for more of that. I honestly wish I'd stopped watching before they got to the theater and stayed in the happy, in the happy place for the rest of the episode. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Uh, Leanza said, as devastating as last night's loss was, I feel that in hindsight, this was a long time coming. If you're familiar, the parallels to Vic and Ripley on Station 19 are numerous. Oh, break that one really hurts too. But like this, this hurts. This hurts way worse. Yeah. Yeah. However, I'm curious as to why they decided to kill Hawkins off last night as opposed to last year's season finale. I can't help but think it was Derek's evil plan to lure us into a false sense of security and happiness. Lauren, do you remember last year when you were just like, Hawkins is going to die in the finale? Like, I know, I was like, you were so convinced like, he was going to die like, in the finale. And then we were like, haha, Lauren, you were wrong. And now here we are. I was like, Hakami death trope, guys. And now I'm like, why? You were right the whole freaking time. Yeah. yeah. Unfortunately. 
I know. Uh, yeah, so then Lianza said, in stark contrast to Jesse slash Jay's exit on PD, I will go there. Thank you, Lianza, because I'm not watching. Um, <laughs> I have faith in the fire writers to turn this loss into a beautifully tragic yet powerful storyline for Violet. After Hanako's performance, I can't wait to see how she plays it. Do you have any predictions on where they will take her now this season? I'm hoping for support of Sylvie, millennial bonding, and the insight into her family that's been teased. I'm going to graciously step back and be the Kermit Sipping tea meme in this moment. Carry on. I mean, I, I think we've think- kind of already talked about it. Like, I think, I let's put it this way. I hope if they're gonna, uh, I mean, we all know eventually, I think they're gonna push Violet and Gallo, but like, I hope they at least give it time. Like, we don't need it in like five episodes from now. That's not what we need. That's not what Violet needs. It's not what we need. Like, I, no, no. Yeah, I literally just think it was a way to get Valo back together. Yeah. That's all I, that's literally, the, yeah, that's it. Yeah. And I hope I'm wrong. And I yeah. hope that they do find some bigger reason for making all this happen and making us suffer through last night. Like, I will gladly, if if that is the case, I will gladly come on this podcast and be like, you know what? We were wrong. Like, yeah, I, I will gladly say that. But I just don't know if that's going to be the case. And because they haven't given us any, there's just, there was no buildup. Like, yeah. 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 Um, Megan R said, I don't know what the writers were thinking in killing Hawkins off. He was the bright spot on the show after Jesse Spencer left. And it feels like a slap in the face to fans. Also the Vic and Rickley Ripley vibes. The last 10 minutes gave me the, gave me were strong. Honestly, I think Evan's death might be worse than Ripley's. And it definitely is one I'm not getting over at any time soon at all. Yeah. Ripley's was cruel, but it was more emotional because mm-hmm. I mean, he was dying in a hospital bed. Like we didn't actually have to watch him get killed by a building falling on him like that was it was just yeah. an emotional death this yeah for sure this evan hawkins death is way worse than ripley's and didn't they get their goodbyes too in that yeah they got a goodbyes yeah. and you know he was all like i'm gonna you know you're the last person i've loved you know like they had an yeah. emotion i mean it was emotional and i still trust me that death hurts like i still remember watching it and texting gina being like what the fuck like i remember all of that but like it's just not the same. It's just yeah. not. I mean, they are very a lot of similarities, but it's not the same. So Jess B said, I am just a glass case of emotion. A plus Anchorman reference, Jess. Thank you for that. <laughs> um, she said, I was spoiled ahead of time. So basically every time Hawkins came on screen, I teared up. First time I watched it, it was on my dinner break at work. And I was like, oh yeah, I'm strong enough to watch this in public. Yeah. Started crying in the middle of the food court. Jespie lives in Australia, for those of you who don't know. So she's on on quite the delay, actually. Yeah. So she said, I just can't believe they did that. I've tried to be optimistic about OC, despite it being kind of rough lately, but Hakami were a big part of that. And I don't know what I'm going to do without them now. In these angsty moments, I'm always a little torn because Hanako acted the fuck out of that scene. Yes. Yep. Stan Hanako for healthy skin or whatever the expression is. Um, so I like that she got that opportunity, but also they fucking killed Hawkins. Hakami was quickly becoming one of my favorite ships across all three shows and they killed them. I'm not going to be okay for a while. This is a good point she brings up is that in the middle of all of this darkness, in the middle of all this crazy shit that was happening, even if you look back at season 10, right? We lost Casey at the same time that Miranda was on her leave of absence, right? Fire was not in a good place. Those first like five episodes after Casey left. Yep. Fire was not in a good place. Hakami saved season 10. They did. That's not a secret. Yep. 
Yep. They saved season 10. And going into season 11, knowing that we were going to lose Upstead, Hakami once again was a source of comfort. Yep. We don't have a ship on Med right now. Yep. We don't have a ship on Med. Stella and Severide, yes, they're safe and stable, but they're married now. It's a different level of drama with them, which we want. We want them to be stable and have little tiny married couple spats. We want that. We love it. Hakami was our one source of safety. And I can't even loop Berzik into that. I'm so sorry, Lauren. Don't hate me. Because usually they're fighting with the exception of 1002, right? Yeah. She's giving me peace signs and she's not actually saying anything. I don't know if this is Lauren for like, go fuck yourself or like Lauren for no, I agree. Hi. <laughs> um, we have very different Berzek opinions. We so- do. No, we do. And we've talked about this so many times in the past. We really, really have. But we agree. I mean... Oh, yeah. Well, first, they have not been like, yeah, yeah. They have their issues. Yeah. Yeah. Hakami was the one good thing that we were really hanging on to through last season and this season. Well, they were, they were happy. Like they were just a happy spot. They were just good. You know? Yeah. 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 Heather B said, Derek didn't just hand us a clown mask. He put it on the big screen while the building burned down around us. Violet screaming while Bowden held her back broke my heart. But damn if Hanako didn't pour her entire soul into it. Credit where credit is due. She was amazing. Oh, my God. And when she's, like, screaming and she's like, I can save him. Let me try. I can't. I, I can't. I the can fact that people I kept, like, posting him. that on Twitter. And I was like, I don't want this on my timeline. No, thank you. And then, like, there's there's even a moment where, like, she just, like, she turns and she's, like, let me down. Like, put me down. Yeah. But, like, and Bowden just, like, didn't even judge. He was just, like, no, I'm going to hold her back because, like, this is what's happening in this moment. I just thought about the scene where Evan told Violet that he was, like, maybe because we, we aren't supposed to be apart. And now they're literally apart forever. I hate it here. Oh, man. Violet, why do I miss you so much when I'm not with you? Maybe oh. we're not supposed to be apart. And the first kiss and the appendicitis scene. And I just, I hurt so bad. I literally cannot. And like the fact that Hawkins died so young. It hurts so much. Like, as the day went on, I felt like a little bit better. And then every now and then I would think back to like that image of the building fucking falling on him. And I'd be like, nope, not okay. Not okay again. Not okay. Nope, not okay. Yeah. Bruh. Like, we cannot be the only people who get this invested in a show. No. I think we're... A different breed, but I don't think we are. We're not we're alone. In- we're not. <laughs> we're alone. definitely not normal. A different breed, <laughs> but an awesome breed. Yes, that facts. I literally feel like I watched my friend die. I'm just mad. I already said. I've already talked about. Like, <laughs> I went from. I think I answered the FaceTime, and I was like in shock, and then I was just like didn't know how to feel and then this morning I woke up and I was like 
I am so yeah. I'm enraged rage. Um, Annie said, fire was my favorite tonight. Love the pacing, the drama, the comedy, the big ending scene with Hawkins death, a perfect quintessential fire episode. The fire writing room has some degree of harmony because they're not stupid enough to mess with Stella ride. They know how to read the fucking room. And then she said, Hanako, what a performance. She's phenomenal in this role. She left it all on the scene. Love their love. And I'm curious to see how Violet navigates this grief. Great opportunity for character development. Um, and she said, I'm just surprised. I was just as surprised as everyone else. But looking back at it, there were moments where I felt like the writers hinted at Hawkins' departure. Yeah. Yeah. They definitely like last, when I think about last week's episode at this point, and he's like, oh, only two more shifts left. I'm like, okay. I'm like, come on now. I'm like, yeah. Wow. When he said when he after he kissed Violet and was like, I'll see you after shift, I was like, No, you won't. Yeah. No, you won't. Yeah. And like just the notion of like him pulling up on the scene and not show not knowing that he was like showing up to his death. Oh, it hurts. It hurts so bad. Okay. Um, Sarah said, Can we agree that Fire 1103 is now a forbidden episode like 404? Yes. Yes. I don't think I could watch that ending ever again with Violet bawling like that while they dig Hawkins out. Had an inkling it might be Hawkins when it was announced last week someone wasn't going to make it, but damn. It felt so abrupt. Why couldn't we have had Hawkins till mid-season? Why couldn't we have had Hawkins forever? Yep. That is a great question. (laughs) Yeah. One I would love an answer to. And we'll never get the answer to. Um, Jessica S said Hawkins death is easily the most unnecessary character death they've given us. I'm gutted over it. And I'm not sure the fandom will come back from it because I've never in 11 seasons seen a character so embraced by the entire fandom. Yep. Amen, sister. Yep. And again, we survived Shay dying. We survived Otis Otis. dying. Uh, when I, Jimmy's brother, he died and like never once has there been an outcry like this. This death hurt a lot more than Otis's did. And that hurt a lot. And it hurt a lot. Yeah. Yep. Devin A said in all caps, all caps, why God, why? Evan was so pure and innocent. This is why we can't have nice things and get attached to them. Amen. Amen. It's giving me such flashbacks to when Shay and Otis died. Now, after talking it through in the group chat, I've come to terms that because they weren't keeping Hawkins around in the same district, then keeping him as a guest or recurring star really creates a bottleneck schedule-wise for other projects he'd be able to do. Nonetheless, he will be missed, but surely never forgotten. It was just so much pain for one episode, but I will reiterate, Hanukkah slayed it. She always does. She always does. I don't think I'll ever get those screams out of my head anytime soon. I can only hope that somehow Severide helps Violet heal in some way because of his experience with Shay's death. Yeah. Catherine said, please read the screaming. How on earth did the fire riders dare kill my baby boy, Evan? (laughs) Honestly, this is worse than the Denny Duquette, Lucas Ripley, Lexi Gray deaths combined. So this was so unnecessary, so painful, so rude. I don't know why Jimmy was so quickly loved and Hakami became the ship with Stellaride, but they're safe, I think. I was so excited to see every week, but there is no reason to get rid of them. We want him to become a regular, not a ghost. And she said the tears keep coming. I like how she reiterates to this whole thing. She's like, I'm still screaming. Still screaming. (laughs) On a side note, though, Chicago Heaven just got a lot more lit. 
Gina. <laughs> oh, where does, oh, I'm not even going there tonight. Nope, we're not going there tonight. That's a different story. Like, imagine Hawkins being a wingman for Justin Voigt. As Justin Wu's Nadia, that's still been the headcanon. I know. <laughs> I know. And then Shay's like, who the fuck is this guy? Like, yep. Chicago Heaven. Unfortunately, there's too many players in Chicago Heaven. Yeah, the cast of Chicago Heaven just keeps getting bigger. I don't like it. Nope. Ugh. So Lois said, did Derek have nowhere else to go with the Hakami story? So they just killed him off so violently. Honestly, we won't know for sure that he died until next week. No, we know, honey. Yeah. We know. Sorry. What does it mean if the eyes are open like that? Let's see if Violet can save him. People die with their eyes open sometimes. Sorry, Lois. Um, They put him on a stretcher so they'll try to transport him. Maybe the next episode will show him in the hospital with internal internal injuries. Lois, honey. (laughs) I appreciate wanting, like, the fact that it's just, like, everyone wants him to still be alive, but, like, uh, he's not. No, Lois, I'm sorry. I'm really sorry. No. The man was was smushed. He was he was literally squashed, pummeled, pulverized. Again, laughing so I don't cry. He is a pancake. (laughs) The man is gone. (laughs) Oh my god! I did not think I'd be laughing about Hawkins' death, but here we are. oh my goodness yeah um holly said why just why the episode started out great i was loving it but then i should have remembered Derek wrote it and loves to destroy us at the end however why did we have to do that to hakami i was fully i was fully convinced that losing someone in the promo was a misdirect it wouldn't actually be someone we all loved. Round of applause to Hanako, though, because her performance was incredible and heartbreaking. I know she's going to knock the grief arc out of the park, but man, this one hurts. See, see, and this is what I this is where I think the miscommunication with the writers and the fans happened is because in their eyes, I wonder if they viewed Hawkins as kind of a nobody. You mean the writers? The writers. Yeah. Did I say the fans? I meant the writers. Oh, I just didn't. Yeah. I mean, I think they probably kind of did. I think they probably were like, oh, we could get, we could, we could do away with him and it'll be fine. And the well, fans well, were what, like. And the thing is in the beginning last season, when they brought him in, he was a nobody, but like clearly by leaning into Hakami so much, you made him into somebody. Yep. Yeah. And the fact they brought him back on, like you guys said for yep. so long and they changed their storyline for him. Like they knew. Yep. They knew. They knew yeah uh yeah go ahead ahead. uh emily t said i cannot believe hawkins could be gone and i will riot if it's true and this drives violet back to gallow i don't care if we're back to cinnamon roll i refuse hey good call i mean i look i love blake gallow i do he is indeed a little cinnamon roll he's adorable i'm not gonna lie i love blake gallow he does not deserve violet yep somebody said somebody said and then she replied and said, also, this could have been solved if they didn't respond to a fire in Park Ridge. I'm guessing. Okay. So she said Pickwick Theater is in the burbs. Okay. Which is like such a fire. Yeah. 
So yeah, better, course, I'm never going there. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. So we hurt. We Clearly, hurt no lot. one loves Hawkins. No, Clearly, that was just the right call to me. Yeah. Make. So yeah, we're fine. We're we on. totally agree with the decision. We're not devastated. We're totally good. Yeah. Um, and I guess you know we could before we move into Severide's little thingamajig or whatever i think you know again jimmy if you're listening we love you we're so grateful that you're you know for your friendship and your support and just how much you've meant to this fandom i hope clearly shows like through this and through our discussion like you are so loved and we're so grateful for you and yeah we're just we love you and you are stuck with us forever forever ever yeah. And me. <laughs> and Lauren. <laughs> yeah. With the three of us forever. Yes. We love you. We love you so much. Yeah. So let's hope we have Severide. Hey. Another yeah. episode, another episode of him playing Fire Cop. Fire Cop. I, I like it. I do. I, I, I do. I just didn't care this go around. But also, that's because of the last 10 minutes, because I watched a building fall on my friend. But that's yeah. the point. Just uh, move man to PD at this point. Like what? <laughs> like I'm just actually, like, though, what is happening? He can just go take Jay's desk. Like honestly, like the it's spot and intelligence is like there at this for point, him. I'd actually be okay with that. Now that I think about it, um, yeah, Brian, take it away, please. Okay, so basically, Bowden asks to see Severide in his office. He's like, hey, like PD wants your help with a crime scene. Like Trudy recommended you. Like awesome. Which I just think it's funny that, like, everyone knows that, like, Severide is basically a cop at this point. <laughs> it's just, it's not a secret anymore. No. And so it's some, like, robbery homicide case where, like, someone tried to torch a fireproof safe. And so Severide's looking at it, and all of a sudden, Prima rolls up, and he is pissed that Severide is there. He's not happy, obviously, given the way things went down in the premiere. Um and but ultimately he relents he's like fine if you want to look at it go right ahead whatever turns out nothing's actually fireproof so that's just some bad uh labeling i guess some misdirects um and severide's like okay yeah sure i'll take some look i'll take some pictures do some digging see what i can figure out whatever um then Van Meter stops by and he's like here's all these old safe cracking arson files for you to look through whatever and so Severide gets an idea. He's like, oh, there's an old case where the methods are potentially the same. So I'm going to stop by there. And like, not only does he stop by there, but also Prima. And so they start passing these like theories back and forth. And Severide's like, well, maybe the safe was the guy's just first attempt. Whatever. Doesn't really matter. Basically, Prima and Severide agree to share like, hey, like if you find something, let me know. If I find something, I'll let you know. That's kind of where we're at. So then... Severide is like working on it or whatever, and he asks Carver for like construction expertise with the photos. He's like, Hey, Carver, you work construction, right? And it's just like, Of course, Carver worked construction. It literally seems like they're trying to turn Casey, like him into the at least not necessarily the same character as Casey, but like if you take the character traits, they're trying to turn him into Matt Casey 2.0. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like, Oh, fireman works construction as a side job job lawn i mean it's just like literally it's like 
that is who Matt Casey was. It's oh my like, God. Watch his chaotic personal life be that his mom killed his dad. <laughs> oh man. I know. Yeah. So basically Carver's like, obviously there's clearly some recent construction work here, like, you know, done within the last few months. So Severide's like, huh, maybe both houses use the same contractor. So Severide does Severide things, goes and tracks down the contractor. And he's like, no, I only did one of the house, but the plumber who we just so happened to conveniently share an office with, he did work on both houses. I mean, oh, so conveniently that like the plumber also has his head office right there. Um, and basically the plumber shows up and then starts running away. As soon as they start talking about him, Severide and him get in a fight. Severide pins him down. They arrest him. I mean, and we're done. <laughs> like game set match. Yeah. It yeah. was like, okay, cool. Severide was a cop. Yeah. I, I might be not, this might be an unpopular opinion, but I, am really over the fire cop storylines they were really really fun when it was like one or two a season but at this point I'm just like okay it's overdone like I'm I'm over it well and I thought originally when like after episode one with like the prima beef I thought we would have spent more time on the prima beef and like them having to work together versus like the fact that Severide literally just played fire cop again like yeah. I like I don't mind him playing fire cop, but like I was hoping for something when you introduced, like you were like, oh, we're gonna bring Prima back. Prima's gonna have a lot of like impact on Severide for this first half of the season. Okay, great, but like this storyline did none of that. No, except in the beginning when Prima's like, I don't want him here. Prima irritates me. Yeah, he kind of gets on my nerves too. But at least it's something different. I I I would. He's not the worst thing in the world. No. But they didn't even lean into that. They were just like, oh, no, it's going to be fire cop again. It's like, okay. I feel like I feel like the fire cop thing now is what they go to when they don't know what to do with Seth. Well, and like they don't have stellar drama to lean on right now. So they're going to lean heavily on fire cop. Mm-hmm. They're going to lean heavily on fire cop and heavily on Stella's disputes, whatever, with the, the Stella and the Carver stuff. Because they can't have stellar fight with each other. Yeah. And they can't have normal storylines with them. Happy storylines or whatever. Yeah. What's the trade-off here, though? Like, I... Um, this I mean, the- it's not the worst thing in the world. It's no. just repetitive. And, just like... Think, yeah. It's overdone. Yeah. yeah. Because it all ends the same. He starts yeah. being fire cop. He solves the case. It's just... I don't know. Yeah. And I mean, I guess last year we got a glimpse of what happens when he doesn't solve the case because he got his ass kicked. Mm-hmm. But it's just a weird time in yeah. Chicago. Yeah. But yeah, that's fine. I mean, that's the end of the summer. He played fire cop. The end. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. So any other notes on fire? I did not going into it think fire was gonna I, I mean I thought I was prepared for PD to be suck but like fire I was not expecting to suck that bad I know I know so um as I said before I am dipping for the PD portion I did not watch it I chose not to I will not I probably won't watch it I'm hoping to treat it like the supernatural series finale and like know what happened but never watch it uh 
It's okay. It's- Lauren and I will get you guys through. <laughs> yeah, it's a chaotic it's, time. It's painful for me. It, well, I, I say it's too painful for me when I really should have skipped fire, but you know, what are you going to do? Uh, so, with that said, I am going to peace out. Brenna and Lauren, I love you so much. Lauren, thank you for stepping in for me on the PD portion. Uh, love you. The next I time, Gina, the next time the listeners hear from you will be your wedding day. I what? know. That's so hard. Party. <laughs> Lauren, do you just want to record with us again next week? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> You're going to be with us, so why not? Yeah, why the fuck not? So, All right, Lauren, it's PD time. Okay. All right. I guess I don't even know where to begin because, like, honestly, it was a shit show. <laughs> like, I just, it was a shit show. Yeah. And I think we <laughs> expected it to be a shit show, but, like, that was a real shit show. It was really bad. It was yeah. bad. And you know, like, honestly, okay. Cause last night while we were on FaceTime, I definitely did not. I like kind of had some idea what was happening, but like, eh, not really. And then mm-hmm. I rewatched it today and I was like, you know what? I didn't think the case itself was like horrible, but it's just like, when you consider what it leads up to and like the way Jay acted, I was like, eh, there's some parts of this that like don't completely work, obviously. But I, like, I was like, the case isn't tear. It's not the worst thing I've ever watched, no. but like. It lit up. Just, okay. Yeah. It, they saw people say on Twitter, they were talking about like his exit could have been so much worse in the grand scheme of it. And I was like, okay, you're right. I think there is just. But it also could have been so much better better. in the grand scheme of things, too. Yeah. Yeah. It's really, yeah. It's just, I think the thing for me that I'm just, I have a really hard time grasping is, like, it's still, even though we've known it's coming for weeks now, I mean, months now at this point, we knew that Jesse was leaving and we kind of all had an idea that it was episode three. They never came out and said it was episode three, but we all kind of knew it was episode three. Even though we knew it was coming, I still feel like the buildup and like, it still just seems so abrupt. Like everything about this, I was like, who is this Jay? Like, I just don't know. Who is this Jay? The how they chose to make him out of character to build his exit was so jarring and just awful. It's so bad. It made it his, his knowing he was leaving was bad. We like, it was already, it, it was never going to be good. No, it was never. Cause we knew they had three episodes to do it in. Like it yeah. just wasn't, but during the first episode when he was out of character and then the second when he was out of character to yeah. such a significant degree, there was just no coming back from it. Yeah. Well, and like we were talking about earlier, you know, when we were talking about it specifically with Torres, you know, like how it's kind of been a weird introduction to Torres because they've had so much other stuff to deal with in these first couple episodes that we haven't really gotten to see a proper Torres introduction, which is weird that it's going to happen in episode four, but like it's been overshadowed by all the, for something that's been overshadowed by all this Jay stuff, we barely saw like a good lead up to the Jay's exit. No. Like 
it, like they yes they it overshadowed those first two episodes but like they barely touched on I mean, even last week it was like jay doing all this shady shit with boy and Haley's like what the fuck's going on and they're like it. oh, it's nothing yeah that's it yeah they're like eh, it's just them now it's just their new dynamic it's just it i really like i like you said i never had good hopes for it but like this was just a really it was a really big letdown I completely agree. I I think, yeah. That was really big one. So let's let's get into it a little bit. So episode the episode starts, and I I will say the one thing that I loved about this episode, I really thought this was like a good opening. I thought it was really, I really liked how they like start with Haley obviously being barely clearly being kept in the dark and nervous about something going up with Jay. But I really loved how like they had for like two minutes straight, it was like the repetitive image of like her tapping her wedding ring over and over and then him starting to do it. And like, I thought that was just so well done. I love that. And then the zoom in on the infinity symbol every time it was yeah. just so good. I was like, it was the only thing I was like, this is really, I was like, this was really well done. Um, obviously very upsetting that like Haley is just sitting there and she's like, I don't know what the fuck's going on with my husband, but like, you know, whatever. And Jay, the thing that I never understood is like, why is Jay doing this? It's not like he's like out on a mission with Voight or whatever. He's just like at a bar sitting there and he's like, I don't know why I can't go home to my wife, but like I'm lying to her saying I'm being homesick. Like, I just, that's what I don't understand. It's like, it's not like Voight has him off doing shady shit. He's just yeah. sitting there by himself. He's not like, come meet me at this bar right now. You have to be with me 24 seven. We have to go do all this. It's just, and that's the thing. There's just zero explanation and we have zero explanation now. Well, I mean, yeah, it's just. Uh, yeah. Well, and Jay doesn't have it. The thing is, is like, Jay doesn't even have an explanation on why he's doing it. No. He's just like out in the bar by himself and then out driving around in circles by him. I just like, I don't understand. And like, I was heartbroken over the Jay exit, but I was even more heartbroken watching Haley through this episode and then now knowing what she has to like what's coming up for her yeah I those scenes made me cry harder like my heart just broke for her yeah I've never been I mean like I obviously of course I love Haley but like I've never been like a diehard Haley Upton stan or anything like that but, like, honestly, this probably could have turned me into one for the sheer fact of, like you said, she doesn't deserve any of this shit. Like, no. what has she done besides, like, love her husband who supposedly says he loves her too and, like, try to be there for him as he's, like, clearly going through some kind of shit or whatever. Yeah. And he's just, like, ignoring her. He's like, ah, oh, yeah, whatever. And then, like, their whole, like, upset was built on like we are like they are a team they have each other's back like they are always gonna be good all their quotes like yeah all their, like if I follow then, you know I'd follow you blind yeah like all those yeah. quotes yeah to just be like Thomas pretend like it was not like not it was nothing but like the writers were like mm, those don't exist for a hot minute like yeah it was just because the thing is, too, is, like, Haley's trying to be there for him. She's trying to hold up her end of their marriage and be like, I don't really care what the fuck you're going through. Just talk to me about it. Yeah. She's like, I mean, literally, Jay could have, I mean, which we'll get there, but, like, Jay could have murdered someone and she would have been like, okay, cool, but, like, just tell me you murdered someone and, like, I'll help you hide the body. It was the fact that she was being 
kept in the dark for clearly such a long time mm-hmm. and there was and like we said like there was no explanation on jay's end that we saw like he was just in a bar he was just going yeah. to hang out with void he was like just trying to catch a case like we there was just nothing and that was just such a complete 180 from the jay that we saw in the season nine finale yep. like what yeah So, like we said, on one of Jay's random drives around for no real reason that we know of, he hears this call for a robbery in progress over the radio. So, he rolls up to this pharmacy. He hears shots fired. He goes in. He finds this guy, Lenny, who is former army, and he's got his gun drawn. And Lenny's like, you know, I engaged two masked individuals, you know, blah, blah, blah. So, Jay goes after them, and Lenny's like, okay, I'll help get everyone else out. So while Jay is engaging with the two mass shooters, um, there's like a young hostage who like tries to run and Lenny tackles her to the ground and he gets shot in the process of trying to save this girl's life. And of course it allows the two gunmen to get away. Um, But like once they're like working the crime scene or whatever at the end, like Jay makes a comment to Haley after that, that like, you know, she was like, he was like, it's, you know, it was a war zone and Lenny just moved. He was like, I haven't seen anything like that since I was overseas. So clearly Jay was already affected by something. And we kind of like, okay, maybe he's experiencing some sort of PTSD from the whole thing, whatever. But like Haley, again, tries to be a good wife in this moment. She like sees some blood and like on his face or whatever. And she like tries to wipe it off. But then like Voight shows up and Jay's like, ooh, Voight. Like yeah. <laughs> he just goes Voight's straight here. for boys. <laughs> and it's just like, that's what? never been Jay. It's like, what? Ever. Ever. It makes no sense. It's, I don't want to like, it's just like, do the writers even watch their own show? Like, that's what it got to the point of for me. I was like, do they even watch the show? Like, when has Jay, especially after season nine, like, when has Jay ever been like, Voight is my man? Like, yeah. never. Well, and the thing is, too, and something I've been thinking a lot about in the last couple of days, especially after last night, is that I think, you know, over the course of 10 years, it is silly to think that, like, Jay is the same kind of cop and same kind of person that he was, you know, in the first episode of season one. Like, character development happens. Jay's had some really good character development over the years, like... You know, like, he's definitely not the same person. So it's not to say that he couldn't have ever even become, like, a protege of Voights and, like, on that side. But they've just never explained that to us. If they had just said, like, you know, and shown us that, like, Jay clearly had changed and this is why and this is why he changed. Like, I could have at least then wrapped my head around it. I still may or may not have agreed with it, but I could have at least been like, okay, but we don't. so to us, it just seems like when the, all of a sudden did Jay become like Voight's puppy dog? Because that's what it seems like, especially in this moment, literally Voight rolls up on the scene and Jay leaves his wife, who is to trying to help to him. And he just like, is like, ooh, Voight, okay, must go. Especially after last season when we were so convinced that how they, and what they were doing is it really felt like Jay was going to take over the unit. Yep. They really made him they really put him in that position where he was going against Voight. He was really taking charge. He was, we really thought he was going to take it over. Yep. To Sergeant like, House said era. Yeah. Dead. Oh my gosh. We thought we were living our best lives back then, but little did we know. That scene. Wait, like that scene where he was like, oh, Voight's here. That felt 
crazy to me. <laughs> was I was like, what? Yeah. That, yeah. Let alone just like bl- the the blowing Haley thing off as she's like trying to wipe some blood off him. That's already like enough. But then, like you said, the void part of it is just like I I don't. And I, the whole thing, them being like J equals void. The whole thing was just everything J did. Here's how's void attached. Here's how void is attached to it. And it's yep. why. Yeah. Why was this their choice for his exit? It was just crazy. Yeah. So basically, while they're at the crime scene, they a witness basically says the robbers what they were looking for is pseudofederin to make meth. That's what they're after. So Jane Haley go pay Lenny a visit at Med, and Lenny's like, I didn't really see anything. He's like, I was on the other side of the store just grabbing a drink, you know, no big deal. And so they leave, and one of his army buddies stops them, and he's like, Yeah, you know. Uh, you we're you know we're hooked in with joint forces, narcotics ops. We do all these cartel tar, you know, whatever. He's like not Lenny, but like this is what we do. And it's like if Lenny's not involved, like why are you mentioning it? And then it's like, yeah, the foreshadowing. The obviously. foreshadowing was so crazy. This episode was so intense, and again, we'll get to it. Makes no sense at the like. It's just. So something I I randomly was just thinking about this and we should have probably talked about it in the fire stuff too. Obviously there was a ton of foreshadowing in both fire with Hawkins death. And then obviously with the way Jay was going to be written out of this. Do you feel like as a viewer, do you like the foreshadowing as like a preparation for knowing what's to come? Or do you think it kind of ruins the element of surprise? Oh, I absolutely hate it. And I think one Chicago does so much foreshadowing. Yeah. In every single episode to the point where it's just like, okay, anticlimactic at this point. Like, in every single episode, I'm like, it's, yeah. Yeah. It just, like, I I think in some cases it can kind of work. But, like, in this case, and especially last, you know, within the fire episode, too, I was just like, this is, like, no. I, I didn't it's need painful. to see. Like, especially, not that I liked the J ending. I didn't like the J ending or whatever. But you literally already ruined it, like. 10 minutes into the episode exactly i knew i was like okay well he's obviously going to do the multinational cartels whatever that's this guy's this job. thing yeah. yeah i didn't okay you probably could have at least built a better surprise of jay leaving wait if you didn't tell me in the beginning of the episode that that's where he was going the way this guy talked about his job literally just seemed like a pitch he was like it's great here's my pitch to join like, like if you ever want to i can gladly help you yeah <laughs> yeah so they're back at the bullpen and they're going over like what they know from some of the previous robberies with the same mo but they like can't just move on the fact that there were like previous robberies with the same mo so they need some sort of evidence so they start because they get this call saying like oh the getaway car was just ditched so Haley and jay go check it out but of course someone set it on fire before they could get to it and even in that scene jay is like super unhinged yeah grabbing the yeah grabbing the fire extinguisher going to try to put it out the flames just getting worse and worse and worse and worse and then Haley literally having to grab the back of his shirt and pull him back (laughs) yeah before like seconds before they're both literally yeah yeah so they are able to won't pull one print off of it, though, and it belongs to this guy, Calvin. And, of course, he's, like, hooked on meth, so it seems like he's the obvious choice. And they bring him in for questioning, though, and he's like, I swear I didn't do it. 
obviously. He's like, I just stole a car and sold it two weeks ago. He's like, you know. But so Jay makes a promise and Jay's like, listen, if you give up the name, he's like, I won't basically, I won't pin this on you. And you'll be let go. Yeah, you'll let go. But he can't keep that promise. And Kim, of all people, (laughs) confronts him about it. And we get our first ever Jake and Kate scene. (laughs) It's just, I can't. I don't know whether to, like, it's a slap in the face or I applaud them for, like, after all these years, like, the joke being, like, do Jake and Kate even know they exist? And, like, in Jay's last episode, they give us the Jake and Kate scene. It's, like, this was, I don't know if I'm just, like, reading into it because I'm, like, look, I don't looking for it, but I even the last episode, like, they've been trying to do more interactions, unspoken or not, like, or spoken with Haley and Kim, like, even just, like, mm-hmm. their looks with each other, and so that was, again, what they did in this episode, where, and I love it. <laughs> like, yeah. I am so, like, I love seeing them interact more with each other outside of their normal duos, even just, like, with looks like that, and so, Yeah. What I think, you know, because we've talked a lot on the podcast before about how, like, when they were trying to do it with Aaron and Kim, it just didn't work for whatever reason. Um, It just felt very forced. And obviously, we haven't had that much of it so far with Haley and Kim. But the thing that makes it, I think, work is that it's actually believable that they would probably be friends. Yeah. I'm not saying they have to be BFFs because I don't think they're, like bffs or anything like that but i definitely believe they're friends and if that's why at least like these interactions seem believable whereas like the aaron and kim ones to me at least never they seemed like oh we have to have the girls have a scene finally you know for the sake of yeah. the fact that we've never really had the females of the show have a scene together and like that's not at least what it feels like now with Haley and kim like I putting myself in Haley's position, I would be like, what the actual fuck is going on? Like, I would think I would start to feel insane. Like with everything happening around me, like not knowing what's happening with Jay, like watching him just be this completely different person than I've known for all these years. So I think those little interactions, like knowing that other people are like, what is happening at the same time is like very comforting and comforting. Yeah. Yeah. So, like we said, Jay makes a promise he can't keep. Kim confronts him about it. And basically, what they find out, though, is what they need. And basically, the guy sold the car to this Benjamin Watt. And, of course, he's like a person of interest in all the other cases, but they can't charge him on anything. So, Haley points out, he's like, we actually have zero evidence, though, tying Watt to the pharmacy robbery. So, Boyd's like, well, go find some. <laughs> Such we, a love a le- we love a leader such a flight response <laughs> so Haley does some digging and she finds out that like two hours before the robbery watt sent four hundred dollars to lenny and jay is in like total disbelief he's like there's no way yeah so upstead goes to question lenny about it and jay jay gets him to come clean jay you know lenny says he was like i was just the lookout he's like but when i saw him shoot the pharmacies he's like i couldn't take it and Lenny says, you know, he's like, I did the right thing when it counted. Didn't I do that? And it 
it does bring up a really interesting thing that like just because you did the right thing you also did a bunch of wrong things before that so like does your right thing cancel out all your wrong things exactly you literally put everyone in that position because of what you were doing right just because you saved a bunch of lives doesn't mean you also didn't cost the pharmacist her life exactly so but of course like they ask him who hired him and like before Lenny could ID him he starts teasing so Haley wants to alert Voight they, Haley and Jay leave and Haley's like we need to tell Voight and like start digging into Lenny and Jay's like uh no and Jay is like convinced she, he's like he doesn't want to like tarnish Lenny's name he's like he's dying like we can't take his name too and Haley's like uh that's not your call and Jay yeah. is convinced I mean Jay is convinced he's like one bad act doesn't make you a bad person that jaw dropped <laughs> well no the thing that jaw drops me is he says you and I both know that know that Yep. That's I can't did he really I, I had kind of missed this last night when this was airing, but when I watched it today, I was I was shocked. I was like, did you really just call out your wife for everything that happened last year? After knowing how badly it affected her and going through all of that together and like trying to heal for like what? I was shocked. Because the Jay Hall said we know and love would never say that. And that, and even with the whole Jay being out of character, everything, that scene did not need to happen. That little comment did not need to happen. Like, that was just cruel. Yep. It was cruel. And that, again, Haley's face, she just stopped and looked at him like, I could not. I could, I burst into tears. Like, yeah. It was watching Haley in this episode. Like, I can't. And no it was, words. It was yeah. heartbreaking. When then she goes even further to call Jay out because she's like, this isn't you. And he's like, what isn't? And she's like, everything. Like, you're skirting evidence. You're lying to me. You're no knock warrants. Like, making bad deals in the box. Like, you and Voight. Like, she's like, I just don't know what's changed. But like, and I don't know what to do. But I'm here and I want to. She is like literally begging him. She is like so open. She's like, I am here. Like, just say what's going on. Like, like, just talk to me. I don't care, but just talk to me. And Jay just, like, doesn't care. He is more important because, like, he gets, or he is more, he is so more enamored with the fact that he gets this phone call and then, like, Lenny's dead. And he's, like, no, he's, like, we we're not taking save. anything else from him. He's, like, you know, we can make the case another way. He's, like, we're going to do that. Yeah, we have to save his pension. We have to make sure his family is good. Like, it's just... But yet your wife is literally standing here being with like open arms being like, just talk to me. And he just ignores it. And even if the writers did it where Jay was completely open with Haley the entire time, they still could have made his exit the exact same way. It just would have taken the upset angst out of it. Yep. Which would have made it a little (laughs) more easier to swallow. Yeah, exactly. Like, there was no point in adding any of that in. Yeah. So, back at the bullpen, they get a call about another pharmacy being robbed. But, like, of course, they go. They don't catch the robbers there either. And Haley urges Jay. She's like, no, like, this is not happening. Like, it's time. We got to get the warrant on Lenny. And he's like, what's it going to hurt if I basically just give me a few more hours to work on it? Like, they're not going to hit again. Like, it's fine. Just give me a couple more hours. He's like, yeah, they're not going to do it today. And it's just like, Jay, 
That's not the point. So Jay decides to go see that Lenny's army buddy or whatever from earlier. And, you know, they talk and Jay asks him, basically, he was like, did you know he was involved in the robbery? And Lenny's like, no, but like, I knew he was in pain. And, you know, when people, when people are in pain, they sometimes do things they may not otherwise do. And I kind of wondered on my rewatch, like, is that also supposed to be like towards Jay? It is, right? Like, obviously it's about Lenny, but it's also about Jay, right? Because clearly something's going on with Jay and it's making him do things that he probably wouldn't have otherwise done. He just hasn't admitted it to himself. They never showed the breaking point. Like, I, that's the thing. They never were like, this is Jay Halstead's breaking point. This is why he's acting like this. This is why he needs this change. This is why he made this decision to do to to leave xyz they never showed that they were like no he's just acting completely different and yeah he's gone like they they missed the ball badly yeah so the buddy's like pleased with jay he's like don't rule it as misconduct like you said they'll otherwise the army will take away the guy's pension lenny's pension plan his you know life everything he basically has and so Jay goes to see Lenny's wife and he's like, she, he basically tells her, he's like, listen, if you open Lenny's phone, computer, whatever, turn it all over to me. He's like, I'll keep Lenny's name out of it. And she's like, you're allowed to do that. And it's like, no, 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 he's not. No, but we are. So this is where shit gets crazy. So Jay, you know, from using what he learns from the computers and whatever, Jay ends up at this like abandoned warehouse. And basically, he comes across Watt and all the pills and yada, yada, yada. Haley and Voight have followed him to this warehouse. And Voight sends Haley in. He's like, she's like, go ahead. He's like, go in after him and, you know, whatever. So Jay, like we said, Jay comes across Watt. He and Watt basically get in this fight. And it ends up, I mean, granted, Watt has Jay pinned down at first. But literally, Jay takes out a knife from his pocket and stabs Watt. Multiple repeatedly, times. repeatedly. Like, we were talking about how gratuitous the violence was over on fire with Hawkins' death. I did not need to see that many stabbings. I just didn't. No, no, didn't need to see it. But I... of course, as soon as Jay finishes stabbing and killing Watt, like he gets up and like turns around and like the look on Haley's face because Haley has just witnessed him kill Watt. It's like. That's another thing I, like, can't unsee from last night. I, no words. Like, like, absolutely no words. She just looked. I. Well, and then it basically turns into a kind of reverse situation of nine. nine. Well, yeah, the end of season eight, beginning of season nine. And it's just like. Because Voight tells Haley, she's like, call it. He's like, call it in. And then they start coming up with how they're going to cover it up. And as this is going on, like, Voight and Haley are basically just talking to each other. Because Jay is just sitting there silent, like, stone cold. He is like, I basically can't believe what the fuck I just did. And going back a little bit, Haley figures out where Jay is going, right? Like, because Jay doesn't tell them. Right, Jay just and goes. so why does Haley call Voight? Why Voight her call? Like I don't. I'm trying to think. Like maybe because she knows that they've been working together, and like obviously, like they're he's their spirit. But I don't know if I would call Voight in that 
Yeah. I don't think I would have, but I guess, like you said, I think she probably thought that, like, if anyone knew what was going on with Jay or what was up with Jay, that, like, Voight knew. Yeah. And Voight could cover right. anything happening. Right. But, yeah, I Voight would have not necessarily been my first call, but to each one's own, I guess. So... The next thing we know, Jay is at the Bureau of Organized Crime, and it seems like at first that he's going to come clean about what he just did with the Lenny situation. Um, He doesn't. He basically, he he looks like he's about to, and then the guy just keeps going on and on about how, like, great everything turned out and that they're going to give Lenny the special, like, citizen award or whatever, and, you know, Jay decides not to come clean about Lenny. But what he does do is he turns in his badge and he resigns from the CPD. And, and I like, honestly, I didn't necessarily have him resigning on my buck on like my bingo card, but it wasn't, I guess, totally out of the realm of possibility. It was better than the jail theory. <laughs> yeah. I would have and, much rather uh, him resign than like go to jail for void. Yeah. Yeah. I. So then we cut to him telling Haley about his decision and we're just going to play the audio because I can't talk about it. (laughs) What? I spoke to Lenny's friend, Nolan. They need people. They need soldiers to run these units doing drug interdiction. What are you talking about? You were right. About me. Jay, I didn't mean this. I didn't mean resign. I had to. It was the right thing to do. (sighs) Nolan put in a call, and the army offered me a spot. I'll run a full squad of guys tracking down the worst cartel targets. This enemy. We're going to get through this, you and me, together. Okay, we're going to be fine. I took the job. I'll be posted in Bolivia. It's it's black and white. It's, It's good and bad. It's right and wrong, and it's no more of this. I need that. I need that back. But you can't just leave. I fly out today. Okay. It's not forever, okay? It's eight months. Maybe a little longer. But I I swear to you that we're going to get through this because... You're the love of my life. And if I'm yours, of course you Then you'll know that you have to let me go. This scene really sucks. It's awful. <laughs> it really fucking sucks. The the line in that kills me is the Haley looking at Jay and saying like I don't want you to go like I you're not 
Yeah. Like, her voice is, like, so small and quiet. Like, I just... I still don't have words for it. I don't. Like, I want to say something, like, super intelligent and be like, here's, like, the... I just... Like, I was, like, jaw dropped. (laughs) My heart breaks for her. And it because didn't... she doesn't deserve to be treated by that. Like, the, I mean, and the thing is, too, I mean, regardless of I feel so bad for Haley because she doesn't deserve to be treated like this. Who the fuck is this Jay Halstead? Like, Jay, the Jay Halstead, regardless of whether Jay says he's changed, I don't like we were talking about earlier. I never saw his breaking point, but okay, Jay changed, whatever. But even then, I'd like to think that the Jay Halstead that married Haley Upton and fell in love with her all these years wouldn't treat her like this. And the wit, he was like, I leave. He's like, I already took the job. My plane leaves in a couple hours. Yeah. That was it. And I understand, like, he needs to get out of intelligence. Clearly something's going on. He needs to leave for his own mental health, for whatever. I understand that. And I understand that this job is so will be so much better for him. Right. He can get back to his, his brain works in black and white, good and bad. And his brain can get back to that. And I. I, like you said, I don't have a problem with that part of it. It's how it happened. Like how yeah. this whole thing is, is why does he have to leave? Like, I'm like, are there jobs like that in Chicago? Like, why does he have to completely? And also I was confused by the time frame. He's like, yeah. it'll only be eight months. Yeah. That feels like a very... Maybe longer. (laughs) Maybe forever. I mean, I. He says it's not forever, but at that point, I mean. But the thing is, it feels like it's it feels like eight months is a very definitive time frame for a character. Is it where at this point, I don't think Jesse's ever going to come back. I mean, not you can never say never, but like Jay's technically still alive, but like given the way that we assuming things have ended between Jesse and Wolf, I can't imagine him coming back, although he's working on set. So I don't, I, anyway, that's mm-hmm. the point, but like eight months just seemed like a very definitive time for someone who is probably not coming back. It's kind of like with Casey and Brett, they were like, Oh, three years. It's only three years, three years, three years, three years. And it's like, it seems like in a very definitive time frame for something you're not sure is going to happen. This episode felt less like this is crazy. This felt less like an exit for of Jay focus for me, more of a this is what Haley Upton is now is like what she's going through and this is now what her future is going to look like. Yeah. This is what she is now like we saw her be treated we saw how she went, what she went through that episode, how she's treated, and then now how she's left. And now we're just kind of stuck in this. We have to just wait and see like what she's going to be put through, which is after seeing the 1005 promo picks, nothing great. And yeah. she's now all alone. Yep. She ha- does not have her person with her anymore. So yeah. that just, it just made me dread what Haley is about to go through I wasn't like oh like it didn't feel like a good it wasn't like a happy Jay Halstead send-off it wasn't no it just felt like Haley Upton 
we're we're about to fuck her over and that is heartbreaking and it makes me so upset yeah there's two more so the other there's two more things i want to talk about this from the scene is one when jay we were talking about earlier about how like jake's clearly had some sort of breaking point in this last season and a half or whatever and we just haven't seen it we don't know what it was that makes him think that he's now void 2.0 but like he literally tells Haley at one point he's like you were right like i changed but then there is no follow-up on that whatsoever he doesn't ever say why he changed and it's just like again i'm not saying i love this storyline because i really don't but like you could have possibly made me like it just a smidge more if you would explain why he changed i may not have agreed with that but like i could have been like okay that's why they're saying he changed that's why he's acting like this exactly but, there was no reasoning but Nothing. if we and if we have no reasoning to justify it then it's just like well then what the fuck i mean what and again you're not gonna have a reasoning for everything but like yeah still but it's just like thing. there needs to be some reason to justify why jay's acting like this because we all know that it's not him like we said we went from him being like oh he's gonna take over to the unit to oh who the fuck is this yeah like within an episode like it was just overnight yeah what did you think about the whole you know because at the end he's like you know and if i'm yours and she's like of course you are and he's you know and he's like well then you have to let me go and I, I guess my thing is too and something i've been thinking about a lot today is like and i mean i'm glad that they're not i guess getting divorced but like how do you tell someone that like you know like you're you're, it's only eight months. I'm coming back for you. I swear it's only eight months. It's only eight months. But like, let me go. Like, you have to let me do this. Like, she's not going to say, no, you have to stay for me. Right. She's not. She would never do that. Well, and just like a lot of times when you tell someone, you know, like if you have to let me go, it's like they don't like. Yeah. Well, it's like a breakup. Yeah, exactly. It's like usually that word is used in a breakup. And, like, they're not broken up because they're supposedly coming back in eight months. Like, I just, I don't understand. Yeah, she's still wearing the ring and the behind the scenes that we've seen. Yeah, because they're still married. Yeah. Which I also, I mean, obviously, again, I don't want upset to break up. Like, I, you know, would hope they're working it off, you know, working it out together off screen, although I doubt it. But, again, it kind of goes back to the what we've been talking about a lot i know at least on our podcast this season is like having trust issues because i don't understand how upset can be married off screen and again i want them to stay married i really do but how can they stay married off screen and just not work on their problem like they're mad at each other but they're not going to work out their problems but they're still married but jay i, I just don't understand how this is all going to work. I don't. I don't even have a theory. Like <laughs> I don't. Because they're. Realistically. It's not like they're not. Gonna, the writers aren't going to do it. Yeah. Are they just going to stay off screen married? She's just going to wear the ring. For, like, But then also. How. Like how are they going to. Deal with Haley's character. Moving forward. E- like. If she's still married to Jay and, like, hasn't talked out her issues with him. Yeah. And we're going on, like, let's say it gets renewed for another three seasons. Like, how is her, like, 
how's it going to look? How's it going to work? I don't know. I, I literally, I have trusted you at this point. Like, I don't understand. Like, they just, at this point, like, in order to keep a ship, like, basically, if Taylor ever wanted to leave or Miranda wanted to leave, they have to leave together. Like, if Marina wants to leave or Patty wants to leave, like, they have to leave together. Like, I can't handle this anymore. No. And I think it's interesting how they were like, like, if I'm, like, you're the love of my life and if I'm yours, of course you are, then you have to let me go. Like, that. Well, the thing is, too, is, like, Haley saying, of course you are. Of course she's committed, Jay. Like, I've we've never had any doubt about that. No. But, like, the way Jay treated her in this whole thing, and, like, I just, it seems like he lost somewhere along the lines. When he says he's changed, he lost whatever respect he had for his wife. Because if he had had the same respect for her that he did when they got married, then, like, this would not have gone down the way it did. God, I just can't. Like, I truly cannot deal with that. Okay, so this whole part sucked, obviously. The upset of it all, like, that part sucked. But the worst part of the whole exit is the next scene. So basically, Jay's at the airport getting ready to leave when Voight stops him and we get this scene. thought you hated long goodbyes. Can have any job you want in the department. I tell you, I'd make sure of it, but you don't need me. You're past that. You don't want to be me. No. It's worse than that. I do. I do want to be you. But it's like you've always told me. I'm gone. And I shouldn't try. I laughed. I Lauren, the way we were on FaceTime last night and the way that you cackled. <laughs> <laughs> when he was like um, he was like I do want to be you the way that you cackled <laughs> I was dead I was shook that they did this scene honestly and not that they did this scene but this was in my eyes so poorly written the wording the scene like I was just I at this point after the upset scene to this, I was in shock that this was I, I was listening and watching this unfold like this. <laughs> yeah, personally, okay, couple. Well, we got lots to unpack, but so first of all, I don't think Voight should have had the last. Voight and Jay should have had the last scene. I'm not saying I wanted Haley to take him to the airport, but I think Upstead should have been the last scene, not Voight. I agree, 100. percent And then. Second of all, I just, since when, since when has Jay wanted to be Voight? <laughs> Literally what? I don't understand. Like, just the way it was said to you, like, I do want to be you. It's like, bro, what's happening? And he's Literally like, what's happening? well, like, you've always told me I'm not and I shouldn't try. It's just like, what? What? 
And that was it. That was how he left. I don't understand. Because, like, literally last season, he slapped the man. Because he, he was so mad at him. Man. And he did. He wanted to not go. He was a kind of going against his orders. Yeah. He was like, what the fuck is this man doing? And now, I do want to be you, bro. <laughs> I shook. I, like, can't. I was like, what? I can't. It makes no sense. And I get it. Like, I want to be like, I understand they had short notice. They only had three episodes to wrap him up really quickly when they did nothing to prep it. I get it. But what the actual fuck were we served with? Because it just really feels like a big slap in the face to not only Jesse, but to Jay Halstead as a character. And especially Jay being such a core piece of not only PD, but one Chicago in general, obviously spinning off PD, you know, starting on fire. Like his brother's the one that spinned off to it. Like Jay is such a fundamental piece of one Chicago as a whole. And this exit, it just really feels like a big slap in the face. I agree. And I think, and what I think what just really was what did it was there was just no explanation for anything that was going on. Mm-mm. And that was just like, it made everything happening. Like not like we didn't believe any, like it just was just, we were just all in shock because we're watching this character that again, we've known for 10 seasons who has never acted like this or in our, what we would even think would act like this ever is suddenly having a crisis and is turning into the boy. And it's just like, what? why yeah (laughs) and there was just nothing even remotely that we could pull from that would explain it and then he just is gone yeah well and so two things so one I think and I've seen a lot of people say something similar and I definitely agree I think there was never well first of all there was never going to be a good way to write off Jay Halstead there just isn't like he's such a part of the fabric of this show that like of course it's going to be weird without him and like especially given the weirdness around Jesse leaving or whatever, there was just never going to be a good way to write Jay Halston out. There just wasn't. Even the most perfect of perfect ways was still going to hurt. It just was. But I've seen a lot of people kind of, or so I've seen some people talk about this on Twitter that like, you know, last season when all the stuff with Haley went down, again, not saying I wanted Jay to leave last season, but like, it would have made more sense then for him to leave because he would have been, you know, going to jail or leaving or resigning or whatever as a way to protect Haley, the one person he loved more than anything, the love of yeah, his life. Love of- and that would have at least made sense that like Jay is standing up and being noble and doing the thing that he thinks is right. And that is protecting his fiance at the time. In the way And I just think like how they did it where he basically was, like you said, in the position that Haley was last season when he like killed the guy and then Haley and Foyt, like obviously Haley was going to back up Jay no matter what. Like she was right. She had his back, but that it just when it just seems like this whole season that he just hasn't like clearly something like we said, something changed that we don't know. And he's like pulled away from her 
And it's like, but why? That's what I do. I mean, the biggest question around this whole thing is why? Why did he change? What made him change? Whatever. Again, no one's saying that if like we all had to agree with why he would have changed, but it would have just been nice to know like, hey, this is the thing that made me change. And my thing too is like, clearly we know we noticed Kim seeing how he was acting different. Obviously, Haley knew he was acting different. The entire unit must have realized that this is not the same person that we were just working with like yeah and he's like why like no one I don't know and no one brought it up like I just like I get that they didn't have that long or like what I don't yeah I just don't I don't know yeah it's just one of those things that like again I really believe that like even with all the prep and all the time and like it had been say Jesse's choice to leave the show and like everyone like even if it had been like the best of best situations and like it still was gonna hurt and it still wasn't was gonna never... it was never gonna be a good exit but I think it we can all agree that it could have been better than this yeah and there are worse exits than this but there are also a lot better ones than this too it's just like the fact that they just changed his entire character in three episodes. Yeah. Like, why was that your thinking? <laughs> yeah. They yeah. could have had him do exactly what he did, but not, but still keep him Jay. Like, he could have said the exact same thing he said to Haley, where I don't, I need a black and white. Like, like, and then yeah. gone, but not. Well, and like I said, that's why I said, like, once I actually really watched this episode today and not, you know, last night. The case itself, like I said, I could have seen Jay in a situation like that, really struggling, you know, with especially the army connection or whatever. Like, I I didn't think the case part leading up to Jay's exit in this episode was bad. And no. like you said, the right or wrong, you know, the good and bad. I've seen other people point out on Twitter to like the kind of parallel between like when Mouse left mm-hmm. and that Mouse kind of left for the same reasons. He was really struggling with like finding his place in PD or whatever. And he, his brain just couldn't wrap around the fact that like in his mind, army was good and everything else was bad. And like, he needed to be back in that kind of mind space. And like Jay kind of originally back then pushed back on that idea, but obviously he now was kind of going for the same thing. Um, But like, so like I said, in that regard, I can kind of see it as like, okay, that part makes sense. Like, I'm not, like, that is not the part that is yeah, out of character. The, issue. the out of character part is the way he treated Haley through all of this. The fact that he changed, and he even admits that he changed, and he, no, we don't know why he changed. No and then the fact point. that he said that he wanted to be Voight, which, like, LOL. <sighs> and not in just, like, a, oh, I want to be Sergeant of Intelligence way. Like, no, he means he wants to be Voight. I, like, I just can't like all I can think about was Haley Upton. Like, yeah, that is just it wrecked me. Mm-hmm. When and I just don't like you said, how does she move on? Like I just how like I don't. Who does she have? Nobody I know she has the unit, but she does she really? Well, supposedly she leans on Voight, and it's just like why Voight is literally the reason your husband just left. She would, and she and Boy after last year are not on like the best of terms. 
And out of every friendship that you could make in the unit, why are you like, oh yeah, I want her to bond with Voight. Yeah. Why is Voight going to be her person now? Yeah. I I can't. It makes no sense. And she's just going to, like, 10.05 is going to kill me because she's going to throw herself into work. Yep. She's going to be spiraling and she's going to go too hard. So much that she probably literally almost gets herself hurt. I mean, obviously, we've seen her on the ground. She hits her head. Like, I mean, she. Like what? Oh my gosh. And she's going to have no one. Like, it's just, I can't. I, yeah. They really. They really fucked her over. I can't. Fire left me like an emotional hot mess this just left me being like what the actual fuck like i just am more yeah. confused now than ever and i'm angry like and said, i like i laughed at the ending i yeah. literally laughed i was like this is not real like this is not happening yeah i was sobbing at the upset scene literally sobbing yeah i will never get her face her face when she said but you just can't leave yeah that will forever be like in my mind oh and then when she's like today like he's like i fly out today and she's like today like i just i can't i can't yeah do you i saw someone say they were it was like a a per debate do you think that upside kiss was unscripted (laughs) i don't unscripted yeah no, I mean, I would assume, why well, I would assume that's scripted. What, do you think it's unscripted? I don't know. I mean, I, I guess I could see it, but, like, I also have a hard time believing that, like, the writers wrote a goodbye scene between two married people and didn't include a, kiss. Like, true. a final kiss. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> it just felt very, like, that, that scene, like, well, it, like, it just felt not like well done acting like it was just good yeah I was gonna say I as much as I think the writing of it was not great I do really believe well first of all Tracy killed it in her little bit of stuff too but I think I do really believe that obviously Jesse when Jesse was tweeting about he's like I left everything like I had on you know in this episode like I do believe that me too like I really he gave it everything he had and because it really he, showed in that in this episode. Yeah. Because he was given the script and I'm sure he was like, what? Yeah. But he did such a good job for what he was given. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. It's just one of those things where like, oh man, one day in like even maybe a couple years from now, I would love to, I want Jesse to just like lay it all out there for like okay. what actually went down. Me too. I don't think it'll ever happen. I mean, not right now, at least, and definitely not right now. I'm sure there's like 20 million NDAs and like we can't talk about, you know. <laughs> For like until the grave, like. Yeah. <laughs> but oh man, the second those NDAs are no longer valid, I just want him to like. Go. Yeah. I know, I know I'm so nosy. I'm like, tell me everything. <laughs> <laughs> what I think too, I think, and I don't know how much it really would help understand or maybe even add some clarity to this but like I think 
you know, a lot of fans just want to know, like, was it his choice or was it not? And I think that's what made the episodes a million times harder was because no one knows the answer to that. Right. So it's like, what? And I don't think it makes the exit itself any better because it doesn't. But I think it would maybe make people less angry with how the how shitty the ending was if they were like well jesse wanted to leave or no this is just the writers shitting on not only jesse but jay and the last 10 years of what he's given to this franchise i yeah it's just it really sucks it really sucks and we knew it was gonna suck yeah it sucked yeah. Knowing for the last two months that it was coming didn't make it suck any less. No. Yeah. It no. No, even how like even having the prep, it was yeah. It really sucked. All right. So you guys had lots to say, like a lot, a lot, <laughs> which I was not surprised about, but uh, like a lot. So Megan M said, I'm still confused about this Halstead Voight dance nonsense that led up to tonight's episode. It's absolutely senseless. Perhaps had there been more time to develop that, it would have made more sense. I don't know. The only thing I can think of is that they are setting up some huge storylines with this new chief because, hello, he might just rival Voight on the skeevy and sketch. He knew why he knew why Jay was there and talked him out of telling the truth. Yeah. Yeah. I could I could I could see that happening, but like. I don't know. I still feel like if Jesse was still around and Jay, or, you know, Jesse didn't get fired, whatever the reason is that he's leaving, like they still could have come up with something. I, I, I don't think that's the only thing is that they're setting up some storylines. Yeah. I don't think so either. I am. Key. Yeah. Um, and then she says, I will say that scene in the warehouse where Jay says it's happening again. Something about that just sucked the breath right out of me. My brain immediately went to his conversation with Voight before he went to meet with North. We all ended up um, paying for you, which is a paraphrase. She said, Jay and Haley just paid big time. I, that warehouse scene. Yeah. Was. Yeah. I. Yeah. Well, the fact that Jay, obviously Jay wasn't there the first time it went down at the end of season eight, but like he was there this time, but it was like he wasn't there because he didn't say a word. No. And like, I think like also listening to Haley and Voight just like prep this story yeah. around whatever. I think hearing, I'm like, probably must be like hearing his wife get wrapped back up into that again. Must have been like, he, obviously he went to go what we were he went yeah. to go tell him like he was like i'm not gonna put her through that again which is like my one i just but even yeah. if it was like was that his thinking or was his thinking just like i can't even live with that yeah <laughs> like i don't know um megan r said as for upstead jay's exit came totally out of left field there were much better ways to write him off, but in regards to the decision he made, for God's sake, talk to your wife about it first. That was very unlike Jay and the thing I was mad about most. Hopefully eight months means something, but I'm not holding my breath. Yeah, I'm not either. The way the flight was hours away. <laughs> yeah. No. So the, bad. Yeah. 
And like, yeah, I'm not holding my breath about eight out eight months either. No, I just, I just thought that was so interesting that they put a time frame. Yeah, yeah. And maybe it does mean something, but I'm definitely not getting my hopes up about it meaning anything. Is eight months? No, I was like eight months would put around the two two hundredth episode. (laughs) Is that crazy? No, but it's basically it'd be like May June. So it'd be like finale. But their 200th is 14th, so there's no... Maybe. Right, no, it wouldn't work for 200th, but, like, if they technically could come up with some solution or whatever, and Jay w- or Jesse wanted to come back, whatever it is, like, theoretically, it could work for next season. It I don't looked- think it is, but, like, theoretically... It could. It yeah. could. Um, Jess B said, honestly, for an episode that was meant to say goodbye to a leading cast member after 10 years, it was incredibly meh. I didn't really care about the case. I didn't really care uh, much about what was happening on screen. I just didn't care. And like parts of it were well done. Like the opening sequence with the tappings of the rings was powerful. And Jesse's performance after stabbing um, stabbing a guy and the upstead scene was so emotional, but I just didn't care. I'm not even mad about the episode so much as I'm mad at these characters get, getting dragged down the same path where working with Voight means they lose their moral compass. They spiral and then they have to leave. How many times do we have to watch this? I don't know. I'm just so over it. Yeah, that's a great point. I I mean, Jess, Jay, I can listen to Jesse. Jay is not the only one. Because no. the same thing, I mean, ultimately, it's what got Al killed. It's ultimately kind of why Aaron left I mean it's not the first time we've seen this happen no and it's always shown as like them looking up to Voight when Voight was the one that tore them down which is crazy yep it's just crazy yeah um, she's also said when we originally heard jail or Jesse was leaving, I was, I said that the most out of character exit they could choose would have him be rejoin the army. And I stand by that statement. I think it's slightly less out of character after the episode, but as far as I can remember, for the most part, Jay has never expressed a desire to rejoin the army. In fact, he was against mouse reenlisting, if I recall correctly, and it just doesn't make sense. And the logic they used to justify it makes even less sense to me. He wants to get away from the unit because of how morally gray it is. Okay, fine. I get that. But does he honestly think everything is going to be black and white in Bolivia? He doesn't (laughs) think tracking down cartels isn't going to involve innocent bystanders, good people who are caught up in bad situations, and people who don't want to be there but feel like they have no choice. Does he actually think that? It makes no sense to me. (laughs) Um, She also said, also, JLS Jesse spent 10 years working with the rest of the cast unit and you're telling me they couldn't find a way to give them an on-screen goodbye I know we joke about the unit not actually being friends but this borders on ridiculous Jay literally had a five second conversation with Kim and didn't interact with Kevin or Adam at all yeah yeah that definitely I think I didn't expect it from PD because it's it's PD. PD but like if you had honestly done this on any other show, it would have been, like, outrageous. Yeah. And it's, like, and then I was trying to think, like, what scene could have they done? Could they have done that may- would have made any kind of sense or, like, would have felt not forced because of how PD has written their show. Yep. Just the way we think that it's ridiculous is insane. Like, I was, like, oh, if all of them dropped off Jay at the airport, I would have been, like, what the heck? <laughs> yeah. But in normal life, that probably would have been what would happen. Exactly. They just don't know how to write the friendships and the characters. I just, yeah. Yeah. 
Um, she said, I also don't know where this leaves upset either. Like they're obviously very much together at the end of that, but as long as Jesse's off the show and Tracy's still on, it just feels like a bit like Dossie and Bretzy all over again. And I want to believe they could find a way to stay together. And who knows, maybe Jesse will come back. They were very specific about Jay only being on for eight months and Jesse still seems pretty involved on the show. But if he doesn't, I'm sad to say I don't see upset staying together forever. Like with Bretzy and Dossie, I don't see them being okay with one of their leads being in an off-screen relationship forever. I hope I'm wrong. That's why I said I worry about the future of, like, Stellaride and Versic. Yeah. I really do. And I I hate that I have these trust issues, but I do. I agree. I, yeah. Yeah. I just want to hope. I just, I'm going to, I'm just going to, I'm just going to think that they're going to stay. I think they're going to be fine. I'm just going to say that. I think Upstead will. I I hope I'm wrong. Yeah. Um, Heather B said, overall, I didn't hate how it ended, surprisingly. I feel like we actually saw a li- coming this coming a little bit at the end of last season. But my biggest problem was that there was no catalyst for Jay to go from having Voight tendencies last season to full Voight this season. Why now? What set him off? Why this quickly? And why did Jay start ignoring Haley when he started acting voidy? Was he afraid she would stop him like she did with Anna? That did not, not make him realize he needed help? So many open questions. Yep. She said, I do feel like there was some continui- con- continuity between the midseason and to now of Jay taking on those void qualities. He has always been against because it made sense to keep Haley out of trouble and he would do anything for her. He had never let him get himself get his, let himself get a taste of that style before. Maybe because he knew it would lead him down a dark path, and once he skirted his morals for Haley, it was just a slippery slope. I did like that he could not handle doing the same thing he did to hate for Haley for himself, and he did do it in a very J way at the end. He could have told the chief that Lenny was in on the robberies, and I'm even if I'm sure he already knew. But Jay has never been one to sacrifice a victim's family. Yeah. Um, And then she keeps going. She said, Jesse and Tracy were absolutely amazing in the scenes during the warehouse, his goodbye. And I can't speak enough for how beautiful and heartbreaking those scenes were. I think she will be very off balance going forward. And I hate that she was blindsided by him leaving. But it also probably made sense for Jay in the moment when you could tell he was in his own head and he didn't want to be or couldn't be talked out of needing a break from the unit. His He just had his I can't do this anymore that we'd all saw coming. And that was that. Also, for a few moments during the episode, that felt like he did resent her a tiny bit for having to cover up the Roy investigation. You know, at Med, when he says, like, one bad act doesn't make you a bad person, he follows it up by saying, you know that, to Haley. I feel like he might blame her a bit for what he's had to do, and he feels like he couldn't stop himself anymore, which we have seen when he pursued the arsonist responsible for his dad's death. I still can't get over that scene. I mean, I That line was crazy. <laughs> because, again, that guilt, it felt like it kind of came out of nowhere. It's like after everything, like their whole, they literally were like, they got married at the end of that Roy thing. They were like, we are a unit. We are a team. We are forever to resenting her. Like what? Yeah. What the actual, I just, I just am flabbergasted. (laughs) Yeah. Um, she also said, I know there will be hate for her not seeing him off at the airport, but having been there in a way, it's easier to make that goodbye in private and just have, drop them off and leave. Plus, narrative-wise, it made more sense to put Void at the end so that his reasoning could be clearly laid out for us before he left. I Honestly, I do kind of, I disagree. Like we said, I actually think 
it maybe would have been maybe just this is a shipper in me talking. I would rather them see end with upset and not Voight. Well, and the fact that the Voight scene was Dre going, I do want to be you. Like, girl, what? Yeah. That was crazy. How many Since times did I think crazy this episode? <laughs> Let's yeah. like, what? Yeah. Um, and then the last thing she says, she says, Jay says it's black and white and that he needs that. Well, he fought against Mouse going back in and Aaron said that wasn't what's was best for him. We have to remember that it wasn't what was best at the time. Haley made him confront a lot of issues and address his PTSD. He isn't the same man who fought with Mouse when he left. He has his own noise to deal with. And I like that they made enough of a callback to Mouse's exit for to have a similar tone. And we didn't really want to see Jay and Haley fight for three episodes the way Jay and Mouse did. So I get why they had him tell her the way he did. I think, I mean, I, I don't know. I just, I think you can, if you really want to sit here and think about all of this hard, like, I think we could probably figure out some reason to justify all of it. But yeah. I think at the end of the day, my first reaction is just, is isn't Jay. No. And like I can None yeah, I could sit here and justify every single thing that he did and said and why he did it and whatever. I could come up with really, with a reason for all of it. But I just it it's doesn't feel like the J that we've been building up to and that's been growing over the past 10 years. It just doesn't. To me personally at least. Yeah. There it no. It wasn't. Yeah. And even just by the way even ignoring all the stuff with him and Voight and how he was acting in cases and how he was like, it's just even how he was talking to Haley. Yeah. Like that's the most shocking of it all or not talking to her. Like that was just, that could not like, that was not Jay. Yeah. Um, Annie said, Jay Halstead would never in a million fucking years squared leave his wife. Never. The thought of her hurting for any reason has always been so foreign to him that these last three episodes make no sense. Like, please be for real. Killing for off real? The, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Killing off the character would have been more honest. I don't agree with that. But I, 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 as much as this sucked, I'm glad they didn't kill him off. I think, yeah, I was kind of, after episode one and episode two, I was at the point where I was like, he's so out of character right now that I, like, I was just. In your feelings? Yeah. I was like, at this point, like, I don't want to see him be like this. Yeah. I'm glad that there, it's still open for him to come back. And obviously I don't want to have Haley deal with him dying and like having to deal with all that. Like, I couldn't. I can't. Yeah. But at this, I was like, they murdered his character so badly. Yep. I just wanted, I could not. Um, She said, to date, I don't remember feeling this in the dark and deceived by one Chicago and Wolf, but there's just an ominous vibe surrounding the universe. I remember Al leaving Antonio and I was like, okay, I get it. It was devastating to watch, but there was a rhyme and reason. Jay and Jesse feels personal somehow. I don't know if I'll ever get over it. Not anytime soon anyways. Um, she said, I'll say this on Twitter and I'll say it again. Haley's character development is also undone by the way the writers wrote Jay out. Last season, it was literally from this day forward, I choose to join my life with yours. And now this bullshit excuse of goodbye is supposed to appease the loyal fans who've made it, who've made this show what it is or what it was because I don't recognize the show. Um, she says, I only continued watching PD for Tracy 
you know, when Tracy joined, Haley has definitely become a comfort character for me. So I definitely want to check in and see how she's doing. But I also don't want to watch this another second of the show. Haley deserves better. Tracy deserves better too. I'm just going to watch her spiral. Yeah. Um, she said Jay was her partner, her lo- best friend, her lover, her husband, her everything. The writers literally did not write any other relationship for Haley apart from the toxic father figure thing with Voight. Now she's emotionally all alone. Yes, the unit is a family and they'll be there for her. But how do they even write that and make it believable? Apart from Haley and Adam's relationship, which we go, you know, which we got to see the other relationships mostly happen off screen. So who does she turn to? Like, does she go dark like Kim? Who is Haley now? I think that's going to be a really interesting question, especially because. Haley, as far as we know it, technically, like nothing about her has changed. She's legally still married. She's still, you know, probably faithfully still married too, obviously. But like so much of her actual situation has changed, even though the core tenets of it haven't technically changed. Yeah. So I think that is interesting. Um, And then she also ended by saying, I'm really excited about Torres earning his stripes, but they took that away from us too because they introduced Torres as Jay's mentee. Yeah. Um, Jess H said, how could he not say bye to these unit? I'm so upset he's gone, but more upset that within the whole episode, we barely got any real upset moments. The only positive is that it's open for him to come back, which I think the power of this fandom can do, but that just didn't feel like his actual last episode. I don't, I, I'm never going to say never. I let's put it this way. I don't think he's coming back anytime soon. I agree. Um, but do you feel like this felt like his last episode? Because I've heard a bunch of people say that they're not sure that, you know, they felt like this didn't feel like that. I I was set by how they were. I was like, okay, well, if they're making it episode three, like clearly whatever's happening, like he's not coming back. But when they gave that eight months, I don't, it was the eight months was either I don't know. I, I feel like know. it felt final in that we saw Jay leave. Like I have, like he left. He, I mean, we saw him walk into the airport or whatever. Like yeah, he's, he's gone. gone. It felt like a last episode in that regards. But I think as we've kind of been saying, just the way this was built up was so lackluster that I can understand. I guess it felt more out of nowhere. If you didn't already know that Jesse wasn't leaving, it would have felt more out of nowhere than it like, it still felt like a last episode, yeah. but it felt more out of nowhere than I would say it didn't feel like a last episode. I will say that out of all the characters that I've seen leave and then have come back, I'm usually just like, like, I don't know, like, I'm just kind of like, okay, like, it's an episode, like, they're back, like, but I feel like if Jay did come back the way that they wrote him out, I'd be like, oh, thank goodness he's back, like, okay, good, yeah. like, I would be very, like, I would be super excited and I just think that like he could easily come back and everything would be okay like it would yeah. could easily just seamlessly come like join back in the yeah. show and I wouldn't have to like bat an eye yeah um Jennifer H said is this really how this is gonna end for PD do we get to pretend phone calls a soldier at the door further down the season that he's been um killed in action she can't stay married long distance forever he specifically said eight months maybe more so we just have to hope he comes back next season and just really needed some time off just not sure how we went from i'm never leaving you to i'm ho- having on a plane today yeah like why was that 
he like literally got the job offer accepted and he was like i need to leave chicago right now i need to today today in an hour to bolivia like bro what yeah um sorry no go (laughs) ahead i was like i wonder if next episode because he did leave with hours like obviously he told Haley, and then it was just hours so clearly maybe they didn't even tell the unit that he was leaving i wonder if they're gonna have a scene next episode where they find where they all find out Ooh, that's gonna hurt yeah because it may be like it just seemed like voight got a phone call and he showed up at the airport yeah like caught him so i'm like i wonder if we're gonna get a scene where the whole team finds out and they're gonna react and they're gonna but i could also because it's pd i could also see them just never talking about it again yeah like glossing over they're like oh it's taurus episode next week like we're in full taurus mode yeah um megan g said i think the house at exit wasn't well done i can't believe it was out there in the press that it was authentic the only authentic thing about the halstead exit is it's tracking with the overall theme of pd that if you get close to void you eventually die or are forced to leave i just don't think this exit landed at all i don't know if i built up too much or what because i wasn't connecting with it yeah yeah it, it's an interesting you know there was a little bit of press that came out before that gwen was saying that like she felt that this exit was very authentic to the character of jay Now that I've seen it, I think I can see what she was aiming. I was, did Gwen write this episode? I think so. I meant to look it up and I didn't. Let me look. Whoever wrote it, I can see what they were going for in trying to create an authentic version of Jay leaving with all the whole more, you know, getting back to his roots of wanting to go back to black and white and, you know, all that stuff. But I don't think that landed. And I think it came off way more unauthentic inauthentic than it did authentic i agree um teresa said jay's exit was obviously rushed i know we'll never know the answer behind the scenes stuff but i'd like some clarity did contract negotiations fall through budget cuts if he was in more episodes this season i feel like they could have done a lot better they never gave us the answer to why jay was acting so differently and that's why i made it up in my head that he was protecting Haley. I think it's not a crazy theory to think that he was protecting Haley, but like I said, I think if they really had wanted to show that, they would have just exited him last season or with a storyline from last season. Yep. Because then he would have really been protecting Haley. Because it's hard, like because of how out of character he was acting and how everything and he was saying, I need to confess, and then how he was like, I need everything like black and white. Like it just made it seem like instead of being like, oh, I don't want my wife to go through that again. It was more like a, I can't live with that. And so it was just, again, like not. Yeah. yeah. Um, Jessica S said Jay's um, exit in a word brushed. The whole episode was disjointed in my opinion. And I think the Berzik episode last week could have and should have been held till next week to properly build Jay leaving. Yeah. I just, it's like on the one hand, I'm still kind of mad, like we've said, or, or like I said earlier, that like they've pushed Torres's inter- real introduction so far back to like exit Jay. But like at the same time, I think they probably should have spent more time on exiting Jay so that it made some more sense. Okay. It says that it was written by Scott Gold, but I don't know if that's. Hmm. Anyway, either way, I think, like I said, I think 
I could see what he was aiming for that like trying to make it an authentic version but like when you don't give us more context to like why this is happening the way it's happening then like it's hard for it to feel authentic yeah exactly um Devin A said, I bawled at Jay's talk with Haley. It just made that much more final. It was touching to learn that they are the love of each other's lives. I hope that the end of his eight-month deployment, which conveniently could be the end of the season, we don't get a scene with Haley getting a phone call that Jay died or that two, you know, officers are at her door letting her know. Just leave the door open for him to come back for a guest spot, please. Um, also, salt in the wound, but when does Will find out that his brother left? Just a casual line to in casual line next time to Haley at med or, you know, what major props to Tracy and Jesse for acting in this episode. It can't be easy to bring up those kind of motions. That's a great point. We haven't even brought up when does Will learn? Will. Well, does then Andy and Diane, I think say in interviews that like, it's supposedly supposed to affect Will a little bit too. Yeah. I'll believe now that Will's when all I see alone. it. I'll believe that when I see also, it. Also I'm like, Will's all alone. I'm like, his sister, I know, I know. But I'm like, Haley's there. Like, they could die. He technically has a sister-in-law still. Yeah. I mean, but not that we've ever that. seen them acknowledge it, but like. It's fine. They're it's there. Fine. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. Um. All right. So last few of these. Catherine said, as for PD, I'm more sad than pissed. I get now why they had to write Jay out so out of character for the past two episodes. But why the fuck did they have to send him so far away? Literally, it is closer to me to go see Jay in Bolivia. I live in Chile than to Chicago. Why did they send him to California or where somewhere where Upset could have a weekend together once in a while? <laughs> but Bolivia, they can't freaking do that. But I guess that was the goal, right? Anyway, the last scene, Upstead scene crushed me. Literally, I don't know why I keep crying. Hawkins, Hakami, or Jay Upstead, the way Haley said, but you just can't leave. The tears in each other's eyes, that you're the love of my life. Ugh, just ugly crying all over again. And she said, side note, but I would have loved Jesse's last scene if either were Tracy or alone, but not with Void. He's the reason he had to leave. He's the one to blame. He and his shadiness are the reason our good man Jay is gone and I can't stand his face. Yeah. I I agree. Like I said, I think that would have been in my mind her, you know, the upset scene would have been the last, last. scene. But I didn't um, even need to see him go to the airport. Like I didn't yeah. even. No, like, it could have been the same it. scene just switched exactly and like had the void scene take place differently like Like in his office yeah yeah agree yep there um holly said all the ugly crying at the end the upset scene was perfection i'm not a fan of jay's exit though it just seems so unsatisfying the jay that we know would have had at least a conversation with Haley about his decision i understand his reasoning of needing black and white to find his way back to himself but maybe it could have made more sense if it wasn't crammed into a three episode arc if it had gone until mid-season at least it would have given more time for development and perhaps we could have understand why he was so suddenly becoming void this just felt like we did a 180 from the jay we've known for seasons and it was a rush to wrap it all up the final scene with Jay and Voight, where was Haley? You mean to tell me she wouldn't have taken him to the airport? I also would have liked a moment of the team telling him goodbye. Yeah. And now I'm scared it's happening next episode and I don't want it. I'm scared. 
Um, and so last comment. So Jennifer said not to be this person and put anything out in the universe, but how they wrote off Jay doing a complete 180 on his character makes me nervous for other longstanding characters when it's their time to go, whether it's their decision or not. We got lucky with Jay and he's still alive, but it was the lead up to the exit that was the most frustrating part. And it makes me nervous for future exits. The way these characters left didn't feel like third episodes or even seventh episodes. They felt like they should have been mid-season finales or something. And she says, while it could have been better, what irks me about the exit storyline is they could have put in a line or two or even a scene somewhere in the first two episodes to depict why Jay wasn't okay. And they didn't. To me, it feels like a huge slap in the face to everyone. Like if he was trying to cover it up, make it seem like he was fine when he was actually unraveling. Fine. I can deal with that. Maybe even tell us he was following in Voight's footsteps or something. My frustration is we went three episodes with this out of character Jay and found out in the last minute or so that it was because Jay was becoming Voight. And even that just didn't feel right. I think everyone kind of at least is on the same page that like, it's very rushed. It's very much, this could have been a lot better if it had gotten fleshed out more, if the circumstances were different. Um, it's a disservice to his character yeah but like the way it stands right now is just it's a slap in the face to the jay halstead we've known we're in love for years jesse who portrayed him so faithfully for the last 10 years and to upstead and i think it's just very much now like what the fuck is Haley going to go through in these next few episodes i'm not ready i'm I, literally not ready because yeah. What it looks like now is that we, well, we, obviously we keep talking about five is her centric and then it's a Kevin and then it looks like another Haley at seven. Jesus. And the fact so that they they never, at least in the last few years, they've never done episodes for the same character that close together. So you know that. Shit's, shit's going, going down. down. <laughs> yep. Yep. Not ready for it. No, I am not either. Oh, man. I can't believe I actually made it through this whole thing without crying. I know. I really thought I would have sobbed by now. I'm just kind of numb at this point. That sounds so dramatic. I'm like, I'm just numb. But like, I literally. No, but I am. Yeah. Like, I just like, I. It's like, I feel like I'm going through the stages of grief. It's like anger, you know, and I'm not sure I'll ever hit acceptance, but like. You know, you're going through this. I'm literally yeah. grieving both this character, Hawkins character, and yep. Jay. And it's just like, Jesus. And it was like with Hawkins, I think it makes me even feel better to be like, I feel like I'm allowed to be super angry about like the reasoning behind. And with Jay, I'm just like, I don't understand. Like, yeah. I mean, I don't understand either, but it just, it feels it's different. They are different. It's different. And it's just like with Jay, I'm just like, I don't even, I don't even know where to even begin because it's just so not him. Well, we haven't even mentioned, but like the fact that these both happened on the same night, is just like (laughs) really cruel. Really? Really. I don't know who's scheduling. I I, I don't know what, I don't know how this happened, but like, it's really fucking crazy. It's really fucking cool. That was an insane three hours. Yeah. Like yeah, but we we survived our recap at least. At least the recap we survived. Um, but as we mentioned earlier, you guys, we have our conversation with Brennan Brown. Um, Brennan was so nice to come hang out with us for about 30, 35 minutes. Um, and yes, we're gonna play that for you guys now. Uh Brennan, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. We wanted to do this for forever, so we're so glad you're finally here. 
Yes. I'm so glad to be here. Thank you for having me. Yeah, of course, of course. So let's just jump right in. We all know you from Chicago Med, obviously, but we want to know, <laughs> take, take us back. How did you get involved in acting originally? Well, it's a long story and I love talking about myself. I was, uh, no, I um, I was a kid actor uh, growing up, um, always into theater, you know, from grade school on, uh, did community theater throughout high school as well as high school plays, uh, went to college, did plays there, majored in philosophy, but knew I wanted to be an actor, went to Yale University, uh, because I, you know, I'd heard that the Yale School of Drama was the the big drama school to go to. So I went to Yale College and found out there isn't any connection between the undergrad department and the graduate school. But so I was at Yale anyway and was a philosophy major and did all the plays and then ended up working at the drama school a little bit as an undergrad. Graduated college, came down to New York, kicked around anonymously for a few years, uh, auditioned for the drama school at Yale, got into the Yale School of Drama, went there for three years for that program, graduated in 2000, and then uh, started working right away, mainly in commercials and voiceovers, and had that, that was a lucky thing that I was able to do to... Uh, support myself and my family and we were able to start you know we my wife and I were able to start a family and could afford to do that as actors based on that income and then started working as I grew into my type as uh in my 30s um that's when I started working in tv and film and so I did all the New York shows started off on Dick Wolf shows in New York the law and orders I did the law and order criminal intent SBU mothership um and a uh, bunch of stuff, just kind of little TV and film stuff. And then that just started eking out a career as a character actor, did uh, John Adams, the miniseries, uh, the HBO miniseries, and then uh, got recurring roles on uh, person of interest, things like that. Did the movie, I love you, Philip Morris. Uh, and then did the movie Focus with the same directors and continued on. And then, and so I had a, I managed to make a living as an actor in TV and film since graduating from grad school. And I've been really lucky to be able to do that. Great. That's awesome. You all, you talked about how much you've obviously always loved acting. Did you ever consider doing anything else or was it always just like acting or I don't know what I'd do after that? I was always, I was always going to be an actor. There was really nothing I was ever any good at at all, even acting, frankly, but I just bluffed my way through. And um, no, I, I never wanted to do anything else. I was actually pretty lucky that I, you know, knew what I wanted to do from a very young age and was fortunate enough to be able to do it. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, I, it's, it's becoming, I think it's difficult now for actors with the kind of by the fragmentation of the media landscape has made on the one hand, it's, there are more opportunities, but on the other hand, it's sometimes tougher to break in. I think acting in general is all, you know, show business is just, it's, it's a, difficult um career path regardless of when you choose to do it um and so i've just been lucky to be able to and fortunate yeah and little, oh and in the meantime i did a lot of plays in, in new york as well i kind of didn't even mention that i classically classically trained and 
it's been a long time since I've done a play just because um, luckily enough, I've been busy with TV and film stuff uh, that I, I, I couldn't even really take the time off to do that. Um, yeah. And then the last show I did, I, when I booked Chicago Met, I was actually just beginning a show called uh, Man in the High Castle. It was on Amazon for four seasons, I think, four. I think and, so. Um, uh, so I was a regular on that and, and that actually happened concurrently with, I just read for the part in Mad the first season. I don't think they'd shot the first episode yet, or they were just in the midst of it. I think I came in on the second episode of Mad, if memory serves, either second or third. And, um, that was at the same time as I was doing the man in the high castle. So it was already a regular on that. And they just made time for me to go do Chicago Med whenever the schedules lined up and both of the teams were very, um, uh, you know, accommodating to let that happen. Yeah. So was Abrams always meant to be recurring or was he supposed to be a one-time guest? What do you remember about the audition process? It was, it was always with a possible recur. I think they, they brought it up with a, it was definitely a recurring role. They knew that they wanted to bring him back in and then it was set up as there was going to be, more episodes it wasn't just a one-off thing which is what we were able to you know we negotiated the deal based on that that it was a a multiple multiple episode thing and then it just kept going from there and there That's wasn't awesome. much from the from the original description i mean the character was <clears throat> described as i think gruff that was the main way that they described abrams so then then we just sort of didn't really have that much to go on. And then I got on set with Michael Waxman, that first Michael Waxman directed the first episode that I did. Excuse me. <clears throat> Excuse me. Just drank a protein shake. And like the powder from the protein shake is making me cough. So I'm sure your podcast uh, audience will be thrilled to know. <laughs> um, but uh, Michael Waxman directed that episode and uh, we discussed he was so great with um, kind of talking me through what he was thinking about what we just sort of came up with it on the set, uh, you know, a little, it was the, let me see if I can, let me see if I can, hopefully you'll edit out all my mumbling. What I'm trying to say is the first episode I did with Michael Waxman, we talked about this guy who's just described as gruff and I had an idea about why he was the way he was. And so did he, and it absolutely lined up perfectly. And he was so great to work with that first episode and, um, and, and throughout his tenure on the show. So uh, I kind of, it felt like a really easy fit as a character simply because my dad was a surgeon and I knew, um, <clears throat> based on his life and what he dealt with uh and just from listening to him i kind of based the character on him that's awesome i know you were just talking about obviously you had an idea of why you thought abrams was as gruff as he was and i know we don't get to spend a ton of time with abrams so you have your own back like secret backstory for abrams in your head to help you get into that character yeah i do yeah absolutely although sometimes it depends if the writing um 
throws me a curve. Like, I don't always know what the writers are thinking. Right. And, you know, the, the development will come like, oh, you have a young wife. You just got divorced or whatever. And, <laughs> you know, or, or a younger woman is your wife. And um, so that was like, oh, OK, that's that's happening now. Um, and, <laughs> that, and that's standard for, you know, long running shows. Is right. People, you know, you retroactively fit your character to make that work. So the things that the things that I had in mind were hard and fast, like this is who this character is. I just knew that uh, the basic backstory and, and and why he is the way he is um, was very clear to me. You know what I mean? I think just instinctively I had a, um, a relationship to that from having watched my dad go through, uh, you know, years of being a heart he was a heart surgeon and so i watched him go through that in the 70s and 80s and seeing what kind of an effect that had on uh someone because when he was operating it was really the the frontier days of uh heart surgery where you know quadruple bypasses were just you know they take nowadays it's much more it's still traumatic and 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 you know, a huge deal physically, but back then it was even more primitive. And so that, you know, it was a, a more violent and, and risky procedure even than it is now. Mm-hmm. So um, having had that experience as a kid, I sort of, I had a take on the character right away. And luckily it just gelled with what, again, what Michael was thinking that first episode that we worked on it. And the writers have continued to write great stuff based on sort of that first episode and what they had in mind and the character just sort of gelled that way to where they started really you know kind of I felt like it was sort of a symbiotic relationship between myself and the and the writer's room they'd come up with these things where I was like oh my god that's so perfect and then I talked to the writer and be like we thought you would be able to do that I'm like yeah great so it's and the writers are so good that they're able to they've really given me so much to work with about who this guy is it's been fun it's been fun over the years to work on are there any tidbits of his backstory that you can share or is that an actor's secret um yeah no (laughs) not at all it's not i don't mean to be overly precious about it um no we find this stuff fascinating do you yeah yeah yeah. we're nerds no i i don't often talk about interesting i don't often talk about my own private life like the fact that my dad was a doctor isn't something i would normally bring up but it is pretty key to this character for me and so for me it isn't so much like well he went to i I knew all the basics of what he would have done in his life training wise right um, which is extensive and um and i was lucky enough to watch my dad perform surgery once which was an extremely formative experience for me to watch him do that um and see how violent and crazy that whole environment was back then um so I had enough experience around doctors, around hospitals, you know, just hearing the lingo in the air as I grew up um, and seeing the cost, the toll that it takes on someone. So for me, the the tidbits, it's not so much like, well, you know, he has a blue car and it's more like <laughs> I know why emotionally um, why he is gruff or, you know, um, monosyllabic or egomaniacal or brusque or you know completely unilateral and yeah his decisions is because it's to protect himself emotionally um because of the the uh 
you know, PTSD that I think all surgeons have. My dad said something interesting to me that any, any surgeon who deals with um, high mortality uh, cases, be it in a trauma center or, you know, an emergency room or a doctor who's dealing with, you know, cardiac or neurosurgeons or whatever. If you have patients die on the table, that's a trauma that um, really takes a toll. And I was able to see that kind of firsthand growing up. So my tidbits are more like, I know why I am the way I am in any given scene. Um, it's because I care very deeply about the patients, but I, and I, but I can't let that in so much. I have to protect myself so I can do my job. And the way that I protect myself is to be super competent, super confident, um, and just by sheer force of will, push myself through the emotional difficulty of the, the environment. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's yeah, fascinating. No, definitely. Yeah, now Abrams makes a ton more sense to us. We're just like, yeah. oh, we didn't ever even thought about it like that. I've never thought about Abrams oh, like really? that, but that's, yeah. Interesting. Yeah, we try not to, um, I try not to tip my hand too much about that uh, performance-wise. And it's actually funny, Michael Waxman, again, who was the director that I think probably I worked the most, I've you know worked with so many directors on Met that have been so great. Yeah. He's the one who kind of brought me in first. And obviously, you know, um, all of the writers are, vital to this uh, as well and, and and all the directors that we've worked with have been so fantastic so everybody's helpful but in terms of kind of the way i want to land the carrot i don't want to spell it out i don't want to be too you know there have been times where there's an emotional moment happening somewhere in the you know in the or or in the recovery room or whatever and there's been, it's been tempting to kind of be like this, show the softer side of Sears is the joke is to be like, oh, that's why Abrams is that way. And I don't want to get ever to get sentimental or maudlin about the way we, the way I play him. I want it to be very kind of true to who he is. And I think that makes it also funnier, you know, if, if when he does, when he is brusque, if, if you're too, if you as an audience know too much about, oh, he's that way because he's really a softy inside and, you know, he's trying to protect himself. It, it lessens the impact of some of the humor and the, and the drama. I think if I spell it out too much, you know, as an actor, I, it's very much about just trying to be as organically true to this guy as I can, which means not playing the more sympathetic moments, you know what I mean? Which, again because the writing's so good for the character makes it funnier when he has these little one-liners or whatever it's like you know i'm not i'm not winking at the audience in any way which can help the humor come through as well as the pathos yeah no that's that like so we had never thought about abrams like that so it's really interesting to hear that that's how you play it in your head that's that's really that's really oh, cool okay cool yeah, yeah. yeah. That's funny. Um, so we had a bunch of questions from our listeners on Twitter for you. And one of our listeners wanted to know what or have you learned anything about neuroscience because of your character and like what specifically if you like have any fun, I guess, facts about neuroscience or whatever to share. Oh, man. No. Yeah, I've, I've <clears throat> certainly learned much more than I knew previously about neurosurgery um and again on on set we're lucky we've got great advisors who are, are themselves neurosurgeons who will i'm sitting there with a neurosurgeon playing my assistant in the scene and he'll talk me through it 
the first episode when I came in, I remember those first few episodes I had to uh, drill into a patient's head with this little, you know, thing. <laughs> One of those medical things. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's so funny too. The first episode when I came in, I think it was like the first or second episode. I thought it was going to be like, you know, an episode of MASH where you only show like, you know, from the chest down so you don't see the hands and oh well da, da, da. and they're like no no you're using real scalpels you'll be slicing into this fascia and i was yeah. like hold on now what now so <laughs> show my hands doing this on the screen behind me as i'm doing this um so i learned a lot about the just the fact that like sometimes it's yeah you drill into a skull with something that looks like an egg beater it's crazy. yeah i mean it just the yeah yeah it was what I learned too. Watching my dad perform surgery was that, you know, it's it's just as violent and crazy and brutal as you would as you can imagine. It's yeah. Like, no, no, I'm really gonna open up your skull right now, and you know, um, the shock of of that for people who aren't, you know, we have an idea of surgery as being this very calm and you know okay i'm going to make the incision now and now it's, oh, go quick drill give me the egg beater thing i'm going to drill into their skull yeah but in terms of uh the advances that have been happening in neurosurgery over the past couple of decades have been really interesting as the science has gotten better and as the imaging has gotten better for a lot of the the mri brain stuff that they're able to do the brain stuff that's a medical <laughs> Uh, the neurological imaging that they're able to do now is so much more advanced than it was back when I was first hearing about surgeries that it's been sort of, it's been interesting to see like, oh, okay, it's not quite, it used to be such an, a frontier of like, we don't really know what we're doing with neurosurgery. And now there's much more of a feeling of like, yeah, we do. We've got a pretty good idea. There's still unknown variables with the way a specific brain will react to trauma and they're still they're still learning so much more about the way our brains operate but in terms of performing surgery there's more known about it. i've been interested like oh these developments are you know significant it's the same with all branches of surgery now that the the miniaturization of all the tools yeah been, you know and the way to actually get imaging before going in and the way to minimize the trauma with surgery is so much more advanced now than it was 20, 30 years ago. That's really yeah. cool. Yeah. More stuff we don't know from just watching the show. So <laughs> yeah, that's really cool. That's cool. So yeah, it is cool. I mean, it's cool too, because my character is so surgery based, you know what I mean? Yeah. See, we, we, we only see Abrams in the context of a case generally, although there are, again, there are times where, they'll have me and Oliver after work and wear our civilian clothes and where you see some of their relationship or my wife comes in, they think I'm dead in a plane crash. And my wife is, you know, we see certain things are little glimpses, but by and large, 90% of what I do on the show is very surgery based. So I've got to be very yeah. about like, what am I doing in this moment? Do I, you know, and if, and if I believe I know what I'm doing, then the audience is going to believe that I know what I'm doing, but I have to believe it. Yeah. Yeah. So we talked on the pod last week about how, if most people talk to people the way Abrams talks to people, we're going to sit there and be like, wow, what a jerk. That person's awful. Yeah. And yet when Abrams says it, it's hilarious. Right. So we kind of touched on it a little bit like a couple minutes ago, but why do you think that is? I don't know. You know what? I don't, tr that's interesting. Again, it, it has to do with not winking at the audience. Mm -hmm. um, 
And it's been an interesting thing that I noticed with other long running shows that I've done where the audience builds a relationship to a character. I, I can't um, examine that too much intellectually because then it just messes it up. If I think too hard about like, you know, why does the audience find me funny or why I know my job is to be funny in these, in, in the scene. You know what I mean? If, if the scene is written in that way, I can right. scene and be like, okay, well, this is clearly a moment where it needs to be funny. And again, it's a case of the writers knowing a situation, you know, that would be funny to see Abrams in, but it's sort of just a vibe. It's sort of a feeling that I put myself into of like, if I'm in a group scene sitting around a table I'm going to be doing, you know, just it's something physically that manifests itself in the way I'm behaving. And um, I try not to try to be funny. And I, that's the only way that this character can be funny is if I'm not trying to be funny. Um, if I'm actually just maintaining, again, it's that's it's it's what you were asking about in terms of the backstory. It's like, I know why I'm behaving the way I'm behaving and I know what my objective is in the scene with my other scene partners I'm trying to make them feel x you know what I mean I'm trying to make them feel stupid because they almost killed a patient or I'm trying to make them feel good because they're helping you know what I mean whatever right. if I know what those internally what those uh if, if I know internally what the scene means to me and I play that truthfully as abrams it's going to be funny if it's supposed to be funny but i can't intellectualize it too much because then you, i just become in a situation where i'm watching myself as a performer and it just it becomes a train wreck as an actor does that make sense yeah 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 absolutely sometimes when you talk about acting you hear people talk i hear other actors talk about acting and it's just like oh my god what <laughs> blah 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 you know no, so we're nerds for all of that stuff. So well, yeah. yeah, I appreciate it, and it's nice to have people who care about it and seem to have a genuine interest in it. But it's also something that I'm wary of talking about, just because there's a lot of it out there in the ether right now. Um, along the lines of Abrams' one-liners, do you have like a favorite comeback or one-liner of his that stands out to you? <laughs> um, no, the one that was the other, yeah. The one against Kai the other day was pretty funny. The other episode. That was an amazing that scene. Yeah, we love like, that scene. Yeah. But, you know, again, the writers do, it's like there's so much, there's always a little pithy one liner. Probably the ones that I appreciate are the ones that aren't, aren't necessarily um, showstopper moments, but they're sort of like just pa passing. And I'll try to throw them away as much as possible and maybe say, that yeah, I'm walking out of frame, which is something that you see you learn a lot from watching some of the old actors. Like I learned a lot from watching Peter Laurie, who's an actor in the thirties and forties. Um, I think he was Austrian originally. Maybe someone will correct me on that, but um, he would do these things where he'd say a line and he'd be just exiting frame as he, and it made it so much funnier. So um, there's sometimes I'll try to do something like that or just kind of throw it away easily. Um, and uh, there's nothing that comes to mind. The most recent one is that Kai line, I guess. Um, you're a you're a resident. What did I say? You're a resident. You're an intern. Why are you speaking or something like that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but no, there isn't anything. It's mainly just that's the one I can remember. Many <laughs> of them. There have been many of them. Fair, fair, fair. Somebody needed to say it, so why not Abrams, right? Yeah. yeah. 
<laughs> right. Just I'm gonna tell yeah, he's gonna say the truth. He's just gonna cut through the bullshit. He's like enough of this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So another one of our listeners asked, are any of those quips, are they any of them ever ad libbed or are they also scripted? Uh that's a good question. Um all, virtually none of them. Um, I'm really comfortable with improv. I did, you know, I did a summer show which was all improv called The Herald, based on something started in Chicago, actually which is sort of the seat of improv. I improved a lot in all the on-camera commercials that I did. Um, so I'm really comfortable with improv and really enjoy it. And there's almost none of it in this character with this character. Hmm. I think there might've been one time when I said one thing that wasn't, or, man, I don't even know. But basically, no, the writers, first of all, it's a very tight uh, set in terms of, the script you know we have very limited time to you know for the actual scene in the episode has very limited time it's not like that there's not a lot of latitude with how long the scene can be everything is happening uh quickly and they the uh writer's room is mapped out each episode so carefully in terms of just the amount of time they have they've got so many storylines to bounce back and forth to that it's not like there's that much breathing room and you know frequently the coverage on the scene will be such as that we do not have all day to you know fart around and and come up with fun things so the script is great there's no need to improve upon it and there's and it's not an environment in which that's the context there's no there's no real context for that anyway um, I think I might have made a suggestion, but it's literally like instead of saying I am, should I say I'm, or maybe switching syntactically something? Right. That's something that's stand, and that's maybe happened twice that I can think of. But generally, if they write something that's supposed to be funny, I think that's, you know, pretty great. Pretty great. There was one that we changed. There was something we changed on set that was sort of a committee decision, but it was in the episode where they thought I was dead. And I can't remember. If, we shot different versions of it and I would just sort of improv a different thing. It was how, how I was described by my wife. I was like, yeah, I'm the, uh, I'm the man meat in this situation or something. I think it's, it's sort of, I'm the arm candy was supposed to be the um, impression that was given by the, uh -huh. and we were, and I was like, I don't know if man meat is really, maybe she, and we were like, yeah, just, come up with different things and then do it as scripted. And then I cannot actually remember which one. <laughs> it was like three or four years ago, but um, that would have been the only time that I can think of that we actually sort of committed a line. Other than that, it's as written. Um, another one of our listeners wanted to know what qualities, if any, do you and Abram share? We're both incredibly good looking. <laughs> Just pure animal magnetism. I mean, you know um other than that no i you know there's nothing i mean i can we all are like we all have different aspects of our personalities that we can bring to the fore or to the or, or subdue you know what i mean so I guess there's something in my DNA that has a bit of my dad. You know, I'm playing, the joke in the family is that I'm playing my dad in this show. And that's obviously not the case. I'm playing a version of my dad. Right. Um, like when I would hear him doing, particularly dictation to um, 
to you. He would dictate the results of a surgery to a machine over the phone, sometimes from home. And just, and, and listening to him talk and then just being around other doctors and hearing how they're just this sort of, you know, straight ahead, so direct um, and egomaniacal, you know what I mean? Which they have to be. Um, so sure, there's a part, I, I think that's in my DNA, that <laughs> egomaniacal asshole is in there for sure. But there's, uh, I would really like to think that in my life, I don't walk around like Sam Abrams does. <laughs> but, you know, I love him to pieces, bless his heart. <laughs> Which leads us into our next question. What's your favorite thing about him? He's a really good surgeon. He's really good at what he does. You know what I mean? He just, and he's, I think that's probably it is that his ability, he's committed to his commitment to, um, you know, trying to provide the best care he can in, you know, the chaos of a major medical center. Yeah, that's pretty, that's pretty badass. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, and I think, and I've got a lot of internal stuff that, this is just my own that I think is good about him, but that's not like, you know, he loves his wife. He loves, uh, you know, he's got kids from his first marriage. He loves, he's got, you know, they has got uh, these things that I can sort of draw from out of me, you know, they percolate yeah. inside of me as my own, in my own feeling about the character, but not, it's not something that an audience would know. Yeah. Um, something we talk about a lot is you've obviously had a pretty storied career as have a few other actors on med. And so something we're always just curious about is like, what is it like between takes? Like, do you guys ever just like swap stories about like what's been going on in the industry? Like your experiences, like what is it like between takes on set? Uh, sure. We swap. Oh yeah. All the time. Um, one of the nicest things about the show, I mean, it was funny when I was, because there were, there were four or five, I can't remember how many years there were, but there were four or five years when I was going back and forth between man in the high castle and mad and um i'd get back to high castle and people were like what's it like doing that show and i was like it's so great first of all everybody is so nice like truly like everyone is really really great and um it's the cushiest on med we have the cushiest job in the world because we're wearing pajamas <laughs> all day long essentially yeah tennis shoes i mean can i tell you after 20 plus years in film and television the amount of hard-soled shoes you know what i mean as a <laughs> you know a middle-aged white guy you play so many you know lawyers and you know detectives and whatever you know, <laughs> hard-soled shoes and suits and um you know the sort of stereotypical uniform for you know not the asshole, but sort of, you know, just anyway, the, the standard uniform is a suit yeah. hard sold shoes. And um, it's just so nice to wear tennis shoes. My God. It's so <laughs> um, and we, and we're inside and, you know, it's an air conditioned comfort most of the time um, on med, which is not the case on any other show. You know what I mean? Any other show I've been on, it's just been so, you know, you're freezing all the time. And I'm, I know on PD and fire, those guys are just like, so oh. yeah, so everybody knows how lucky they are. Everybody is super nice. Apatha and Oliver set the tone because they're, you know, the cast leaders. And it's because of the two of them that they, uh, you know, they're just amazing people. They're just so great. I mean, Apatha and I will, we were just, last time I was in town, we were cracking each other up, uh, just something. 
And so, yes, there's a lot of talk. We talk about the industry. Um, Gelfus and I just give each other tremendous amounts of grief, um, <laughs> uh, you know, and have done from the first episode we worked together on over many years ago now. So, and then we catch up with each other on their lives because I'll come in every, you know, five or six episodes. So I'll be like, what's going to happen? And, you know, and people's lives are being lived and people are, yeah. Um, you know, babies are being born and people are getting married. You know, I mean, there's all sorts of stuff happening. So we catch up on that. And then, uh, and then it depends on the type of scene as well. If it's a very heavy emotional scene, no, not a lot of joking around then. Um, but this, yeah, we, we all enjoy chatting with one another for sure. Did you and Sarah Rafferty bond over Yale last season? Yeah, we did actually. Yeah, we did. We did, and I loved working with her. She and I had a, a great time. One thing I enjoyed too was, I mean, I'm sure, I don't know if people caught it, but um, Abram's relationship with her character was interesting to me. I think he really, I think Abram's really liked her and like res respected her as a physician. So, but yeah, Sarah and I had a great time. She's awesome. And we had a lot of, a lot of our, I think she might've graduated right before me, I think, or I can't remember how it overlapped or after. I don't know how the time I don't know <laughs> we we just missed each other being there you know what I mean and, yeah uh, and so we had many uh teachers in common and yeah yeah we were great and, and a lot of people that we've worked with and, and know in our lives are friends great that's awesome um you were talking about earlier about how you've also done a lot of theater and we're curious do you like one or the, over the other like television and film over theater and do you have a favorite theater production you've been a part of it's a great question um i don't really prefer one over the other i miss theater i haven't done it in i think it's been at least 10 years since i've done a show the last show i did was at the atlantic theater company i think which is uh in new york and um we did uh, Ethan Cohen's plays. Was the last one we did. Um, I like both for different reasons. Mm -hmm. um, you know, theater, you hear people say theater is their first love, but you know, and that's true for me too. But it, uh, it's, you know, it's a grind. It's a grind. Eight shows a week. And um, so it's it's something that and the, and then the pay for theater uh, for, for TV and film is obviously it's much more commensurate to having a life and raising a family. Um, but uh, but I miss theater in terms of the live inter you know the the vibe off of an audience is something that I do miss for sure. My favorite uh, role. Uh, probably Richard the Third. Um, that was one that was really, that was a rewarding show to do. You know, just anything. Uh, Shakespeare. I played Hamlet in college. Uh, played Toby Belch uh, in Twelfth Night, which was also really fun. Um, kind of a different character, but probably Richard the Third. You know, that, it's hard to, it's hard to beat that in terms of kind of mountain to scale every night. Oh, it's got to be so difficult doing Shakespeare. 
Um, no, you know what? Uh, I actually, I've never, I, I love it. It's, it's, um, the technical demands are, are high for it, obviously, uh, vocally and physically to get through three and a half hour play. But, um, I've always really liked, uh, just iambic pentameter, man. I really dug it. I, I just, I, it's just something I think if you enjoy it, it it's, it's almost sometimes it's much easier to do uh, emotionally than hmm. a quick scene in a TV or film. It, that actually, to me, is you've got to just lock into a very chaotic environment as an actor where you're coming in. And I remember when I was first first starting out doing uh, episodic work. This as a guest coming in on a, as a guest on a mm -hmm. show just getting locked into like okay what what's the dynamic what's the dynamic on the set what's the what's the style of this show even like is it heightened is it comic is it not i mean i i feel so much for the guests who come on to any show but our show in particular and our the casting department does an amazing job of finding people who are able to slot themselves in to our world you know to the to the chicago one chicago world of mad and they're able to just perform these very heightened emotional scenes just at the drop of a hat whereas with shakespeare you've got this beautiful language that's just it's built it's designed to bring you emotionally to wherever you need to be and in, in the moment so the the language is this huge safety net that you can use to just get to where you know that you can create this character i it's difficult technically, but I think emotionally, it's almost easier to have that than, you know, a situation where you're just supposed to look over there and go and not, and then, you know, it's like, Oh God, what am I doing? Oh, oh okay. Was that all right? You know, you don't know, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Make any sense? Yeah, um, it does. It does. Yeah. So if we shift back to men and we look ahead this season, can you tease anything coming up for Abrams? No, <laughs> no. Just more of Abrams being Abrams. If I knew, I couldn't tell you. You know what I mean? No, I have no idea. I don't know. <laughs> it's going to be. I'm, I I have some. I've had discussions with the writers about something that I something we were thinking of. I don't know if they'll come to fruition, but they if they do, it'd be great. But I don't think I can tease it because it's not set. Yeah. Frequently, you know, we don't know. We don't really know what the developments are until the episode lands or anything like that. I wish I had good, I wish I had good tidbits for you. I, but story-wise, I have nothing that I could, you know, I can't, I can't, I can't throw any um, tidbits out there. Can't throw, uh, I, I have nothing. That's okay, that's okay. So that does make me think of the, the episode when they pretend killed Abrams. Did you just yeah. get that script and like freak out? What was your reaction? No, 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 they, t they, they told <laughs> <laughs> they were very sweet they were really nice they were like listen there's an episode coming up and we all think you're dead but you're not dead i was like oh well thank you for telling me because <laughs> in other shows i have found out oh your character is getting killed it was i was like what yeah that happened that's happened on more than one occasion in other shows where it's oh, like no. oh I'm wow going to be killed now yeah surprise <laughs> no med was very the 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 folks in med were so nice they were like listen we all think you you know everybody else thinks you're dead you're not really dead and i was like oh well thank you for letting me know <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, really. 
that was uh, that was that was funny though that that episode that, that was a treat that's a good one I, we love that one, one. yeah, yeah. That, right i know it's like it, it was an interesting kind of fun quirky idea i like the fact that abrams had a terrible tan you know what i mean <laughs> right that was so funny trying to imagine what abrams would be like on vacation that was a fun one too right yeah I know. <laughs> they had me in this hawaiian shirt i was like really that's what i'm wearing on my vacation all right and a dorky hawaiian shirt fantastic <laughs> on vacation just he embraces the full you know hawaiian shirt vibe okay yeah Fine. <laughs> sounds good yeah um so we always like to ask everyone especially actors who come on the podcast since we're big tv fans in general aside from chicago like what are you watching right now what are you loving like what are you what are you into right now that's a good question um basically for the pandemic i've been watching whatever my daughter wanted to watch <laughs> Um, you know, we, it's like all, we're just going to spend a lot of time together. So let's just have together time, relaxing together time, doing whatever. So we've been watching things that, uh, you know, we watched a lot of Gilmore girls, which I'd never watched. And it was really pretty impressive. The work that they do in that show, that's impressive stuff. A friend of mine was, uh, the executive producer on that show for a while got to talk to him about it so watch Gilmore Girls watch Friends watch you know stuff like that for me personally the thing that I've enjoyed well and my daughter too we really like Peaky Blinders so Peaky Blinders is good stuff and then uh for my money the best series that's going on I mean there's so many great series but uh uh Babylon Berlin is one of my just really great that's a really great show it's really impressive do you guys know that show I was gonna say no, I, I don't hear, think I've heard of it. Yeah, I hear Babylon and think sci-fi. Is that what it is? No, it's a it's a German show. Uh, it's on Netflix. It's Germany's most expensive production that they've ever done um, hmm. as a series, and it's based on a uh, some novels that are set between World War One and World War Two in Berlin. Ooh. And it's incredible. It's I think they've got three seasons that are out on Netflix right now. And I think there's, they shot the fourth one um, and it's all German actors. So it's subtitled, but it's, right. it's so good. It's really impressive. And it's, uh, it's like a police, okay. Police drama, but it covers all sorts of different aspects of what's, right. what that, what uh, German society was like between the wars and how you see the rise of fascism and, all the different, you know, the communists and <clears throat> the, you know, the club culture that was so, you know, uh, prevalent there at the same time in the Weimar Republic. It's just, it's fascinating. Really good show. That yeah. sounds like something we'd be that's, into. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say that sounds right up our alley, especially Netflix foreign drama. I mean, that sounds like right up our alley. So you should so check it out. Honestly, you should really check it out. You, I think you'd really, really like it if you guys are into high quality drama um, performed so beautifully. The cast is just so good. There are all these German actors that are not really well known there. The one woman uh, that whose name I can remember, I think Liv Lisa Fries, or I don't know how to pronounce her name in German, but it's, yeah. her last name is F-R-I-E-S, I believe. 
she's the uh lead and uh and the guy's name i can't remember it's also german believe it or not um <laughs> but they're just so great it's just really really interesting and uh the second season gets into German expressionism because they kind of set some of the show on film sets in the thirties in Germany. And I'm sorry, the twenties in Germany, silent film sets in the twenties. And uh, so they shoot the series almost in a, in an expressionistic way. A lot of the series is, takes the same cues from that uh, era of filmmaking. And I really think you'd enjoy it. Definitely check it out. I'll definitely add it to the list. Yeah, yeah that sure. sounds like something we dig. Have you touched on any of the foreign dramas from Spain? Because this is where we'll give you some <laughs> recommendations. Well, no, but I mean, one of my, you know, Dan, uh, a lot of my favorite actors are Spanish. Um, and uh, there's an incredible movie. Well, hold on. I'm going to have to look it up. I'm forgetting. What, what's, the, what's the one from Spain that you like? There's two. Okay. But the, we had, we had Kristen Hager and Guy Lockhart on the podcast last year and we recommended it to both of them. It's Money Heist is the American title. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. La Casa de Papel, I think is the Spanish title. And I probably butchered yeah. that, but one of the best shows I think I've seen on Netflix. Okay. Same. Yeah. Same. Okay. Hold on. I'm going to look up the name of this, uh, <laughs> the movie that I like so much. Oh my God. <laughs> Hold on. Give me one second. I think our new mission is to get the cast of Chicago Med to watch Money Heist. Yeah. That's, <laughs> our, that's our actual goal. Just wrote it down. Oh, uh, The Secret in Their Eyes. Do you know that one? That movie? Mm. Oh. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> the Secret in Their Eyes is. Uh, uh, they remade it actually in an, into an American movie, which. I'm Googling it. Yeah, the Secret in Their Eyes. Uh, Ricardo Doreen is in that, and he's prop. He and Dan do you know that actor, Ricardo Doreen? He's a, if I'm pronouncing his name correctly, uh, Argentinian actor who is by far he and a French actor named Daniel Atoy are my two all time favorite contemporary uh, film actors in terms of male actors on, you know, uh, doing. Uh, work now i mean i'll watch ricardo doreen do anything and i mean he is unbelievable and the secret in their eyes you guys have to check that movie oh i see they remade it with julia roberts in 2015 yeah did. and nicole kidman yeah yeah and i got to meet the director of that movie and uh tell him what a fan i was of his work and uh we just we bonded and we had a little love fest and he was like, you know my movie? I was like, oh my God, are you kidding? <laughs> Not the most incredible wonder I've ever seen uh, for starting in a soccer stadium. And uh, <laughs> it's intense too. It starts off with a murder. It's a murder mystery, but it's a much more than that. It's a love story. And there's kind of an intense murder mystery. Uh, I'm sorry, there's an intense murder scene right at the beginning. And, you're, and I'm like, uh, I don't want to watch women get killed. You know what I mean? Or yeah. like, I don't need to see... There's not have that does not have any interest for me in a in a even in a mystery thriller way, but there is one murder at the beginning of the movie, but it it, it that's that's it. It doesn't. It's not dark. It's not dark in the sense of like I'm I'm going to be depressed after I watch this. It's so beautiful. It's just the most lovely performances. You'll dig that movie. 
cool. definitely have to check it out. Yeah, Brenda, you wrote that one down, right? Yeah. Okay, good. <laughs> yeah. Money heist. I just want to make sure I wrote it down correctly. Is that right? Yeah, money heist. Yeah, I've heard of that. It's good. I should I should check it out. Yeah, yes, it's excellent. Definitely. Okay, cool. Definitely. Well, that is about all we've got. Brennan, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. This was so much fun. Yes. Hope you have something you can cobble together from my mumbling. (laughs) No, this was great. Thank you so much for coming. We appreciate it. Pleasure. You guys have a lovely evening. Brennan was amazing. I hope you guys enjoyed that interview. Lauren, thank you so much for sticking that with me for these. I don't even know how long this is going to be when I edit it, but like, it's been a long time. (laughs) We've been on this for a while, but I, we love having you and I thank you for sticking it out with me for the PD portion. I love you guys. Of course. Um, Yeah. So if our listeners don't know where they can find you, tell them, tell them where they can find you. Um, my like normal fan Twitter is <laughs> Ruzix Burgess. <laughs> um, and then you can also find me at the locker room OC and then on TikTok at the locker room OC pod where. Yes. Some- Lauren's TikToks are amazing. Uh, it's a little chaotic over there, but she happens. <laughs> They're amazing. Um, yeah. And as always, you guys know where to find us everywhere on social media, uh, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Tumblr, meet us Molly's right across the board. Um, you can find Gina at Gina watches TV. I'm at Brian K 13. Um, next week, Lauren, I think you'll be back with us again because we will be in Dallas together for Gina's wedding. Yes. And the next time you guys listen to us, which is crazy, like, It'll be listening to it the morning of Gina's wedding, which is wild. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So until then, have a good weekend, you guys. And we will see you next week for Gina's wedding. Bye. Bye.